Hello, everyone. This is Basil. And this is Gans. And you're listening to the 100th episode of Canary Cry Radio. We finally made it. We did it. We're here. You're here. Let's get ready. But before we take off, we have a couple things to talk about. Why are we whispering? Because, you know, it's the like, quiet intro thing. We've done it a couple times now. Okay. Well, okay. All right. All right. Don't worry about it. Just, just, just go with it. So we're about to start the 100th episode. Everybody sit down, take your seats, get your popcorn. It's going to be fantastic. But just so everybody knows, once this 100th episode is out, we will begin manufacturing of the Canary Cry Radio USB Archive Project. Yep, you heard it. It's actually happening. And so, like we've been saying, we had to wait for this 100th episode so it could get on the USB. So for those of you who don't know, we are putting together a metal, durable, waterproof, USB, credit card-sized flash drive with all 100 episodes of Canary Cry Radio, the 14 flybys, I believe there is 14 or 15, and an album with a hand selection of music from Gons. Why do you always say hand selected? Because you selected it with your hand. Yeah, I know. But yeah, there's. it's not just like other people's music. No, I know. Well, yeah. So, well, it's, it's, Gon's made it, but he selected it from the hundreds of tracks that he's done for Canary Cry Radio. So it, it, it is original music. Hundreds. So, I've made hand, hundreds of tracks for hand for selected. Less than a hundred episodes. It's selected by hand. Time travel. Okay. So here we go. It's there and a bunch of other cool stuff. So as we've said before, Gon's and I are not in the retail business, but for those of you who feel urged, to help Canary Cry Radio financially. If Canary Cry Radio over these 100 episodes has edified you, educated you, entertained you, or just made you smile, you can go to canarycryradio.com, go to the support tab, and sign up for a monthly donation. And if that monthly donation is $15 or more, we will send you the USB Canary Cry Radio archive project and we appreciate your patience and waiting for this hundredth episode and the reason why it took so long was because basil and i went on this crazy epic journey and we had to document the journey right i mean it it was one of those things that i didn't expect was going to happen no it happened and it we did it and it took a long long time so you're you may notice right now as you're (laughs) listening to this you may be looking down at the timer on your podcast player or on the YouTube thing, and you're like, no, this can't be right. <laughs> this is impossible. <laughs> but no, you, there is not an error in your YouTube player or your podcast player. This is real. And if you had to clear out other episodes of our podcast to make room for this one, we are not mad at you. No, it's okay. It'll live forever on your Canary Cry Radio USB archive project. Yeah, preferably you you delete other people's podcasts. But yeah, if you had exactly. to delete ours, that's okay too. Okay, all right. I think it's time to get going, Gons. Take a deep breath, anybody, anybody, and everybody. Here we go. One, two, three. You are listening to Canary Cry Radio episode one hundred.
conducting my research on the Great and Second Great Awakenings, I was shocked by the vast dissimilarity of the preaching in those days compared with the preaching of our day. And I look around today and all I see is deadness everywhere in the churches and it's tied directly to our preaching of our day. There's been a sad declension in the great doctrines of the Bible and evangelism in our day. We want to see God move in revival, but the problem is we aren't willing to preach the same messages that former men of revival preached. Part of this may be due to the fact that we're living in a day of great spiritual declension that knows little about vital Christianity. These are the days of the lukewarm church, and unfortunately, much of the preaching is lukewarm as well. It's neither hot nor cold, it's just room temperature, because the pastor doesn't want to turn the temperature up in the room and upset any of his hearers. We invite a lot of people to walk an aisle and repeat a prayer, but there is little evidence of true conversion in the churches in our day. The problem with much of the evangelism is that we present a Jesus to people who aren't interested in Him because they feel they just don't need Him. Everyone needs Christ, but their eyes are blinded and they are dead in sin. Old-time preachers knew how to use the Word of God to awaken sinners to their lost estate and ruined condition. After a sinner was awakened and convicted of sin by the Holy Spirit, then the remedy for sin was applied in the person of Jesus Christ. But today, we offer the remedy to people who just don't realize they are sick and in need of it. But sadly, much of the preaching done today is shallow, and shallow preaching leads to shallow conversions, and shallow conversions lead to shallow congregations, and shallow congregations leave the devil alone, lead the lost astray, and lead the nation into moral bankruptcy. So the end result is a long line of people going straight to hell. I don't blame the White House for the problems of our hour. I don't blame the courthouse for the problems of our day. Rather, I place the blame on the pulpits of our land that have conformed to the pagan society that they were meant to reach. And instead of preaching to the loss of pure gospel of the Son of God, the pulpits watered down the gospel so it could be more easily swallowed. And we have swallowed this diluted gospel which lacks true spiritual nourishment and we are sunk. This message is a call for the pulpits of the land to return to the old path of preaching the great doctrines of the Bible whereby men are awakened to their sins and alarmed about their lost and ruined condition before a just and holy God. Oh, we need a revival in our land today, but let the revival begin in our pulpits in the land. Oh, pray that our pulpits will have a Holy Ghost revival. We need a revival of sound preaching. We need men on fire for God and who live for eternity. Oh, God, send us such men for this hour of praise. Where did I put that thing? Okay, oh, there it is. Okay, um, where's that? Okay, I'm gonna need a little bit of this. I'm gonna turn it to the... Hello. Oh, oh my gosh. Gons, you scared me. Jeez, what are you doing, man? 
Well, you invited me to come over here, and I had to go through, like, level two of Mario Land to get here. Oh, yeah. I had just had to make it complicated. My mom kept coming and, and uh, messing with me while I work here. Anyways. So you had to get people eating plants to... To like try yeah, to keep your mom that's, out? That's kind of messed up. It was, it was a failed experiment. Anyways, um, Monsanto is this whole thing. Anyway, but but thanks. I'm glad you came because I needed to show you something. It's dark in here. Oh uh, yeah. Here, hold on. We can turn on this light. Whoa, that's not. Oh yeah, that's not the light. Don't touch that, Gons. That's the Tesla coil. Okay. So here, switch. Lights are on. Looks like a donut. Yep. Up. Oh, yeah. Do you like my disco light that's going? It's pretty sweet. It's pretty cool. All right. So as, as you know, Gans, I've, I've been working for ever since the beginning of the podcast. Uh, I've mentioned it here or there that, uh, I kind of play around with some stuff, you know, that my UFO is over there in the corner. Still can't quite get it working. Yeah, my, I know. We, we, we've been trying to get you to do it, but at the same time, we're supposed to be working on the hundredth episode. Like, I know. why are you? Well, this is exactly this is... why it's taking so long. Okay. And so and, All right. it's Basil's fault. My my time travel stuff is over in the corner. Still have not done that well. Um, anyways, but I have gotten this one thing working. Are you excited? I, Say I, you're excited. Uh, whatever. You gotta if be you excited. Can, if it's a time travel machine, it'd be nice to time travel into the future when the episode's done so we I know. don't have to do it, you know? I know, I know. The people have been waiting, and I, trust me, I feel bad, but this is going to be worth it. Okay, are you ready? I guess. All right, it's right over here. Check this out. See? Look at it! Don't you love it? So, uh, did you figure out time travel? Or it's a what's... teleporter, Gons. Oh, teleporter. We can teleport! Okay. I finally did it! I cracked the code, man! Right, but what? so did you figure out the self-consistency principle, or did you figure out the time paradox? Or you know, the... I don't have time to discuss the details of my work with you, Gons, but... It's actually kind of cool. So what I did was I loaded all the Canary Cry episodes in to the, the teleportation device. And we can actually locate any guest who has ever been on the podcast or will be on the podcast in the future. And we can just go visit them wherever they're at. So it's just a teleporter. It's not like a time travel type thing. No, well, no, but come on. Teleportation is cool, man. Just give me this. Give me what? Just give me something. It's all right. Okay. Well, it's gonna it's gonna be cool once we try it out. We, do you want to try it out? Did you figure out the the Novikov principle of free will, or what? What's the? Uh, I again, Gans, you're just you're, you're just. Did you write a paper on the the multiverse? My brain has been frying a little bit too much, and I don't have time for your your intellectual jibber jabber. Okay, this is practical teleportation. I'm a man of action. I just you, don't want to step into uh, this large device. No, we're here. doing okay. Just come over here. Just, there you go. Stand right there. Uh, okay, okay, stand right. under this. Don't just don't touch anything. Just stay right there. Okay, so it's cold. All right. All right, so why is it we, so cold? Just, just don't worry about it, right. and just don't breathe in that steam. That's not very, yeah. Just hold your breath <laughs> now. Okay, so now where where should we go first? We should go visit somebody who's been on the show before. What do you, what do you want to learn about? We want to talk about some some nephilim. We talk about nephilim all the time. All right, here we go. Let's go. Uh, 
That's just my own noises here. Now I'll actually press the button. Can I breathe? Yeah, just not the smoke. Trust me, it's it's not good. Okay, you told me to hold my breath, so. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Uh, no. All right. Really, but Brian Gadawa, uh, here we come. Okay. <laughs> Gadawa, are you there? I am here. There he is. We found you. Well, we're so happy that we got you on this podcast, and uh, you're one of the one of the very first. Actually, you might be you might be the first to be responding to us in our in our time of need. Hey, I just want to break that Guinness Book of World Records, baby. <laughs> we're going. We're going for going it. Going for it. Okay. So first of all, how are you? I'm doing great, actually. Yeah. yeah. I you am. Sa- you sound good. You sound like you got some, got some good stuff going on. I do. Well, you know, I just re- recently released my last uh, book, my last novel of the Chronicles of the Nephilim series, which you guys have been kind enough to have me on your show a couple times and, and talk about some of those novels. And this one is sort of the climax of the series called Jesus Triumphant. Right. And the series has been basically the premise of the series was I was retelling all the Bible store, all the stories in the Bible that touched upon the giants or the Nephilim, um, and maybe the Watchers, you know. And right. so, the goal was to sort of, you know, retell those stories and show this, you know, fascinating storyline that's connected to giants and Nephilim that I think a lot of Christians aren't aware of, but I think there's a growing consensus of Christians that are becoming more aware of this, and beyond just this notion of, hmm, isn't that a strange, odd, uh, you know, the Bible talks about some strange, odd things, and occasionally giants show up. No, there's actually a, a storyline that I call the War of the Seed, that sort of where the giants embody the seed of the serpent versus the seed of Eve, which is ultimately Messiah, you know, as Messiah is prophesied in Genesis 3 to crush the head of the serpent. Well, that's what Jesus triumphant is. So, I've told all these stories about giants, Nephilim, whether it's during Abraham's day, Enoch's day, all the way up through David conquering Goliath and the other Rephaim and, in, 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 you know, in the land of Israel and the Philistines. And then you would think, well, doesn't it, stop talking about giants. Well, it does, but it doesn't necessarily stop talking about the Nephilim. Mm. And that's where one of the fascinating things that I I found in my research I wanted to bring into Jesus Triumphant was this notion of... uh, how, where, are, what are, who are demons? Where do they come from? The Bible doesn't really talk about it, but there are some hints at it, and there's some connection to the Book of Enoch where it explains that the demons in Jesus's day, where he's casting them out, you know, like there's in the new, in the Old Testament, there's really nothing about, not too much at all about demons, except for maybe Saul, right, being right. you know taunted by one. Right. And then all of a sudden, along comes Messiah, and there's demons all over the land of Israel. He's casting them out left and right, right. And so, what's that about? Is that just a display of power? I think it's more than that. I think it's tied to this notion of how um, the Book of Enoch and and other scriptures hint at the notion that demons are the spirits of the dead Nephilim that Whoa. go back to the flood. Whoa. And you know, like I said, this is a you know, it's a little speculative because it's not it's not explicit in scripture, but there's a lot about it, a lot of references and hints at that, and it would make sense to me too because. It would make sense that Jesus, as the final, you know, as the messianic fulfillment of that promise of crushing the head of the serpent, uh, well, those Nephilim are that 
in the, a part of that seed of the serpent that was fighting that messianic seed all the centuries and generations, right, in the Bible. So it would make sense that he's casting those, the final casting out the Nephilim of the land for the Messiah to come in and bring salvation to all the nations, you know. That's kind of the notion. So I bring in that spiritual warfare element of the gospel that um, makes Jesus triumphant really you know, come alive with that spiritual warfare stuff. Right, right. You know, that's actually really interesting. I have been a Christian my, almost my whole life, well, practically my whole life. I've been doing this crazy stuff for years. And, you know, I never had that issue presented to me the way that the stories of giants basically disappear, but we have this appearance of sort of this new thing being demons. And like you said, they don't necessarily really appear in the Old Testament very much. Yeah, yeah. And and what's interesting is that, it, you know, the, the, the book of, of First Enoch is where it really clearly spells it out, you know, and it basically says, literally, it ta- you know, the book of First Enoch, and I know most of your uh, listeners are probably aware of this, but for those who aren't, you know, it's it's the book that sort of expands on the story of Genesis 6 that talks about how the sons of God, the d- divine beings in heaven, come down to earth, mate with women, and they have the Nephilim, are their hybrid angel-human, uh, you know, offspring that are giants, right? And that's where the Nephilim stuff originates. But the book of First Enoch sort of explains a little further and says that, you know, when those giants were wiped out in the flood, the, the, the evil spirits that, that resulted, you know, afterwards are the spirits of the dead Nephilim. And and the reason why is because when humans die, they go to Sheol and they go to the underworld and they wait, await the judgment. Uh, but angels don't or, or spirits don't. So, we're, But what happens if you're a creature that's a hybrid of human and angel? It would make sense to me that they don't necessarily, when they die, they may not necessarily go to hell or Hades or the underworld. So where would they go? Well, they roam the earth looking for bodies to inhabit. And that's kind of where the, the idea comes from. Right. And, you know, since the New Testament quotes from the book of Enoch and paraphrases and draws notions from Enoch and Jude and, and Peter and stuff, um, and first John as well, you know, it, it, it makes sense to actually consider, well, maybe that, maybe that idea in the, in the book of first Enoch might make sense. And it, it does seem to make theological sense to me, uh, with, like I said, all this bizarre outbreak of demon activity, you know, when, when the right. Messiah comes along. So, right. yeah, it was a really well, very exciting interesting. For me. And you go into that in your new book. What number is this in the, the list of books that you have going on? It, <laughs> you said this is the final one, right? Well, it, it kind of is for the series of Chronicles of the Nephilim, and it's the eighth book, the eighth novel, and it starts, the series starts with um, uh, Noah. Noah's primeval, and then there's a prequel about Enoch called Enoch Primordial, and then it kind of goes through history, Abraham and Joshua, Caleb, and after David, um, you know, there's, there's Jesus, and so there's the eight novels in Chronicles of the Nephilim, and, um, but there, there, there is going to be a new series that I'm working on now after that. But in the meantime, I'm working on another series called Chronicles of the Watchers. Ooh. And the first book is, should be out in January, which is only, only a couple months away, called The Dragon King. And it's basically, again, dealing with, you know, uh, stories in history, not all biblical, some of them will be, uh, but that deal with this watcher paradigm. That is the biblical notion that there are territorial, supernatural spirits or beings who are in authority over all the nations. And so, when there's, you know, it's a spiritual warfare paradigm, right? And so, uh, uh, the first book called The Dragon King tells the story of the first emperor of China. 
and it's based on actual historical research that actually, believe it or not, this is around 200 BC, and technically people have always thought that China has no connection to the West, but it actually may have had some connection to uh, the Jewish religion through the Tower of Babel. And so we, we're bringing some of that into the story, and I have a, a co-author with me whose name is Charlie Wen, and he was, the, he was the, for many years, the visual director of Marvel Studios, so he Whoa. developed. Yeah, so he's going to do the, the you know the, the cover illustration, and and we're also going to try to you know maybe sell the book uh, rights to the novel to make it into a movie because it, you know it'll have some fantastic elements and stuff. So we're really excited about that. That's cool. Go. The China that element is, awesome. is is pretty cool, especially because uh, I did a little research for Ancient Aliens Debunked uh, back of you know a few years ago when Chris White made that film, and my assignment which did not make the film, was um, <laughs> to look at the Golden Dragon. I think it was called the Golden Dragon. I, I, can, I can't remember the exact uh, thing. But basically, it was just the whole origin of the mythology surrounding Jiang Yu and, and some of these early dynastic you know, leaders of China. And yeah. it was really interesting to see some of the stories and mythologies because they were very much like, you know, came down, a dragon came yeah. down, that sort of thing. It was all very... Very supernatural, supernatural, but also suspiciously, uh, you know, uh, overlapping with some of the stories that we're familiar with biblically or extra biblically. Yeah, so. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, Chinese history tends to have a basically a positive image of the dragon. But you're right. I think from our Judeo Christian worldview, we have the opposite view. And that's kind of a little bit about I do actually uh, deal with some of that in the novel, uh, the origin of the dragon notion, as well as some other interesting research that, that I discovered, which was um, Chinese Christians have been saying for a long time to their, their fellow um, citizens who complain that Christianity is a Western religion, not for us. And they'd say, no, no, that's not true, because actually they show that the, the, the ancient Chinese language, which is a pictor pictogramic pictographic language, right? Um, there a lot, there's a lot of their words that show, that are pictograms that show influence from the stories of Genesis. That's right. Well, long before they had, technically had any contact with them. And so, you know, things like, uh, you know, the three, the two trees in the garden and the serpent and these kinds of things that are in the images, including, uh, the word for boat is eight people in a little boat, right? And eight people happens to be the eight survivors of Noah's Ark and such. So, mm -hmm. there's a lot of really cool connections, and they even claim that they go back to the Tower of Babel in terms of, you know, they, when, that, when that spread occurred, um, those, the Chinese people actually brought with them, you know, the, their understanding, and, and even though it was somewhat distorted, one of the most fascinating things about ancient Chinese religion, but that is before Taoism and Confucianism, when they, when they did worship the spirits and such, was that actually before the whole animism thing occurred, um, the ancient Chinese actually worshipped a single god named Shangdi. And what's fascinating is they even had altars and temples of sacrifice to, to him, and none of the, they never produced images of Shangdi. Which is really fascinating because in that t whole time period, the only other religion that did that denied images of God was Judaism, right? So that that's a fascinating connection that we also bring into the novel as well. Wow, yeah, I think it was cool. uh, it was it was Huangdi, not not Gandhi or whatever. But yeah, no, no, no. Shangdi is the name of God, but Huang 
Chin Shi Huangdi was the name of the first emperor. Right, right. There you go. Okay, that's what I was trying to clarify. My own stuff, not clarifying you. Come on, you're the man. You're the Come researcher. On. You're the scholar. <laughs> I'm just a radio guy over here trying to. And, right, yeah. And you're a very prolific author as well. So you got a whole bunch of stuff coming out. And yeah. uh, we're going to have to make oh. sure to get you on board when your new stuff starts happening. Absolutely. Because also, I'm working with a Hollywood movie company to write a movie about the book of Ruth. Woo. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because, you know, of all the, of all the Bible movies, they, they hire me, the guy who writes stories about warriors killing giants in the Bible. They hire me <laughs> to write the chick flick, right? <laughs> just, just make sure you include a Nephilim in there, you know, like peeking around the corner listen, or something listen, like that. Listen, I'm trying to, <laughs> well, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. So Ruth comes from Moab, right? And Moab and Ammon was across, uh, was across the Jordan. And, uh, Ruth occurs during the time of Judges. And they are not sure exactly when it occurs, but more than likely it's during a, a time where Ammon might have been an enemy, but not necessarily Moab. And of course, in Ammon is the bed of Og. And the Ammonites and the Moabites in Deuteronomy are described as defeating the Rephaim. Uh, before the Jews got there, but my contention would be, yeah, they may have defeated them, but there's no reason not to believe that maybe, maybe they have, you know, some were kept alive, maybe as slaves or warrior, you know, whatever. So there actually could be uh, a giant or two there. So I'm trying to see if it can work in with the storyline if, if possible, but we'll see. Nice. There we go. Well, very cool. Now, why don't you remind everybody where we can uh, get your books and do all that sort of fun stuff? Absolutely. Well, you know, I've got the, a cool new website. Just go to Godawa.com. That's my name, Godawa.com. You can find Chronicles of the Nephilim, and there's all kinds of great artwork, articles, videos, and cool stuff to if you want to you know, learn more about it before you buy it. But you can buy it exclusively on uh, Kindle paperback and audiobook all versions of the books are at amazon.com that's the that's the you know the 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 wonderful savior of of writers these days <laughs> right. amazon.com and um there's also young adult versions of the novels because my novels are very graphic in terms of they really deal with honestly and frankly with the sinfulness of man because i want to show the power of god versus the sinfulness of man uh but and so for those who are more sensitive souls who can't you know, who don't like R-rated type material. I have a young adult version of, of all the Chronicles of the Nephilim where it's, it's very, very safe for, you Ooh. know, young adults and such. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot available at, and get it all at Amazon. There you go. And if you're interested, Brian Gadawa also appears on Canary Cry Radio, episode 45, number 80, and also makes a cameo on the live episode, which is a number 63. So there you go. All right, Mr. Brian Gadawa, thanks for stopping by, buddy, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Hey, guys, can I have... Okay, great. We'll talk to you later then. But I, wanted, I wanted to ask if I could throw in one more thing if you need it for time. Sure, go absolutely. For it. Give it to us. Okay, one thing I wanted to let you guys know was was that uh, I, the the show that I was on for live was during the time of the Noah movie, and you know, I've, I my my critique of the movie went viral and all this, but I just wanted to sort of um, throw a line out there for people uh, for Christians to let them know that not everything that's coming out of the Hollywood about the Bible is bad. Um, Great new movie called uh, The Young Messiah is coming out in Easter. It's a fantastic story of Jesus as a young boy coming to understand his identity as the Christ. And it's totally good, totally, you know, faithful biblically. Of course, we don't know what really happened 
in his youth, but it's faithful to the spirit of, of the, the Gospels, and I've already seen it, and uh, so I just want to say, hey, go, go check that out if you guys, if, if, you know, during Easter, and uh, make your vote to Hollywood by going to the movies that do support a good, a good worldview or good Christian understanding of the Bible. Amen. All right, Brian. Thanks, buddy, for letting us uh, stop in here and talk a little bit with you. Uh, but we got to get going. We got a bunch more people we're going to try to go visit. Um, so uh, take it easy. Later, Brian. Think outside the cage. See, I told you, Gons. Yeah. Teleportation. Yeah. It's totally a thing. I guess. I, I guess it works, <laughs> sort of. Whatever. All right. So, where do you want to go next? Well, I mean, you know, this whole uh, Chronicles of the Nephilim thing got me thinking about real Nephilim, you know? And right. there's only one person that I can think of to go to to talk I th- Nephilim. I think I know who you're, who you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. He's got, a, he's got like, this mustache, and, he, and he's on coffee all the time. He's the man. L.A. Marzulli. Can we get all to right. him? All right. L.A. Marzulli. Let's go. Teleportation Nortator. <laughs> Gons Basil, great to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Ele Mazuli, last time we had you on uh, was episode. 58 and before that episode 11 so you were right there basically in the beginning and we haven't had you on for like 30 something episodes what's going on i don't know guys we, we've been swamped we've been busy uh watchers nine is out days of chaos uh the book by the same name days of chaos it's out we're already in our second printing with the book um flying out of here like hotcakes people realize that it's not business as usual things are coming down Look what's going on in the Middle East. Look at the $19 trillion debt in this country. Yeah. Fukushima reaction, a reactor ongoing meltdown over there. I mean, I could go on here all morning. It ain't getting better. On my opinion, these are the birth pains. It was prophesied in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. This thing is is a freight train on steroids, and it's it's not going to let up, in my opinion. Holy. Now, somebody just told me actually recently that Watchers Nine is uh, is different from the rest of the Watchers. What what separates it out a little bit? Well, it's almost two hours long. Um, for starters, I don't know whether it's actually different than the rest of the Watchers. Um, you know, it, it's it's the typical in depth interviews that we've always done. Right. Uh, perhaps even more so. I mean, it's it's almost two hours long, so it's ambitious. Uh, in that respect, um, it, one the one thing that's different, the one element that's different, which we've never done before, and I sort of insisted on it. You know, Rick, Rick was freaking out about it. He's like, oh, my gosh, what happens if, you know, that whole deal. But I felt like after eight episodes, it was time to look at the camera and talk about if you don't, if you think you know Jesus, but you don't know Jesus, you don't know. And mm. It's time to state that. And sort of, sort of give a call, give like a, you know, this is it, folks. It's coming down. If these are the last days, then this is the most important thing you could possibly do. And I look right at the camera and basically just state, if you think you know him, but you don't know him, you don't know him. And it's like, you know, it's like a Yogi Berra saying. It's like a little one-liner throwaway thing, but it's so pregnant with meaning and so true because people think they know who he is, but in reality, they have no clue who he is because there's no right. relationship with him. Right. That, Amen. In that respect, we, we really differ from what we've 
you know, done in the past. That's awesome. Yeah. Now we recently had Aaron Judkins uh, on the show. Sure. And he mentioned that he was doing something with you a little while back. Well, he was. Aaron um, is an archaeologist, and he went to Peru with us. And um, you know, he was our resident archaeologist there. He wrote a great report in the book on material of a Nephilim, Volume Two. And you can pick that up and read it for yourself. Very in-depth, very scholarly, but also very conservative, um, very scientific. He did not speculate. He looked at the evidence and said, look, um, this is what we're looking at. Um, we're not sure whether it's cradle headboarding or genetic. We don't know. We don't have, there's not enough data. And I really right. respect him for that. I mean, you know, he's... he's um, He's, and look, we're not we're not trying to be you know sensationalistic. Some people accuse us of that, but we're not. We're 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 on the trail. We're trying to pin it down. We're trying to find out you know what this stuff is, uh, what these artifacts are from Peru, with um, DNA testing and, and hair samples. And we'll actually be going down sometime in the near future. I think I, we're very close. I think to getting the permission that we need to do it. Um, we've got labs that are lined up, and uh, you know we're we're on the trail, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, there's all sorts of stuff going on behind the scenes, which I can't talk about. But Aaron's a great guy, a bully for him, um, you know, and may, perhaps in the near future, we will be using Mr. Judd Kids again. Who knows? Nice. Yeah. And that's also uh, Judd Burton. Uh, but uh, so when you look at the the whole trail of the Nephilim that you've been on and you see a lot of the chaos that's emerging, you know, consistently and uh, heightened, where does the two converge where do you see a, a point of an overlap or, or something where the two relate with the, the whole nephilim idea and the whole chaos idea well here's the deal you know we, we read a couple of scriptures first of all in genesis 3 we read that there's going to be a seed war so it's very obvious that there's something is going something is going to happen that sets up the rest of the biblical prophetic narrative in my opinion the seed of the serpent will be an enmity at war with the seed of the woman the seed of the woman manifests in of course the messiah 2000 years ago and what as christians we believe is the messiah you know the jewish people don't believe in that and that's fine i believe and i say this with all due respect because i love israel and i love the jewish people because they're god's chosen people and the messiah was jewish from the tribe of judah there's no way we can tap dance around that um but you know the replacements theology crowd is trying to tell us that well you know, he's really aren't the jews and that's a three-hour discussion we don't have time for that but the bottom line is this 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 war has been going on. There are multiple incursions. Nowhere in the Bible is there a man that says, well, the seed of a serpent will only manifest before the flood. It doesn't say that. It says the seed of a serpent will be at war with the seed of the woman. And, of course, the seed of a serpent eventually becomes the Antichrist, the anti-Messiah, the one instead of Messiah. That is the sperm, genetic information. I have no idea how that works, nor does anyone else. But I only know what the what scripture tells me, which is sperma. I mean, that's what seed is. So somehow genetic information is exchanged between the fallen cherub and some woman on this planet. And that, that, that person is the son of perdition, which Second Thessalonians tells us. Now, in that same passage in Second, Second Thessalonians, it also tells us very succinctly what is going to happen at the end. Satan comes with all signs and lying wonders. It'll be like the days of Noah and the Son of Man returned and there are great similarities between what happened in the days of Noah and what we see happening now that's why i've written nine books on the subject that's why we've got you know nine different installments in the watcher series i'm constantly blogging about it Con you know look about 10 years ago when i first started talking about implants i was laughed at people were laughing at me in the christian community oh la has gone off the deep end 
Well, we did Watchers 7 and Watchers 8. Nothing but crickets out there now. We don't hear anything because it's all on film. You know, what are you going to say that we're making this stuff up? That's basically all you can say. This guy was abducted when he was five. The implant's 40 years old. High strangers in the operating table, we an operating theater. We can't find the implant. It's like the thing is being cloaked. It's hidden. It's gone. One prayer changes the atmosphere. And all of a sudden, the implant comes screaming uh, up, on, up, up, on the, up on the monitor. I mean, what? You know, and then we mm. take the thing out. So, I mean, there's... This is the deal. It's one thing to sit and read a bunch of books, and that's great. We all do that as researchers. It's a total other thing to be out in the field, looking at stuff, doing hard, hardcore scientific evidence, which is what we did, or scientific study, which is what we did when we took the implant, took it down to the seal lab, ran it through a scanning electron microscope with an EDX feature, were able to see what this thing looked like, went down 80,000 times with the scanning electron microscope, saw what appeared to be like maybe double-walled carbon nanotubes, and on and on it goes. That's the kind of stuff we're engaged in. And we have limited funds, you know? And so that's why we're on the trail. So there's a convergence between what happened in the days of Noah with the Nephilim, the giant skeletons, the six-fingered stuff, all the stuff that the Native Americans talk about. And where I, you know, my, my photograph, by the way, in Catalina, or Alf Glidden standing in front of that openly excavated uh, tomb in front of him as a nine-foot giant. We had three people uh, definitely uh, vet that for us. Uh, with different computer programs, the History Channel. I was on that show uh, with the Vieira Brothers in Search of the Lost Giants. I was on the season finale. And they make it look like the Vieira Brothers discovered the photograph. And the reason why I keep bringing that up is because, you know, you tell a lie often enough and people believe it. There's some guy believing now, uh, you know, and he's got his own platform. He's a secular guy, and that's all fine. But he's saying, well, the Vieira Brothers discovered the photograph. No, they didn't. I gave it to Jim Vieira. I went out to the <laughs> island. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that flew out there. I'm the guy that spent 10 hours in the archives, and it ticks me off like no end when these guys, you know, try to claim they steal your work. They steal your work, and it ticks me off. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, L.A. Marzulli, thanks for coming on the show, buddy, and hey, thanks for, for keeping us updated on what you're doing, and also, who really found the photos? Um, why don't you let us all know where uh, we can find your stuff? LAMarzulli.net, LAMarzulli.net. And by the way, folks, um, for those of you who have contributed to the up-and-coming new TV show, um, we're, we're in the process of actually moving even today, and that will be on politicsprophecyandthesupernatural.com. Politicsprophecyandthesupernatural.com. We'll also link to Facebook and Roku and all the other sites and everything else, but that's where we're headed. We are excited. Cool. All right. Sounds good. All right, Gons, let's get going. Back outside the cage, guys. All right, I guess I'm right, starting guns. to believe that your time travel uh, teleporter thing works, I'm sort of. I'm make, making you a believer, man. Yeah. Not so much time travel. You, you can't. You, you, I'm it mixing just it up because you were never clear on what you were trying to figure out here. I mean, you don't even have a name for this thing. It's the teleportationator tator. Yeah, it sounds pretty uh, pretty uh, I'm rip-off-y. Working, I'm working on it. It's a working title. Yeah, well, you um, know, are we are, are we are we actually traveling through a black hole? Is this what's happening, or what's what's going on? Is this an yeah, Einstein it's kinda, it, it, well, you've, you've heard of a wormhole, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the Einstein you know, there's, bridge. There's discussions about wormholes, and there's discussions about you know tearing our uh, physical bodies apart cell by cell and traveling through the air, and then reassembling them on the other side. There's all sorts of theories. Um, 
when it comes to time travel or sorry teleportation atoring um well i mean but, it's kind of the same thing we are technically sort of time traveling if we are teleporting right that's true because time and space are connected and un uh anyways big fancy words <laughs> well you know what's funny is um you know the whole nephilim thing and, and just all the craziness going on reminds me of uh another sort of thing that's tied to the nephilim which is a bigfoot i'm telling you gons i'm telling you we're learning all this stuff about the nephilim and we're gonna have to check something else out because i know a guy who knows a little something and it Kinda makes me think the Nephilim might still be walking around in the woods somewhere. And they need some shaving. And they, they're very hairy. They need to they need to get waxed. Yeah, you know it. We're gonna go see Tommy Pullman. Let's go. <laughs> where where is he? Are we there yet? We're there. Are we there yet? Here's Tommy. Tommy! Hey, Gons and Basil. How are you guys doing today? Doing what great, man. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Works busy as always, but... Yeah. Are um, you out in the forest somewhere? I, I was out a little bit um, more in a... Not in a Bigfoot sense, but in a recreational sense about a, a month <laughs> or two ago. But um, always, anytime I'm out in the woods recreationally, you always got an, an eye to the tree line. Right, right. <laughs> Well, that's fun. You were, uh, for those of you who may not have caught his episode, it's episode 88 on CanaryCryRadio.com or iTunes. And uh, we had a good time. That was a fun interview. Yeah. Yes, it was. And, uh, you know, ever since that interview, I've uh, kind of gone and done a little additional research with, the, you know, the connection with the Giants. That's just been pretty fascinating to me. And right. Because one of the more common questions that I get in Bigfoot research is tell me if these things are real or the bones, which has always been a great question. Where are the bones? Where are the right. bones? To which my response has always been, well, you know, if there's some sort of an intelligent being, um, sentient, if you will, they're, right. they're, prob they're probably burying them. But then now, well, the more research I'm doing with the mounds across North America, and even now, you know, interesting enough, in the area where I do my research here in the Uwara National Forest, I've, you know, I've always heard of it, but never made the connection. But there are mounds. It's an area called Town Creek Indian Mound, and I've not really gone up to check it out. But I want to go, you know, research a little further and see if there's some sort of connection there. So it's kind Could of interesting. A, a bone depository there for Bigfoot? Maybe, maybe. You know, the, that that race that were, was here so many hundreds of years ago. Um, however, they made their way over. Yeah, and uh, they they buried their dead. So who's to say that you know today, um, this remnant, whatever they are, are, are not doing the same thing? Yeah, there you go. So it's been a while since we've talked to you. Um, has there been any notable sightings anywhere around the world recently, or uh, has Bigfoot been laying low for a while? Uh, from time, and I, and I keep my finger to the pulse. Um, you know, as as I do my normal ministry work. Um, but nothing huge or significant that's popped out. But from time to time, you'll get the, uh, you know, the occasional, hey, look at this video. And I would say I venture to guess most of the ones that have come out that have made any kind of news um, with the news reporters kind of giggling about it. They, right. They've been pretty much been, you can tell they're fake. And this with the trained eye, if you've been a researcher for a while and seeing, seeing the authentic, the real deal, right. the fake ones, so tell 
just by the movement and how the heads move and, and the gait of the individual, you can tell it's human. These the, the animals that are filmed, are, if you ever uh, do get the privilege of see it or you witness uh, or speak to an eyewitness who's seen them, their strides are big and fluid, and the sightings are fleeting, two to three seconds max. Rarely ever do you have somebody that you know has an extended gaze with one. Right. You're a pro, Tommy. You're a pro. <laughs> I've, I've been doing it for a while. I wouldn't call myself as professional as some of the other uh, my, my more veteran guys that I hang out with, but you know, I glean a lot of information from them as well. Great. Cool. So when are you going to invite us out there to uh, the woods uh, and we can document the whole thing and that'll cause Basil to be in his uh, masked uh, figure for extended periods of time, which I would enjoy uh, just to be around. <laughs> <laughs> we could get basil in his bigfoot costume and he can right. make his mating has call. anybody tried to attract bigfoots big feats with uh, a costume with, with a costume of mannequins yeah there's been been stories of people that like in oregon i don't know the guy actually dressed up uh, many years ago uh, the guy actually made a bigfoot trap like a big caged box <laughs> and tried to lure him in, and uh, and I, I, don't, I can't remember recall how the story went, but it was uh, needless to say wasn't successful. Uh, you know these things are you know people. Uh, the problem with a lot of folks when they go out and try to hunt or research, they they're treating them like they're some sort of an animal. And I can tell right. you, from my, they're they are not an animal, which is why you know my conclusions is always directed to this sentient time being. No, it's not a missing link, but it has a lot of strong resemblances to. Um, what is considered the Raphaim and the Nephilim that we read about in the Old Testament, and the connections are powerful. Right. And, uh, especially when you make the connections with the the eerie stuff that I mentioned on the you know episode eighty eight, well, they're making their eyes that can glow red or orange, or they do this thing that's called zapping, where they can actually immobilize a prey or a person that may get too close, and they're large in stature. I mean, that's just kind of weird for an animal to have all these you know interesting characteristics all wrapped up into one. You know, the only other yeah. thing I can you know, that doesn't mean like, like a platypus, but, you know, this is not anything like that. It's very, I mean, it borderlines that supernatural realm. I don't, there's some people believe that they can cloak and, you know, materialize in and out. I don't, I don't really buy that. I think they're flesh and blood. And I think they truly are just part of that remnant of when, you know, the Benai Elohim came down and mated with uh, the female humans and they bore these giants. And I think this is just a remnant of them. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because uh, they just announced today Denisovan tooth discovered in Siberia contains DNA from extinct species of humans. So, you know, maybe they found some Nephilim stuff and they're, you know, calling it an extinct race of humans. But, you know, that's very possible. You know, you know, even one of the more research I've done with the bones and back in the late 1800s and people discovering these uh, mounds with all these giant bones, it seems like, you know, and I, and I saw some of L.A. Merzoli's work. It seems like it, you know, I, I used to think it was maybe one or two little skeletons, but it's a bunch. A bunch of skeletons were yeah. found from Ohio to Pennsylvania to New York. And these mounds where, you know, there were tons of these skeletons, giants. They're all, you know, collected up, boxed up, and sent to the Smithsonian to, hey, can you guys check it out? And then when people go back to find them later, they're like, oh, oh, we lost them. <laughs> you know, right. like, how convenient. But right. then, it, you know, that begs the question, and Gons, I think you asked that last time, well, you know, why? Why the cover-up? You know, what's the big deal about, you know, hiding, you know, the existence of Bigfoot? 
but then you know you know from from a biblical standpoint to me it would make a a stronger argument for you know the word of god in the bible i mean to me it's more that physical evidence kind of like noah's ark or the ark of the covenant yeah the conspiracy continues (laughs) um i know yeah it can can go a thousand different ways with it but um i'm a i'm a dot connector and uh, i like to get out to the field and um you know connect those dots and see it and um the best evidence we have today are the eyewitness testimonies and scant few pics and videos that we do have there you go cool now remind everybody where they can find all of your research um do you have a book or a website no book no website i'm kind of an off the radar kind of a guy Um, oh yeah my my old phrase in line was to look me up on facebook but i've kind of retreated from facebook i've taken a bit of a, a hiatus from it's been refreshing. I know you guys are on social media, but it's actually been kind of refreshing to be off of it. And I mean, that the, sounds awesome to not have a Facebook or a website. We envy you. And yeah, we don't so have a book, so we know that freedom. But I, I've got, uh, just because my ministry uses some of it, you know, our, with our church plan, I, I do have Facebook Messenger. So people can look me up and message me on Facebook. I've got the app, and I, and I typically respond to folks who got questions. There was a people that you guys um, do shows with that contacted me um, and want to do interviews too but uh, so they can they can certainly reach out to me that way as well all right tommy well thanks for talking to us buddy we got to get going though. later tommy bye think outside the cage hey you know uh, this whole thing with the nephilim and the bigfoot you know it, it goes back like way back right to noah's time yeah, it's, it's it's all over the place. Genesis six, baby. Yeah, and some people say like the whole Noah's Ark thing is fake. You know, who says that? I don't know. People, people in the world, they're like somebody. Uh, somebody says that. Yeah, I mean, some people say that, but I mean, do we do we have any guests that like actually like tried to find the actual real Noah's Ark at all? Funny you should mention that, Guns, because we had the Indiana Jones of the of the fringe Christian people, <laughs> and his name is Aaron Jenkins. Here we go. Look what we've uncovered, Gons. What is it? it it's Aaron Judkins. How you back. doing, Aaron? <laughs> Basil and Gons. How are you guys? <laughs> We're doing great, man. For those of awesome. you... For those of you who uh, might not remember, Mr. Aaron Judkins was on episode 36 way back in 2012, 2013, and also episode 59. So you're a you're a double double doozy. This <laughs> right? is the word I just made up. I've been called double doozy before, but yeah, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been? What have you been up to since we last saw you? Uh, 40, almost 40 episodes ago. 40 episodes ago. There's a lot happened in 40 episodes. Uh, yeah. Little Maverick here. Um, <laughs> well, you know, what have I been doing? I have, um, I have climbed Mount Ararat in eastern Turkey and back since I've been on with you guys, I think. Um, been to Peru and Bolivia. I've I just basically been around the world probably once since I've talked to you guys last um <laughs> that's it episodes ago and that's it's, funny it's, well it's 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 true it's um you know you never know people ask me all the time what are you doing and and you know where are you going next and i said i have 
I have no idea. I never know. It's, you know, every day is a new, is something new, you know, a new adventure. Of course, right. these trips, these expeditions were planned in advance. And who knew I was going to be in Peru and Bolivia, you know, a month before I was, but there, there I, sure I find did. myself in Lima and, uh, you know, flying over the Nazca lines and in Machu Picchu and into Bolivia, looking at Puma Punca and Tiwanaku and, you know what Ooh. a fascinating thing. I was over there for a month, so it's it's just fascinating. But uh You're a busy boy. You're a busy, busy boy. Well, I, I remember on your last uh episode you were you were just getting ready to climb uh Mount Ararat and you were looking for the Noah's Ark, right? Right. Right. And then you did that. And yes. what do you what's this whole Peru business that you got going on? Oh, well, you know, after after our main expedition in eastern Turkey to search for Noah's Ark, that came out in a theatrical documentary release called Finding Noah. Um, and we can talk about it a little bit more if you want. But, you know, about three, four months afterwards uh, of being in eastern Turkey for two months, I was asked to go to Peru uh, by L.A. Marzulli to come on board as a consulting archaeologist to study the Paracas elongated skulls. Mm. And... Um, so uh, there was four skulls. We went to the Paracas History Museum. There were four particular skulls L.A. wanted me to study. And we spent five days at the Paracas Museum studying these skulls from a forensic point of view and from an osteological point of view. So I got some good hands-on research down there with, with looking at these skulls. And my job was to assess them and to... To, to take a, you know, a scientific critique of what these skulls were telling us. What's the information that we can glean from the skulls? Right. Um, that includes measurements and cranial volumes and things like this. And, and so uh, there was a team, Chase Klesky and Joe Taylor, L.A. Marzulli and, and myself. And, you know, my job was to look at this. One, one of the things that we got to do, which I thought was fascinating, was that the um, senior one, who's the director of the museum, allowed us to unwrap an infant skull that was probably 2,000 years old. Wow. What made this unique was that it's the youngest elongated skull that there is, and it was still mummified in the wrapping. It took us probably six hours to unwrap oh. this skull so we can just to see, well, you know, just to study the thing. Right. And, you know, it saw light for the first time in probably 2,000 years. Incredible. Wow. That um, is incredible. The textiles were, were, were just amazing. It had these little crabs of, um, you know, the Paracas culture were sea people. They, they lived on the coast. And to have these little crabs of, you know, yellow and green and red and purple embroidered around the head wrapping probably meant, a, you know, a royal significance of some sort. Definitely not a common burial. So, you know, my job was to look at these skulls. Now, if you go back and, and you look at all the Paracas elongated skulls coming out of Peru, what's the most common, uh, I guess, the most common theory that's out there about these skulls? And that is that they are Nephilim skulls or that they show that we're ancient alien Anunnaki. And right. I, I don't hold to that personally from that theory. I'm, I'm not an ancient astronaut guy. It's a theory. And look, I think the theory is, uh, 
there's no there's no evidence for the theory. Now, a lot of people that, especially in ancient aliens, you'll see that, oh, we go to Puma Punka and Tiwanaku and there's evidence here in the archaeological record. I went there and the and the evidence that they say that they're using for the Anunnaki is is simply exp- explained through archaeological um, evidences that we know of through the Ogman's razor. You apply Ogman's razor to it. That means that you take the evidence. And yes, we don't know everything. We don't have the complete picture. That's part of archaeology. It's a puzzle. But you take Ogman's razor principle, and when you apply it, you understand that the simplest exp- explanation is usually true. Right, and in the case of the Parachus skulls, skulls, the elongated skulls, um, they're probably cradle boarded, which means that they they have artificial manipulation done on the skulls. Right, and so we have to ask, you know, what is the best evidences that we have? And so I wrote this report for L.A. Marzulli in On the Trail of the Nephilim, Volume Two. We also uh, filmed the Watchers Eight. In Peru, in Bolivia, um, and if you haven't seen Watchers Eight, it's it's unique. It's not all about our expedition in Peru or about the skulls. It's it's you know a variety of things, but that's part of it on Watchers Eight, and it actually shows us unwrapping this infant skull. So very unique, um, certainly. But right. are they are they Anunnaki skulls? Are they extraterrestrial? Does this mean that we've been seeded? The answer from an archaeological point of view is no, that we cannot do that scientifically. Right. Scientifically, we can only say that they're, they're elongated probably through artificial um, manipulation, through cradle headboarding. Is there right. interesting anomalies about the skulls? Yes, there is. Does it show some Polynesian traits? Yes, they do in some cases. So, you know, there there's certainly some things the scientific record that we can look at as an archaeologist cannot come out and say that these are Anunnaki skulls. No, I can't. But you certainly hear this being all over the internet. All over. Right. Um, yeah. And my job is to simply look at the evidence and let's look at the empirical evidence they're showing us. There and they so when, go. Yeah. So when I come up, you know, across some of these debates online, people, you know, people are going to believe what they want to believe. Right. In the face of evidence, sometimes, which, which is <laughs> like, what you know, here's here's right. good evidence, here's empirical evidence, it's concrete. Well, we definitely appreciate that. Actually, you know, sometimes it's kind of a breath of fresh air to get some some real solid somebody is given some real solid information, some real solid scientific uh, observation of these things. And who better than you, the Indiana Jones of uh, fringe Christianity? So. You got a movie out, big movie star man. Well, you know, I, I yes, I was in a movie, but the star part, you know, uh, <laughs> probably not. Uh, yes, we we had a a movie a release. It's a documentary film that came out in theaters back mm-hmm. on October eighth. It was called Finding Noah, there and Finding go. Noah was about our expedition on Mount Ararat in eastern Turkey. Um, this so is, is it still in theaters or is it available online? Uh, it's not in theaters. It, we got a one night showing in uh-huh. theaters only. We went out across 640 theaters across the country, but wow. we only got one night. We can't compete with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I yeah. can't. I <laughs> no, can't not many can. 
is Mr. Universe. <laughs> Next time you just gotta bring him with you and then yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll terminate the, the side of the mountain, you know? He'll terminate the mountain. I know. I think the Kurds and the Turks are gonna do that for us. But uh <laughs> So why don't you share uh, again with everybody where we can find your stuff? What's your what's your uh website? You got a Facebook? Uh for people who want to learn more about the film Finding Noah, it will be coming out on DVD in early 2016. Um, we'll have all the extra footage on there, findingnoah.com, findingnoah.com. Uh, to follow me and my work and what I'm doing next, it's simple, aaronjudkins.com, um, and you can learn more about there. And then through the Facebook page, Man versus Archaeology, mm. and I'm asking for your input because I'm in current productions, um, not productions, Aaron. I'm in current discussions with some producers about doing a new show on archaeology. And uh, where is it going to go? I, I don't know. But um, but certainly we need your feedback. So if you go to uh, Facebook, Man versus Archaeology, and um, you know, just type in what you want to see, what, what interests you. That's what I'm working on right now, guys. And um, like I said, you never know where I'm going to end up. I mean, but... I mean, be, be back over in Peru. I love Peru. Machu Picchu. Incredible. Incredible. All right, Mr. Aaron Judkins. Thanks a lot, buddy. We got to get going, though. Why do, why do you always get to dictate whether we have to go or not? Is this something thing with your teleporter? Because thing? I'm the guy with the teleporter. That's why. All right. Okay. Well, all right. Let's, let's go. Okay. Hey, this is Maverick, the Maverick Archaeologist, and you're listening to Basil and Gons here on Mary Cry Radio, Thinking Outside the Cave. Do you know anybody else we should visit? I think we got time for one more Nephilim guy. Well, yeah, I mean, well, Nephilim ties into all kinds of other stuff, right? Right. I kind of get the feeling that we had a guest a long time ago. I think it was like a double episode or something. Where we talked to a guy, I think his name was Jim Wilhelmson. I think that's him. talked about some crazy stuff, and it was just really awesome. And uh, what, what's that noise, that tapping? Do you, Do you hear, that? hear that? What is that? That is the weirdest. What is it? I don't know. It sounds like a, like a, like a dinosaur eating. Actually, that's, you know, that's Raymond noodles. I'm cutting them up because I don't like them all long and stringy and I'm eating my lunch. Sorry. That's <laughs> really funny. <laughs> Actually, guys, you know, there's been so much happening that I've had to, uh, this winter, I'm, I'm setting aside. I'm going to make a follow-up update book on my book. It's going to be called Way Beyond Science Fiction. Um, I have discovered some things. Just before I was on my way to go down to Prophecy Club to give a, a four DVD presentation, Lord kept telling me, "Look up Job forty-one." I'm kind of arguing with the Lord. I'm saying, "Lord, I, this is more work than I thought I was going to be able to do. I can't do, you know, wham, 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 wham." And, and he just wouldn't let it go. He said, "Look up Job forty-one." Of course, it's the chapter about Leviathan, right? And I've always known that it wasn't talking about Beanie and Cecil, some kind of a sea serpent thing. I mean, you devote a whole chapter to a mythical creature really i don't think so there's something more you know deeper there well right. the, cl- the clue to that is in in the very last verse or second to the last verse it says in and it's in reference to leviathan it says and he is the father of the children of pride well that's satan and in all the symbology that's used there and everything all translators theologians have always associated with some kind of a sea serpent and so they totally miss what the original language is actually telling us actually in that context 
It's talking about the total embodiment of Satan as uh. Leviathan. It's all the characters, people, non-humans that are formed in an alliance, a location of where they're at. My gosh, what I found out in that whole chapter, it's talking about the folding of two axes or four corners of the earth. It's talking about the hollow earth, the importance of it. In fact, Ooh. it's accidentally lit there that looked like their descendants that are non-human and some human, but they all look the same. Gee, they all look like the Nordics, white, tall, Caucasian, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Oh, Nordics. boy. And so it's, it, you know, I, I busted open a beehive here. So there's so much that I had to, I figured, man, I, I can't even do this in a, a video or anything. I'm going to have to, you know, write an update on my book. Right. Cool. I think CERN has possibly the key to opening up the bottomless pit. And I remember talking one time with L.A. Marzulli, and he was, I was telling him that I didn't think that the locusts were genetically going to be genetically modified grasshoppers with, you know, scorpion tails and everything like that. And he, he kind of got upset that, you know, you don't think it's literal. I said, no, I didn't say I didn't think it was literal. There's literally something coming from an inner earth. It's just not what most people are expecting. And now with the technology we have to, to make all kinds of Frankenstein things, they might even set up a fake locust invasion like that. But... If you look at the eight different points of definition, there's eight different points that tell us some, a totally different story, defining, letting the Bible define itself by itself. Long story short, the Lord told me, look up sounds, look up sounds. I'm going, sounds? I mean, you know, and it's from Revelation 9, where it says, and the sounds of their wings were as the sounds of many chariots in the battle. It's a mind blower. It, puts a, uh, it proves what I'm trying to say, that there is something totally different going on here. You know what the right. word sounds is in Greek? Nope. Not off the top of my head. It's phone. Now you phone. look up phone. Now you look up phone as a uh, the Greek definition of phone. It means a mathematical address. You're Ooh, dialing uh... something in. You're dialing something in. Now wings has a is more clearly defined in the book of Enoch, but wings, the angels are guarding the four uh wings of the wind, is what it says in Revelations. These are four points of the compass. I mean, the Earth is—it's not flat and it's—it's it's not um, square. It's round, but it has four points of importance that actually make two different bottomless pits. One is the holes at the poles to a hollow Earth, north right. and, south. and then east and west. This is what really freaked me out. East and west uh, in Job forty-one, it talks about dangling doors or revolving doors. Sometimes they're open, sometimes they're closed. This would run east and west. Mm. I automatically, I knew, I said, wow, that's the Devil's Triangle and the Dragon Sea off the coast of Japan and, you know, off the coast of Bermuda. If you draw a line straight through, they, they actually connect right. on the same latitude line. Well, I was looking for a PowerPoint presentation. I was looking for a picture of that, and I only found, I didn't find what I was looking for. I found the map stretched out, and then they show the two triangles with, you know, with a line going through the center. I'm going, wait a minute, the tips look like they're... They're actually touching. So I took it on Photoshop, put it on top of the, the tips, and then I'm looking at it. I'm going, gosh, it looks like a charm bracelet with two dangling doors. I'm going, oh, that's too weird. <laughs> wow. You think about the, uh, the devil's triangle. Sometimes it seems to be open. Sometimes it seems to be closed. Right. Same with your point. Right. There's your revolving doors. This, wow. I believe, what the Lord told me was this is the great gulf fixed between the upper and the lower chamber. This is an electromagnetic grid with a lot of anomalies, but it also is the etherical bottomless pit. We have a literal physical bottomless pit of the hollow earth, which is the openings of the poles, but we have the etherical, which is the other. The Bible describes in Job 41 as a folding together to release what's inside. And wow. I'm going, oh my gosh, this follows the occult. 
the whole principle of the occult of, of in order to bring the etherical to the uh, physical, you have to find a center location, all kinds of, it just goes all over the place, but it interconnects all kinds of things. Right. Uh, You've been hard at work, my friend. Oh, I've been crazy at work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're working on this new book. When do you think it's going to be out? Oh, I, you know, I'm going to try to keep it really little because I don't have a lot of money to um, get anything republished. Um, right. I'm hoping by spring. I hope if I'm diligent, I can get it done through the winter. And then by spring, um, I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able to come out with it. It'll be called Way Beyond Science Fiction. <laughs> Way Beyond Science Fiction. Well, sounds good. We're going to have to get you on the show then, uh, coming up when that starts gearing up to come out. You know, people are really enjoying. We've been uh, posting our episodes on YouTube, and uh, you're, I believe you had a part one and a part two. Yeah, episode 53 and 54, almost four hours with Jim. Yeah, and uh, people are really responding well to it, even though it's a, it's an older one. People are loving it, Jim. You know, I've, I've sold more books recently this last year than I have in probably the last eight years or so. And it's because I believe a lot of the material that was in my book was so far ahead of its time, but now it's becoming more and more relevant to other things. I mean, in 1996, if you can imagine, I'm trying to talk about time travel, um, the Nazis being the first ones to venture into that area, Nazi you know, UFOs. I mean, that was so way ahead of its time. I was just a kook and a nut. Nobody believed me. Now, you see Jim Mars on Ancient Aliens. You see a lot of the others that at one time they laughed at me. Now they're the poster children for MUFON for Nazi UFOs. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's playing catch up now. And now it's becoming more and more relevant. People are looking back and going, oh, Momson wasn't so crazy after all. Look at that. I saw it. There you go. <laughs> well, it's interesting too. Uh, I actually had a dream really recently. That And this may or may not be relevant to anything. I just wanted to let you know because you brought up Leviathan. But I had this dream that, you know, maybe I'm just looking at this stuff way too often. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, I'm running around and, and the sky kind of opens up. But it, it, uh, this swirl starts kind of like if you have uh, water in a sink and you, and you unpop the drain and it does that spiral thing. Well, it was mm -hmm. happening in the sky and this huge spiral thing, gateway thing opened. And this creature came up to what looked like a barrier or a glass window almost is the way I kind of describe it. And, you know, you know how in dreams you kind of just know what's going on. Well, right. in my dream, I knew that it was Leviathan, like this creature mm -hmm. was named Leviathan. And, um, you know, it was trying to get through and it was getting ready to get through. And I was running around trying to warn people of uh, everything happening in the gospel and everything in my dream, of course. And then I wake up and uh, um, I'm freaking out a little bit. But it's interesting. I I'm, I'm wondering if uh, there's something there, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I've always said, guys, that everything's going to happen in the same but opposite. So whatever God has done, Satan is going to imitate and mock in the same but opposite fashion. So if Christ came twice and he was going to be the firstborn of the dead, the firstborn of, of many brethren, then the Antichrist is going to imitate the same thing. So in other words, a dead man comes back to life. Revelation 17th chapter, I know everybody's always said, oh, that's talking about the Holy Roman Empire. No, it's not, because it uses a first-person singular noun, which means an individual, a leader of one of seven prior empires, will come, he'll die, he'll come back out of the pit to lead the final eighth empire. Why? Because he is going to be the firstborn of his brethren. We see that you know, like Job 26.6, there's going to be a repairing or a restoration of the disembodied spirits. They're going to be brought back into a physical uh, body. They're going to be where what uh, uh, Joel's second chapter, where Joel described that there would be a, a great congregation of people that had never been before and never will be again. This is good news for the Chinese. It's not them. This is an, uh, uh, another world Frankenstein collection of, uh, of a combination of uh, cybernetic uh, transhuman clone cyborg type 
things Ooh. that are resurrected Nephilim. They're right. coming up from the bottomless pit. They are, or they represent the same but opposite of the firstborn of their ruler. Their ruler, I believe, through cloning or whatever, is brought back to life and restoration, and then that same technology is applied to them and then offered to whosoever will. So I think the real mark of the beast isn't going to be a chip or anything. It's going to be the offer under a fake second coming by the fake cosmic Christ as a invulnerable, immortal body. And I think that's why people seek death and they can't find it, is what it, it describes in uh, Revelation 9. Right. So it, it all plays in, but if that's true, then everything else was, will follow too. When Christ died, he first, he didn't ascend into heaven until 40 days later. He first descended into the lower parts of the earth, Peter said. Um, he also said uh, that it was, uh, you know, Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom meaning an inner pocket in the earth. Jesus described the whole mechanics of, of the inside earth or how earth. Right, right. He told the thief on the cross, this day you will be with me in paradise. Where did he go? He went inside the earth. So where, what is paradise? Paradise is Abraham's bosom. If paradise is Abraham's bosom, there's another scripture that says, to him that overcometh will I grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Eden's inside the earth, man. It's not on the outside. Wow. Well, You're going to have to take that up with Stan Deo. <laughs> Um, you know, Stan first got his ideas to start looking into a hollow earth thing from some of my work. There you uh, go. He's always kind of written me off as just, you know, because I don't have the polish or the luster of a, how can I put it? I'm a welder from Detroit, a biker. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I don't have that fine, polished, what you would expect from a theologian. Right. No elbow patches and beard. No, well, you know, actually, I do have I do have a wool sport jacket with the elbow patches. I kind of like it too. It's you can clean up real good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, Jim, I'm sorry. Jim, the teleport is just whoa. Jim, think outside the cave. Oh man, what happened? I don't know. We just the teleporter just kind of took us. We didn't even. I didn't even press the button. I swear. Well, it's probably because his website is echoesofenoch.com, and of course, God took Enoch. So maybe, maybe the teleporter took us. Wow, that that was a good save, Gons. <laughs> that was a good save. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, I guess since we're uh, just flying through, you know, in between time and space here, we should uh, figure out somewhere else to go. You know. He talked a little bit about the hollow earth, and I always liked that theory. I thought it was fascinating, at least. But, you know, there's there's this, this new theory going around. Well, I guess it's, it's not, not new. It's not new. It's very old. But it's, a, it's new. It's the old new. It's new old. It's very it's very in, in vogue right now. Are you talking about the, the pancake theory? Oh, I'm talking about flat earth, baby. Ooh. Yeah. Do we really want to go there, man? I don't know, man. We've we talked about it with Mark Sargent and you know, we talked about it with another guy. Well, we didn't talk about Flat Earth, but since we've talked with him, he has been talking about Flat Earth quite a bit. I'm confused now. So you're you, wait, what? <laughs> I'm saying the guy we talked to about it, I'm, but then we didn't talk about it with him, but then he talk, talked about talking it. Talking is hard when you're flying through I'm in space, yeah, God. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll I'll let you, you know, let go of... See, now you've messed me up. I don't know what Art. I'm saying. This whole teleportation, <laughs> we're like stuck between space and time, and, and we're just losing it, man. We're losing it. All right, teleportation, nater-tater. Take us to Rob Skiba. <laughs> Later-tater. <laughs> Later-tater. Woof.
Rob, what's up? What's up, man? Rob, why are you looking at us like that, buddy? Well, I, I have to say, you guys screwed me up for the last seven months. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? It's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> we hear that a lot. What's the reason this time? I, I, you know, a lot of times when I'm traveling on the road, of course, in Texas, everything's a, a long trip. You know, right. It's not like just down the road. It's a half hour to 45 minutes minimum. Well, I went to do my taxes in uh, April 13th. And a lot of times I'll, I'll download a pon- podcast or something to listen to on my drive. And you guys are one of my go-to places for that. So I, you know, I went there and I, sa- I see this thing, Flat Earth, with Mark Sargent. And I'm going, well, that looks- is this like an April Fool's joke or something? <laughs> you know, I figured you guys were just goofing or whatever. So I download it. Yeah, it'll be a good listen. I listen an hour and a half drive to go do my taxes. And I'm rolling my eyes when I first start listening to this. Right, but by the end of it, I'm scratching my head, going, "Well, shoot, some of that made sense." <laughs> so I've like kind of screwed up doing my taxes. I finished my taxes, and I have an hour and a half half drive back home. So I decided to listen to it again, and I've been screwed up ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that that whole flat Earth or enclosed system or however you want to put it. Uh, Mark Sargent makes likes to make sure that we call it other things. Um, in addition to flat earth uh but you know it's it's really making this this weird resurgence and you know a lot of the stuff is at, at least i can safely say compelling yes yeah yes. so you've 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 kind of gotten on that train and then done some done your research on that or what's been going on kind of dude mm-hmm. i've got probably 30 hours worth of youtube videos produced on it now Whoa! And, and easily 200, if not close to 300 pages of printed content uh, in blog format, you know, you yeah. print out. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when I first went down that rabbit hole, my first thing is I'm going to debunk this, you know? Right. This is because I have the same knee-jerk reaction everybody has. This is crazy. This is stupid. This is insane. But, I, you know, I have to tell you, when you start looking at the NASA photographs and stuff like that, and you start seeing words like composite, and you start seeing the Photoshop clone tool being used very quite liberally, you right, know, right. In, in their artwork. And then, this is what really got me. Uh, I was watching some kind of, uh, I don't know, it was a Discovery Channel documentary or something, and they had, uh, you know, Earth's imagery and whatnot and there's this one particular blue marble that is being used over and over and over again uh, as a video effect like a like a transition a, a wipe and it was the blue marble that if you bought a, an iphone or an ipad it was the background yeah 2002 you know i get the oh yeah <laughs> well that particular earth if you look at that 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 one that blue marble there's a weird cloud formation just off to the I guess kind of like the northwest of the United States, kind of off the coast of Maine, maybe Nova Scotia. It's like a backward C with a long tail, and in front of the C is kind of a, a horizontal line. It's a very, you know, once you see it, you can't not it's very see it. unique. You, yeah, you can't unsee it. Well, I start seeing this over and over and over again as video transitions, and I'm going, wait a minute. If this is a real legitimate NASA thing, I mean, how nice of them to make a, a 3D model for all the videographers in the world to use, <laughs> uh, you know, as a video transition. Right. And then I realized I used it. I used the exact, I did a conference, a virtual conference back in December. And, and my friend Rick Hummer helped me do an introduction for it. And we used that earth. Really? So now I'm going, okay, this is clearly, I mean, it's a 3D model. It's not, it's not the real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so that's the first thing I did. But the second thing I did, which should have been the first thing, was consult the scriptures. And I have to tell you, if, if you take 
if you put all your preconceived notions and biases aside that we all have because we've been taught globe since we saw it in kindergarten uh yeah at least for me i cannot get a spinning heliocentric ball out of anything in the scriptures Mm. and that's when i was pretty much hosed after that (laughs) because i've built my entire ministry of telling people hey the bible's true and you can take it as your source for truth and take it literally well Especially if you're a King James only guy, you take it literally, welcome to the Flat Earth Club. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very interesting. And Gons has shared, and people have shared with me th- that, uh, you know, they noticed a, a Flat Earth trend going on in, the, in Rob Skiba land. And so I was very interested it's because... Your fault. you know i i guess we can't deny that blame i you know we get a lot of emails about for just specifically about the mark Sargent episode and the the flat earth and you know some some of it is good some of it well some of it is positive towards him some of it is negative but also some of it is negative just among other flat earthers yeah like there are some flat earth I mean, that was one thing that i kind of enjoy about the flat earth uh, club is that you know even within its ranks there's people still trying to figure it out and disagreeing and stuff and i think that's even from you know it's, if we're going to talk about the scientific method you need that if you're going to have a true uh inquiry you know inquiry into what's going on well, it's funny because, you, know, you know, you guys know this, in Christian circles, you know, pre-trib rap, rapture, mid-trib, you know, post-trib, and they're all fighting and calling each other heretics and, you know, religious <laughs> yeah. subjects in Christianity to go off on somebody about. Right. And as soon as I was sort of introduced to that world, you, you got the Eric Dubay and Mark Sargent and Matt Boylan. These were kind of the top three guys out there at first. Now there's a bunch of others out there. But, you know, then they start throwing stuff at each other. You know, you're... you're yeah, I saw, you're, I saw all that happen. Yeah, you're a shill, you're this, you must be an Illuminati plant, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no. <laughs> Somebody, I, I got a voicemail, somebody sent me, because I've realized that if you really want to see somebody get in touch with their inner psycho, all you have to do <laughs> is mention that you're looking at this. Right. They will go completely insane right in front of you. It's <laughs> truly incredible. And I've, I've had no shortage of emails and Facebook messages and phone calls. Right. Somebody's like, you know, I'm, I must be a paid Illuminati shill or whatever. And I'm thinking, man, I didn't get my checks. I'm on, yeah, I'm, I know. I'm still direct, waiting for mine, too. <laughs> I mean, if it's direct deposit, I mean, somebody messed up. <laughs> we're, on the same, we're on the same payroll as Beyonce and Jay-Z. We, we got to have our checks coming sooner or later. I guess we're just too low on the totem pole <laughs> to really see anything. But, you know, it, it is one of those issues. I, I've personally backed away from it just because I saw so much dissension. And I, and I felt bad for you, Rob, because I saw all this stuff happen to you. And uh, that was, I don't think that was fair uh, from all the angles, you know, the, the, the different people attacking you and all this stuff. But it does speak into this idea that it's really interesting for Christians. For me, I started to think, like, what if what if this whole thing is kind of fabricated in a way to pin Christians down into this idea of like, oh, if you don't believe the flat earth, then you're not a Christian or you're not a Bible believer. And that's what I started hearing, you know, just in my YouTube channel and all this stuff, you know, 
if I talk about stuff that's uh, reported about space, they'll be like, well, it's all fake. It's all fake, and you're a shill because you don't believe the Bible and all this stuff. Uh, how have you dealt with that? I mean, I, I know you've dealt with a lot of that stuff, but oh, yeah. what's been what's been kind of your stance? Because I know you haven't really landed hard on, like, the Earth is flat. You're, you're more agnostic is what I heard you say last time. So, Yeah, I've actually, as far as I know, I coined this phrase, but I've now taken to calling myself a zetetic agnostic. Because, okay, I mean, agnostic, most people hear agnostic and they think, oh, you don't really know if you believe in God or whatever. Obviously, right. anybody's followed me, they know I believe in God. But as it pertains to this subject, uh, zetetic is like proceeding with, uh, uh, from a position of inquiry and investigation, observation. And, right. you know, agnostic, I, I'm, I, I can't even really say I'm a globalist anymore. And that word has taken on a whole new meaning for me, too. Right. But, I mean, there are things about the globe that just don't work. Don't, it, don't, it does not make sense when you look at the Chicago skyline, for one thing, from 60 miles away. And Mirage, I'm sorry, I'm not going to buy it. I don't buy it. <laughs> I've talked to people who live there uh, near the area where that picture was taken, and they're like, oh, we've, all, we've all seen it at, at all times of the year. And, you right. know, for Mirage, that weatherman was saying, well, you know, the temperature is just right with the cold water and the warm air. Well, what do you do in the wintertime when it's both cold? You know, and they can right. see it even more clearly. There's a lot of things that aren't really working for me on the globe, but there's also, to be fair, quite a number of things that don't work for me on the flat earth model either. So I don't know where I am with it. You know, Zetetic <laughs> agnostics about the only thing that works for me, but uh, Zach Bauer, I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's got a ministry called New Tutora. Sure. And he posted a video, uh, two videos recently uh, from taking a biblical stance against the flat earth and saying, you know, the, the Bible doesn't talk about flat earth. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how you can get that from the scriptures, that, that it's a spinning heliocentric ball. It's not there. Um, and I've got a page, one of the longer blogs that I wrote. Um, in fact, I had to create a whole website called testingtheglobe.com uh, because there's so much content that I kept putting up there. And one's called The Bible and the Still Flat Earth. And I, and I put it just scriptures in one section. All the scriptures that I could find is probably not exhaustive, but as many as I could find. And I'm like, look, I'm not even going to tell you anything. You just read it for yourself and tell me if you get a spinning heliocentric ball out of it. And you, it's not there. So, and what really messed me up, and especially from some of these Torah people out there, is, you know, it's all, you know, the, if it's not in the Torah, I'm like, look, Genesis is in the Torah. It's, it's not an Illuminati psyop. If it is a psyop, it started with God. <laughs> because <laughs> in Genesis chapter 1, and this is what really tripped me up, is when it describes the firmament on day four, uh, and uh, not the firmament, but the uh, sun, moon, and stars on day four, it says that it, it was pla they were placed in the firmament, not outside and around. And I used to teach the canopy theory that Ken Hoven, Carl Baugh, and a lot of others talk about, a canopy of ice surrounding the earth. As recently as this past December, I taught it. Uh, but then if you go back and read Genesis 1, on day four, it says he put the sun, moon, and stars in and the Hebrew word for firmament is rakia, but there's a bait, the letter bait in front of it. Uh, and whenever you use the letter bait in front of a word as a prefix, it means in. So, um, and if you look up rakia, it's, it's a beaten down metallic structure that's mirror-like and, you know, God's thrones on top of it, etc. That's where you get the idea of the dome. Right, right. So, it's, that stuff's in the dome. And so, you know, to answer your question, you know, when people post all this stuff about space, I'm highly skeptical of anything that comes from NASA or any other space agency uh, that's funded by a government. Right. And I think that's the main, 
that might be the main uh, sort of through line with all the flat Earth stuff. Is um, you know, you basically the 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 argument starts with how much do you trust the yep. government? How much do you trust NASA? And then it all can spiral out from there. Well, that's really interesting, Rob. And it's it's actually great to talk to you about this because, um, like we said, we haven't talked to you in a while and you've, you've been up to some stuff and now we find out that it's uh, at least partially our fault. <laughs> well, I didn't want to take all the credit, but if you're, if you're giving it. All right. Thanks, Rob. We got to talk. We'll catch up later, buddy. Later, Rob. Think outside the cage. So Rob did mention our our flat Earth episode that we actually did. So I mean, there's really only one logical place to go now. Mark Sargent. Mark Sargent. Let's go. Hey, Mark. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about you? So good. So good. We found you. We You haven't been gone for too long. I mean, you were on episode 89. So yeah. And what, what episode is this? This is the... 100. 100. Ah, nice yeah. going. So you were only 11 episodes ago. Which was like two and a half years ago. So we, <laughs> it seems like a while ago, actually. But it really does. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe the flat Earth, uh, the years are skewed as well. They are different. Yeah, I think That's uh, serious science. <laughs> it's serious science. So, how you been doing? You've been hanging in there for eleven episodes. You're still alive. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing uh, a whole bunch more interviews. I uh, did another clue. Um, you know, the, the movement's just continuing in all sorts of of, of different ways and forms. And and uh, in fact, I think I'm up to. I think I've done 37 interviews so far. Wow. Yeah, which is great. A couple more next week. and Yeah, you're like catching up to us, and we've been doing this for years. <laughs> no, there's people There's people that are actually moving way faster than me. Uh, there's one, one of the Flat Earthers. Uh, her name's Patricia. She's, she started been interviewing Flat Earthers, and she's already, in nine weeks, she's done 30 shows. Oh, my wow. gosh. I know. She's just cranking on it, and it's all video. It's video, you know, and, you know, wow. Mike, she used to do radio back in the day. Got it. It's like, holy smoke, seriously? She's so fast. So what's what's going on with you? Is there any new information? I remember you were putting out these clues. And, I mean, the flat earth thing has just been growing so rapidly. Oh, yeah. Um, What's what's your deal, man? Um, At this point, I'm just, re- you know, I released flat earth clues 12, realize and that talked about the power of illusion and how we are easily fooled. And then the rest of it, I've just been tied up with, um, uh, you know, um, on Truth Frequency Radio, I've been doing Strange World. Uh, in fact, just before I came on with you guys, I just finished up episode 29. And Jonathan, my co-host, he's he's already got a show now called Perceptions. He's up to like episode 10. And it's just been, I, I, I'm having a hard time keeping track of everybody that's doing stuff now. It's gotten, it's it's fantastic. We're, there's even talk of doing a convention. Wow. wow. Like a that, flat earth con. That <laughs> is like a new level. I know. <laughs> I was going to do it. We're told we can set this thing up in Vegas. It'll be, and there's people saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this. Well, are you kidding me? We're yeah. at that point. Yeah. Uh, so it's really, really exciting. I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, Rob Skiba uh, just released his new book. 
something to the effect of, and I, I'm not going to be able to quote it verbatim, but I think it's flat earth and how it cracks the book of Enoch. Right, right, right. Um, well, here's something that is kind of interesting to me within the flat earth thing is I, it didn't, I didn't know much about it before your episode. Yeah. Uh, but I, I didn't know even more kind of the dis, uh, discrepancies is the wrong word, but even within the flat earth community, are, are there not some, uh, maybe disagreements or different oh, yeah. views on certain yeah, things. Yeah, and there and there's going to be because it's it's really this is kind of like the gold rush stage where everyone's kind of looking they're everyone's jockeying around and seeing what the most popular model's going to be. Right. Uh, the only thing anyone can agree on is that uh you know science and NASA specifically you know has not been telling us the truth about where we actually live and and what the world actually looks like. We don't even have really in my opinion a truly accurate to scale map mm. and so everybody's just kind of like okay wait you know they're just everyone's really really hungry and at feverish pitch they're looking for information and everything so yeah there is disagreements uh absolutely the um uh, you know is the moon two-dimensional is it three-dimensional what exactly is powering the sun if we're having to, and it was something i predicted anyway which is we have you have to revisit just about every theory and fringe theory and place it into this context. And it's been, yeah, it's been wild. Yeah, there's been some dissension out there. Some of the grumbling has kind of calmed down. I mean, yeah, I know there's been some recent videos and, but the, the wave of positive videos that have been put out recently has been, and there's even been more women involved, which is fantastic. Real, real positive stuff coming from the, the female side of this. Great. Uh, and, uh, ladies so, yeah. represent. Yeah, yeah. So like a, like a orphan red, this wonderful girl from Canada who is putting out, doing a, the, you know, the smiley, happy stuff where actually, right. you know, says sparkle sounds and, and stuff. <laughs> and a, a girl named Lula who's going around the street and just sitting down next to people and bringing it up in conversation. And wow. she's totally genuine. And it's great to see all these new players. Every day, you know, I just hit, I go to YouTube, I type in Flat Earth, and I know people are listening to this first time. They're going, holy smokes, what is this guy? <laughs> but you type in Flat Earth, you set the filter this year, and you get just thousands and uh, thousands of videos of, yeah. from, from all sorts of and backgrounds. And it's, and it's great. Oh, I'm sorry. Then the other thing that's happened really since I talked to you guys last is uh, a lot of professionals have been coming forward to me. Uh, if you, if you missed it, um, you know, uh, United States Navy missile instructor came out, said there's no Coriolis effect and the, you know, there's no curvature, a submarine electronics chief, a, um, a flight instructor, a career surveyor, an industrial engineer, a structural engineer. And I just did, uh, one tonight where I read a statement from, uh, um, United States Army field artillery operator. Uh, wow. he says the same thing. He's going, look, he goes, there, you know, we're shooting a pencil beam radar out at, uh, 30 miles or so. He's going, there's no curve there. He's going, I don't know why we ever thought there was. Wow. Uh, that's I, crazy. I know. And I, I feel, and some of them aren't even anonymous. Like the Navy guy, he's in 10 years old. He's pretty smart. I think he, he's covered either way because if somebody comes and says, you know, we're going to hit you for a section eight and, and knock you out, he's going to say, really? What for? Flat Earth. I'm going to go straight to the news with this one. Are you trying to knock me out of the army for believing in flat Earth? Right. So, right. Uh, but he was well, the he was the first one. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. You know, the the interesting thing with the whole theory and just the whole genre in general yeah. and that 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 I think is good for it is that there is so much diversity yet there's so many people agreeing on the same basic principle. It kind of reminds me of 
Christianity in general. It's like, we all know Jesus is here, but uh, we can argue about the other stuff. And to your point, it has really brought people to uh, the the one of the big positive things it's brought to to the movement is the 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 move towards spirituality, because right. if it's real, especially with my model, because I use the you know, the Truman Show and closed world model. Uh, did I tell you I had a website at the time, enclosedworld.com? I don't I know, but you yeah, can tell you us right now. Oh, okay, good. Uh, but in that model, you know, you're you're saying, well, if it isn't closed, then the edge of it is there's your proof of intelligent design. If that's it, then there's a creator. And if there's a creator, boy, you better start living right. You right. better start because you're going to be accountable. You know, even if you know the uh, the a, a big hand doesn't come down and and start slapping you around, you should still start thinking start thinking twice about what you're doing every day. Very interesting. Making the right decisions. Very cool. I've seen a lot of, you know, I, I, I kind of tinker around and, and check out what's going on with it. And I, I've sort of stepped back from the movement, so to speak. I'm, I'm just kind of watching it in, in oh, curiosity, you know. Uh, but I've noticed that there's a range, right? There's your, you know, like you said, some some pretty high-level folks coming out and saying stuff. Yeah. But then there's your amateur sort of, you know, somebody with the video camera you know, just shooting the sun setting and making some sort of point that yeah. may or may not be, you know, accurate yeah. or helpful to the to the discussion. Uh, has there been any with the influx of you know the the interest in the in the popularity of the topic? Has there been anything where you're kind of like, I wish there was more rigorous or you know, uh, I guess more scientific or I don't know what the, the word the is, scientific but. method? Yeah, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. Unfortunately, I mean, the cream will always rise to the top anyway. But we find some really, you know, we find some hidden gems in some of those people that go out there and do stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of you know people, you know, yeah, exactly what you're saying. They just hit the camera and just record for ten minutes, and I don't even know if they're speaking coherently half the time. But there's a lot of people that put a lot of production value into it, and the scientific method is coming up. Uh, a lot and uh, you know covering the curvature or the Coriolis effect or you know what's going on with the sun or the moon the moonlight thing oh that just fascinated me when that thing came down the pipe where that the moonlight was actually um, is, is acting like a cool laser that's cooling objects and then that it's actually warmer in moonshade and, and if you take a, the moonlight and put a magnifying glass on it and touch you know hit it on something it's actually colder it's actually magnifying uh, the cold. That is freaky because then the whole thing opens up. It's like, okay, if the moon isn't reflecting the sun's light, then what is it? Is it is it literally what you know what was described in the Bible? Whereas you know the the sun lights the day and the moon lights the night and their own their own two light sources. I'm gonna, not, to, I'm gonna have to test that one out. Oh, check that out. People are using the the reason why it's so popular is because a lot of people, you know, they're not using the the thermometers under the tongue. They're using the uh, those digital ones. You, you right, point people's right. ears or whatever it is, but you can point those at any object. So they're pointing them at like you know they put like little copper plates and they put one in the moonlight and one in the moon shade. And for people who don't know what I'm talking about here, it's the exact opposite of, of sunlight and sunshade. If it's in the sun, if it's 100 degrees in the sun, it's probably 90 degrees in the shade. But in the moon. It's it, the moon. Let's say it's fifty degree, fifty degrees in the moonlight. Well, in the moonshade, it should be cooler, but it's actually like fifty five degrees in the moonshade, and it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, really, how is this? But the, luckily for us, uh, thank goodness, uh, we can we can do this with our own technology, and we 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 have the ability to make cool lasers that can generate a cold light. Uh, but it's amazing. I mean, watching that, and that just came up within the last, I don't know, two months. 
It's Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Funny. I had not heard of any of that. That's blowing my mind right every, now. Every day. I mean, I literally have to go and I say, fl- I type in flat earth. I set the filter today and I just step back and I go, okay, who's going who's gonna to throw something out that I have no idea what this is? Wow. And, well, that definitely gets the listeners uh, something, to, something to do when they're yeah. bored. In there, yeah, <laughs> and uh, also just uh, some new information. I had not heard that, yeah. you know. And and uh, through the Facebooks and certain emails that we get and stuff like that, we got people uh, somewhat keeping us up to date on the flat Earth thing. Oh, that's um, good. So, so we're we're following the story closely. Everybody, you know, that you're you guys. I'm really happy you guys decided to cover it because late, you know, just about every major. Uh, alternative media thing group tried to has covered it at one point or another with the exception of really two uh one being uh joe rogan who even though he didn't cover it he's mentioned it in three different shows saying i'm not I've actually heard, yeah i've actually heard him say that he's not going to cover it he he's not going to cover it, it. Say, oh, stupid, I, I'm, uh, waiting, I'm waiting for him to eat those words where he brings somebody <laughs> on and then says look i'm just so you know i'm only bringing you in here so that i don't have to talk about this ever again <laughs> um and then alex jones who uh, I know through the grapevine has his producers have talked to some people that that I've talked to who they're they're trying to find a way to introduce the show with without making it sound completely crazy right, right. and it's it's a tough call I said well first you don't say flat earth that's that's the very first thing you do yeah uh, but we'll see we'll see if he does what were you you were calling it what enclosed system en- enclosed like system enclosed world Truman see, show I remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, you you sound you sound much uh, clearer with your with your microphone. Your normal. Yeah, right. I got my my regular mic here. Nice. I was I was really slumming it last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you sounded like an ogre. <laughs> well, you know the whole thing's been really interesting, and uh, it, it's taken. I think 2015 by far. It's been the most popular topic in the world of conspiracy. And, uh, I would, I would say, um, keep on, you know, looking at it, you know, I, again, I've stepped away from it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I'm always curious about what's, what's being talked about. And, and my whole thing is like looking at the science angle of it is really fascinating to me because to me, it's almost like the, uh, the whole, the whole integrity of science comes into question for me as well, because I, I started to question like, okay, can the scientific method be scientifically tested you know and you can't do that and there's like this circular thing there so it's you know it just goes back to the what do we really know question and and you know i think that's important for us to you know wash everything through yeah um uh, real quick because i I know we don't have a lot of time but emory university down in uh, atlanta i believe they uh you know fairly fairly big uh, thing they did a mandatory town hall meeting for uh freshmen Incoming freshmen, where they were talking to them about, and they called they called the town hall meeting flat Earth hoax, and which I thought was very interesting. But they were really talking about what you just said. How do you know what you know? What is the evidence? You know, don't don't just go on what other people you know have told you. How do you know? Right. And I said absolutely. Now, of course, they didn't really go into flat Earth that much, and they recorded it, and I watched the whole thing. It wasn't that great, but the the whole premise <laughs> the whole premise wasn't that good. Was was good in that. Which is what I try to, the, the hook that I try to tell people. It's like, how do you know what you know? How do you know the world is what you think it is? Is it, you know, why is it a globe? Is it because, is it because you saw a globe in the corner of your classroom or because somebody told you? And if that somebody is NASA, 
you're putting a lot of faith in a group which you know has exclusive rights to a lot of stuff right right so all right thanks mark see you later later mark you know, we're just going to teleport away here. Just disappear, dematerialize just, in front of your face. Me. Here we go. Think outside the cage with Canary Cry Radio. You know, Guns, why we keep just materializing in front of all these people and, and nobody's mentioned my teleportationator device. They're kind of, kind of, what's going on? Uh, I think they expect it out of us now. You know, oh, like like they're not know. surprised that yeah. we're teleporting in front of them. Yeah, I think I think you know the topics that they're researching is far more interesting than than us just appearing in front of them out of nowhere. Yeah, it's kind of hard to surprise these guys, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, plus you know the world is in so much turmoil. You know, we're we're under tyranny, Basil. This is a uh, no time to be uh, you know excited about the um, the the whatever technical Nader. technological advances that I created my garage, Gons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, technically, you're going to be uh, followed by the uh, global elite now because you cracked some kind of code, right? I'm, I'm sure I'm on some sort of list now. Yes, yeah, some kind of hit tele- list. Teleportation list. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, speaking you know, of which... Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, we're, we're still in this, you know, in-between stage of material, dematerial thing. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's real weird, but there's more important things. You know, like the New World Order. Right, and like geopolitics and... All that kind of stuff. And rumors of wars. <laughs> Hold on, this is just meandering around. Well, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out where to go, man. Okay, let's... let's Let's do this. We've talked a lot about the New World Order. It's a big part of what we talk about on the show. You know, we've had quite a few guests talk about it, and I think it's time that we revisit them and see if there's any updates. All right. Well, well, here's the thing, though. There are guests that are going to be on the show in the future. That's what I was saying, man. We can go to any guest who's going to be on or has been on or is presently on the show. Yeah, that's crazy. That's... So who who do you want to go to? Pick somebody that you would want to be on the show later. And Teleportationator, Tater, later Tater, <laughs> will take us there. Well, there's a guy that is really kind of one of the first people to do a good documentary on the topic of the New World Order and the finance system and all that stuff. Yeah. From a biblical perspective. Okay. And uh, I believe in the future he's going to be on the show. So. Who's that? Uh, it's a guy named Leonard Ulrich. Leonard Ulrich! Away! <laughs> Basil Guns. Congratulations on your 100th episode. Thanks, I know the, the yeah, I know the rapture has happened because I'm finally speaking to you guys after a year and a half. <laughs> and uh, now that my uh, my t- location and time is uncertain, I can uh, wish you a happy past. Thank you so <laughs> thank you so much. You know that really that really means a lot to us. And uh, just just so everybody knows. Leonard actually does not have a Canary Cry episode to himself yet, but we have dragged him back uh, from the future where he does have an episode because we are going to get him on very soon. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> Leonard, what have you been up to, man? What is your deal? The deal is, uh, after a lot of health concerns, um, you know, post-heart attack life is not easy. Um, yeah. I had a heart attack while working out on my bike. And when I say bike, I attack my bicycle like uh, a certain Gons attacks swimming. So, hmm. yeah, that wasn't easy. So, um, long story very short, Volume 1, New World Order, Secret Societies, and Bible Prophecy was a film I released in the spring of 2001. And it has had over 5 million views all over the internet and dozens of radio interviews. Um, and so a couple of years later, here we are in 2015, 2016, almost. And I'm working hard on the second film in the New World Order, Secret Societies and Bible Prophecy series called The Illusion of Money. Mm, that's a good one. I like yes, that. it is. Yeah. Money is an illusion, but our compliance with the system makes it real. Right. And, and you know, it's so interesting because it's almost like the most potent magic, right? Money is sort of like this spell that's on us for, for in a, you know, I guess in a tangible way. But what, what did you discover in your research of looking into the financial system? Just real briefly, you don't have to get into the whole thing, but uh, yeah, you, we, we can't get into it in a three minute little summary here, but um, what you said, Gons is the conclusion, believe it or not, it is a spell. Um, we have made Orwell seem tame because right now war is peace, freedom or rather ignorance is freedom Mm-hmm. and money is debt. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And, you know, I think this is a really interesting topic too, because I mean, do people just think of money and obvious, this is an obvious statement as just sort of a given thing and they just take it for granted, but it really is just this crazy, fully ingrained, uh, basically brainwashing something like that, right? Yes. Um, money is so incredibly powerful that there are more scriptural references to the issue of money in the yeah. Bible than there are about salvation. Right, right. And that is because money is really a token or a substitute or a medium of exchange for human life. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and it really reminds me of some scriptures in Revelation 17, towards the end of it, where it talks about uh, the trade of human souls, you know, with the mystery of Babylon. So I'm sure you tied some of that stuff in into that as well. But did you find that there's anything that's salvageable? Is that a word? Salvageable? That's uh, a word. Uh, with I don't know money? if it's the one you wanted to use. Yeah, I don't know if that's the one. But <laughs> in terms of being good stewards of money, is there room for that? Oh, absolutely. Um, money is a tool. And how you use it can be can determine lots of good and lots of bad. Right. Do you think that money like came straight from Satan? I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Ah, I was on to something. <laughs> you boys are stealing all my thunder now. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, towards the end. 
um, I, I couldn't believe the conclusions I was reaching after three years of research, reading 27 books cover to cover, thousands of articles, hundreds of podcasts. Again, you have to totally absorb information. Right. And my double major in history, my strong academic background, my former career as a teacher certainly all came into play. So I, I credit God with giving me the skill set required for this deep research and then translating those facts into things that we can actually walk away from the film with and totally alter our, our lives. For example, uh, I keep telling everyone this, I do not store my wealth in the banking system. Mm. And that is because people must understand the fractional reserve banking system takes your money and in the United States, loans it out to other account holders in your bank at a ratio of 10 to 1. So if you want to make the banks rich, all you have to do is deposit your money in a bank. Well, And then so, they use that and they lend it out? That's right. But it's mine. <laughs> well, but it's mine, Leonard. It's, listen, money is an illusion in that, or has become an illusion, I should say that, because of the faith you put in it. Mm. it the, yeah. It's all electronic credits whipped up out of thin air as a computer bookkeeping entry and is loaned to the governments of the world at interest. You cannot win that game. I mean, it sounds like a... Sounds like I want to start a bank. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds you like know, I'm on the wrong side of the, the game here. Yes, and the reason why you will never be allowed to start a bank is because the big boys have already got that area covered. Mm. And using legal weaponry, if you will, they probably have some stuff in play. But how how far back do you think this whole system goes? Now, I, I've looked at it, and I think it starts in... Around Genesis 4, but <laughs> what do you think? Again, Gons, you are right on the money, hint, hint. Woo! Yes, the symbology on the back of the U.S. $1 bill, once you decode it, and once you understand that the symbology comes literally from a demonic entity which called itself Dejual Cool, Ooh. as, yes. Sounds like a rapper. yes. Uh, uh, as revealed <laughs> yes. to a Russian theosophist by the name of Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, which was translated to another Russian theosophist, which was transferred to Henry Asgard Wallace, FDR's agricultural secretary, who was himself a theosophist and a 32nd degree Freemason, and Henry Wallace and your 32nd degree Masonic uh, president uh, created the symbology on the back of the U.S. $1 bill back in the 1930s, which is the only denomination of U.S. currency which has remained unchanged. Mm, and once, yeah, once you decode that symbology, you totally realize that there is a direct link between the occult the designs of the U.S. $1 bill, front and back, it's just loaded with symbology. And the re-emergence 
of Satan as the phoenix rising from the ashes of the world's financial and military destruction. Mm. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. When is this movie coming out? Uh, 2016. 2016. Sometime within the year. Yes, I am shooting it right now like mad, trying to dodge the advancing snow, which I know is going to happen. Yes, it will engulf us all. Yes, and um, shooting in the cold. And when I say cold, you guys in California have no idea what minus 40 cold feels like. (laughs) I have a sub-zero freezer. Does that count? Uh, You have to think of it as being 40 degrees colder. Uh, Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. That's crazy. Where is it that cold? That doesn't seem real. (laughs) In a city called Winterpeg, Manasnoba. Oh, well, there you go. There's there's your first mistake. Actually, it's known as Winnipeg, Manitoba, but that's what we call it. Ah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I totally believed you. So. All right. Well, this has been great, Leonard. I'm actually just so excited for the movie to come out. And I know a lot of people here. I just can hear the excitement of the listeners uh, through time and space. And so we'll have to check that out. But before even that happens, we're going to get you on the show. Why don't you let everybody know where they can take a look at what you got? Yes, I have a website now. Uh, It's called nwotruth.org. And for newworldordertruth.org, please check out my first film seen by over 5 million people. It's seated all over the internet, so it's impossible to take down. I've literally lost control of it by design. (laughs) My YouTube handle is Leonard Ulrich, L-E-O-N-A-R-D-U-L-R-I-C-H. I have dozens of videos up there. And uh, the first film is all about secret societies. It is almost two and a half hours long. It is over 40 chapters in length. That is the foundation that you need to know uh, to determine what's fact and fiction out there in regards to secret societies, because there's way too much fiction and not enough fact. Amen. Later, Lenny. 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 His name is Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. Ulrich. Yeah. Yeah. L- Leonard Ulli. Lenny Ulli. <laughs> Think outside the cage. Okay. Anyways. Well, who do you want to go late. see next? We, we, he's, we've dematerialized in front of him, so I can't apologize to him now. I know. Well, this is terrible. It's, it's between me and him. We're close. We're close like that. Right. He calls me He calls me Bazzy ba- <laughs> when you're not around. When I'm we not did, around. We didn't want to make you feel bad about our friendship. Okay. Okay, so we gotta we, we gotta learn more about this. This just wet my palate of the New World Order geopolitics, uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, there's like another area of the world that's going kind of nuts, which is the whole Russian thing, and you know, oh my goodness, I, it's hard for me to keep up with that stuff. You know, Putin, Putin. You talking about Putin? Putin. All right. Well, I guess that means we're gonna have to talk to Doug Woodward. Woody. All right, let's go. Woody. <laughs> Woody. Woody, Woody, Woody. Hello. <laughs> there he is. There he is. <laughs> I'm here. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm, 
Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I got a cold right now, so I apologize if I cough. I'm trying to sip some warm, uh, warm decaf coffee to keep my throat from completely collapsing. But otherwise, I'm pretty good. Well, there you go. Thanks for taking the, the energy, the much, uh, the much needed energy to come on the show here for our 100th episode. Uh, I got to congratulate you guys on 100 episodes and, and any listeners that have listened to all those 100 episodes. I know they need to be congratulated. That's the real uh, task so far. Well, thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. So we had you on episode 61, I believe. Lying Wonders. Yeah, talking about Mars. Talking about Mars. Mars. People love the Mars episodes. I'm telling you. Well, and, and and I think Gans just did an episode on Mars that I listened to yesterday or the day before on on either Canary Cry or on Face Like the Sun or something like that. Didn't you do that, Gans? Yeah, I've been tracking a lot of the stuff going on with Mars, and you know, there's been a lot of stuff. Obviously, the water. Uh, I sat through the NASA conference that Oof. they, uh, yeah, well, uh, that they uh, had last week when they talked about the atmosphere escaping because of the rays of sun in, in you know millions of years ago or something like that and then they're talking about yeah. phobos you know the moon of mars being split apart yes. because of the the uh the, the gravity of mars i don't know there's all kinds of stuff happening but uh obviously it's um you know i think they're preparing us for something what do you think doug well yeah i think that's true i mean i've i've had this theory that that on uh july 20th of 2019 and that they're going to uh, actually do a disclosure event. And uh, by the way, can you hear my my dryer uh, in the background going? No, actually, no. I don't hear it. Yeah, so. it's good. Oh, you can't. Oh, nope. perfect. I'm being self conscious. Yeah, no need you're to. All, all right, good. cool. That's good. That's good. Well, anyway, so yeah, so I'm I'm proposing. Uh, you know, I've had this prediction. Not that I'm a prophet. That. Full disclosure will come on, not full disclosure, partial disclosure will come on July 20th, 2019, uh, the 50th anniversary of the of the moonwalk, the moon landing of Neil Armstrong, that they're going to come on and they're going to say to people, well, we we thought you should know, we think that humanity's prepared now, but we we have discovered structures on the moon and on Mars that tell us that intelligence has been there before and we can't say whether that's alien intelligence or whether it was a prior civilization that that lived on this earth that advanced to the point where it reached out and it uh, created uh, artifacts created buildings on these other celestial spheres in our solar system Uh, but we know that either we've been there before or somebody else has been there Mm. And uh, so anyway, so I think that that's going to be, in, in my view, is that that would be a soft way to disclose because they could always say, well, we're not sure that it wasn't us. It could have been a forebear. You know, we might have had a, a giant cataclysm like Plato talked about with Atlantis. And maybe at one time we actually had the ability to go to other planets because, you know, we've been around for four and a half billion years. So who knows? You yeah. know, maybe that's maybe that's just us. And so right. uh so that's one possibility. So I, anyway, I, you know, if, if uh, NASA had just read my book, Lying Wonders of the Red Planet, they would have seen photographs. They would have seen discussion that I had on the fact that we know that there's salt water on Mars, and we've known that there's been salt water on Mars for several decades now. It's just that NASA 
didn't want to admit it, um, and they just happened to decide this was a good time. And I'm not exactly sure, other than helping to Matt Damon to sell more tickets to uh, you know his mission to Mars. Right. Uh, came out a few weeks ago you know i don't know exactly what was motivating them to come up with something right now but anyway they they i think that that they have some motivation so uh but you know saying that yeah that you know sometime maybe a million years ago there was intelligence in our solar system and these artifacts are clearly from long long ago so nobody needs to worry that et is ready to land on the land uh, or in the you know the white house lawn and start shooting at our army like the day the earth stood still so don't worry about that this this is this is ancient history it just happens to prove that intelligence has been in our solar system beyond uh, this earth right and that's that's my theory on how to do a soft disclosure event and then maybe a few years later if if the lord tarries they'll come up and say well we didn't really tell you everything you know actually (laughs) et really really does exist in fact we have this thing called magic 12 that we did you know many decades ago and we've actually been cooperating with et and trying to develop you know different ways to advance the human race and we've come up with this really great thing it's a little genetic splice that we'd like people to to take and it'll increase your age to about a thousand years and um and by the way if you don't take that little splice we'll we're going to block you from um, you know, from being a part of the financial system of the world. And, mm. and we want you to take that splice because it'll protect all the rest of us from any kind of diseases you might pick up. So so it's really important. In fact, if you don't take this little mark, we're going to call it a little mark, we're, we're going to chop off your head. <laughs> Very, <laughs> there subtle. You go. <laughs> Very subtle. Very yeah, subtle. Yeah. Subtle. Subtle. That's funny. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, there yeah, you so go. Well, it uh, sounds like you've been uh, paying attention to your Mars uh, stuff. Uh, oh, I do, and I mentioned to Gonza's stuff too because he's right. he's always he's stirring the kettle. He's yeah. on top of it for sure, um, for sure, for sure. So, do you have any? Sure. Uh, are you working on any other books or any other uh, documentaries? What's your What's your product I, I line am, looking I'm, like? I'm, gonna, I'm I'm I am working on other things. I've been really focused a lot on. Um, the possible surprise attack, uh, first strike of the Russians on the United States. Ooh. And uh, so I've been doing radio shows and appearances on that. And we, we might have to actually have me come back and talk about uh, the super weapons, the Russian super weapons and, and uh, how they are preparing their population for a nuclear war and why the United States is so vulnerable at this point. To a possible first strike attack. In other words, all this stuff that's going on in the Ukraine and in Syria is uh, is not random. It's actually part of a plan, and um, and and me thinks it's going to fulfill Bible prophecy. Yeah, and right. you think maybe so, potentially what we saw last week, last week from where we record this, which was uh, a, a pretty bright flash that was thought to be a Trident 2D5 missile. I have my my doubts mm. that it was a, a Trident 2, although I do think it was some sort of military, could have been Russian, could have been Chinese. Uh, did you see the footage of that, and what did you think if you did? I, I I haven't seen the footage. I think I I, I heard a reference. Um, I listened to 
to, to you, Gons. Uh, when I'm driving back and forth, I, my day job is teaching entrepreneurship at, at a major university here in Oklahoma. And uh, so lots of times I'll flip on uh, Face Like the Sun or Canary Cry and, or I, uh, I have, a, have started uh, listening to Lynn Liaz and, and uh, she does some really good things. Um, so I'll listen to these things. So I think I heard about it, but, uh, but I don't know specifically. But, you know, as you know, Gons, there's so many things that could be going on right now. So many different kinds of secret weapons, and there's a lot of posturing. There's a lot of, yeah, of you know, it's like this thing that, that came out yesterday that our that our buddy Derek Gill caught in the BBC about this massive 100 megaton uh, nuclear torpedo that uh, that Russia supposedly uh, inadvertently leaked on a TV program when the camera was looking over the shoulder of of some you know person high up in the military <coughs> and uh, I don't know if you heard about that but that was announced yesterday and I did a little posting on my Facebook site about that so you know the a uh, hundred megaton nuclear torpedo. If it really happened, uh, it's supposedly able to travel six thousand miles underwater, and uh, when it goes off, it would create a tsunami of epic proportions, perhaps as high as is is uh, five thousand feet high. Holy oh my gosh! Would That's reach crazy. Uh, uh, 900 miles inland so it would you know wipe out not just it wipe out (laughs) it wipe me out yeah depends on if it's in the atlantic you might be okay but you know pacific toast you know yeah holy smokes that's crazy keep your swimming trunks on holy moly yep there you go well that's actually really really interesting and yeah we're gonna have to have you on buddy because i want to hear more about that why don't you remind the people where they can uh, read your stuff, hear your stuff? Well, I have this website called Faith Happens with a hyphen, faith-happens.com. Mm-hmm. And I post out there at least a, a nice long 2,000-word article about every week. And uh, and then on my Facebook page is Facebook slash S, as in Stephen S. Douglas with one S, Woodward, W-O-O-D-W-A-R-D. And uh, and then I sell books out on Amazon and iBooks and I've written about ten books and there's they're all they're all out there. All right, well there you go, folks. You know where to find them. Go do it. Bye, Woody. Later, Woodster. Wood Woodward Woodward Woodward. Later, Tater. Think outside the cage. Okay, so, you know, this NWO thing is kind of stressing me out, but I think a big part of it that really bothers me and a lot of people is just the corruption, the general corruption that happens. Mm -hmm. And you know who I know is passionate about this subject? Mm. One of our best friends Mm. and mentors. Mm -hmm. You know who I'm talking about. Let's say it together. Doc Fuge. Also known as Dr. Future. Which is perfect because we're not time traveling. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I think I hear him. Is that is that the Doc Future? Are you there? 
Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. Oh, sorry. Wrong show. Yeah, Woo. that was me. <laughs> we caught you right in the middle of something else there. I nod off here in the uh, recliner, and then I suddenly <laughs> think I'm doing the show again. <laughs> well, we're very happy to have you on here. We, we, uh, For those of you who don't know, Doc Future was back on... Um, Episode 66, I believe. Is that right, Gons? I think, right. I think it was 67, I thought. 66, but. 67, one of those. You can go yeah. check them out. I um, want to be on the 666 one. That's what I put. We've got about 18 years. Yeah. At our pace. Yeah, seriously. The final final 70th week was actually 24 years, and that's what it's going to take to get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so how you doing? You hanging in there since we last talked to you? Yeah, uh, just just wreaking havoc, um, trying to knock out these books. I'm trying to finish the last uh, history-related book on Holy Wars and uh, trying to wrap that up and uh, get on to the last one to draft and then start throwing stuff out on the street. And I guess you knew I started a blog. I don't know if you've been over there to take a look at it, Two yeah. Spies Report. That's right. And uh, so I hadn't had my fill of controversy with Future Quake. So <laughs> I, I stepped it up several notches over there with that. So just like Future Quake, there's something there to uh, insult everybody. So, Well, there you go. Perfect. And that's exactly what our listeners are into. So mm-hmm. you're, you're keeping busy in all those books that uh, have mm-hmm. the, the rumors have been that you've locked yourself away and you're now doing that. I live the Ted Kaczynski lifestyle, so <laughs> just a Unabomber type back in a cabin, but uh, <laughs> my only weapon is my pen, so okay. well, you've yeah, been- working very hard on that and try to keep one ear on what the people out in the real world like you all are doing. Right. Well, it's, it's not as great as it sounds. Um, so what's, what's this current project you're working on? Uh, you, you're talking about the books? Sure. Or oh, whatever, by, whatever by way, project me, you want. Uh, before I forget, let me just tell you, congratulations on your one millionth show, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm so glad to be a part of it, uh, part of the hundreds or thousands. I didn't expect all the bleachers to be set up in your yeah. studio there for all of us to be here on it. So We've got a huge live studio audience here, but I'm, they're all very quiet. Very quiet. Very respectful of everything going on. That's just the guests that are actually on there, so oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I know I'm guest number one zero zero eight three seven six five four eight. So <laughs> you remember that number. cut. You remembered your number. You're so good. That's right. I'm not a number. I'm a human being. But, <laughs> I, um, the Holy War Chronicles, a spiritual view of the war on terror, is this big omnibus multi-year project I've been writing, trying to get to the roots of why people that love God fight other people that love God. Mm. And to the point of taking their lives, uh, of which the war on terror is just another variant, and it's disguised under other geopolitical terms and things like this. But as a person of faith in Christ, I have a responsibility to to uh, be my brother's keeper, as well as be responsible for my own actions and uh, try to determine how do we get in a situation where we can justify taking the life of another human being, uh, particularly one that says they love God. And that's a complicated uh, question. And you would think Holy Spirit-filled Christians with the wonderful legacy and gifts that we've had in our country, we would be so far beyond that. But uh, there's so much baggage that has not been attended to yeah. Yeah, in, in our Christian walk throughout the, the centuries. 
And so it covers everything soup to nuts. Every volume covers a different facet of it. So right. uh, I'm, I'm finally you? on the next to last one. And th- th- these history ones take forever to do, uh, to get all of our dirty laundry up. I finished the one on Judaism, and it has a bunch of controversy with that. And I, I, I kick the Christians in this one, so I'm going yeah. through that right now. And, you know, uh, I, was, I was really going to say it. Even, even as you're speaking now, I can hear the echoes of controversy coming to me from far in the future via my, the open door of my time machine. And, uh, you know, you talk about people who love God killing people, uh, other people who love God. And I can, I can hear some, some good old Americans out there saying they don't love God. They love some guy named Allah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can see, I you know, I'm sure it's much, much more of a complicated situation than you can get in here now. But um, that's it. Yeah, they they love that moon god who happened to be the one that Muhammad threw off of the Kaaba mm-hmm. to get rid of to worship the god of Abraham. But I guess that's another story. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, oh, how could we possibly fit so much into yeah. one tiny section? <laughs> I hear clothes renting all over the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds like a daunting project, and I commend you for taking it on. You're really doing the good work. Have you changed like your views on anything during this process? Is there anything that's evolved in your thinking or or anything like that that's you know from day one to to today? Almost everything. Mm. The process of writing this and and just getting a big long gulp of the Christian narrative blow by blow through the centuries, even our last hundred years even of American foreign policy in the Middle East, and the stuff that doesn't get talked about, particularly on Christian media, that has created the world that we live in, it cannot help but drastically impact you. I I know probably some people who read some of my posts on a blog or something, they're probably saying, well, that guy's just gone liberal on us. (laughs) Uh, But it is certainly... um, softened my heart it's made me far far more empathetic for the stranger for the people who are out of favor uh with you know with with the in crowd the religious in crowd um you know that started before future quake was over in fact it was an impetus for me to start the project but um i i definitely have become even that much more suspicious of religious establishment figures and our christian media and national Mm. figures uh, I'm I'm very active in my local church. I support my local pastor and the believers there. I can look those people in the eye. I know exactly where they're coming from. I know what their agenda is. But when you go one level above that and above, you're basically dealing with strangers. And when you start turning over stones and looking up for their dirty laundry, it gets pretty messy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm just the village idiot that's going to go out there and throw that stuff out on the table because I don't have much to lose. Uh, I don't. I'm not part of any big institution. I'm not drawing a check from any Christian organization. I don't run any organization like that. I don't have to worry about being blacklisted. You know, nobody may read it, but um, I feel the freedom, and, and the Lord's given me an opportunity uh, to sort of write about a lot of uncomfortable things and uh, sort of be a pincushion a little bit for some of it. So. Yeah, Maybe wow. some of us deserved, you know. A lot of the stuff I say, I may later think, what in the world was I thinking? But there's a lot of strong words said in these books, and particularly the raw data that I put out on the table to justify what I'm saying. So, yeah, long answer, or long answer to your question is, it has had a radical impact on me and in my Christian walk, and I've never felt closer to Jesus or to the teaching the apostles or the gospel 
but it has changed my lifelong Bible Belt upbringing, evangelical upbringing. It's changed the way I've looked about everything. Well, I wow. think we're we're right there with you in that journey. You know, I, I God the bless more you. I uh, the more I look at your work and and some of the things you're saying, and um, you know, just just your heart. We know your heart, Doctor Future. So we we kind of you know have maybe a, a presupposed sort of view of of you know what you're saying and everything, but it does kind of make you wonder with all the things happening, it, it's difficult to pin down a view and just stick with it for your whole life. You know, it, mm-hmm. there's little thing. I mean, there's big things obviously, but the little things and the more, you know, I guess more, uh, I don't know, difficult topics or, or uncomfortable topics, the more you grapple with it, the more you probably find some dirty laundry that needs to get aired out and uh, someone's got to do it. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you may be called to some difficult tasks, but I think you're doing a good job at it. So keep it up. Well, and the same things for your show, which is what we should focus on with with your hundred show here. Is your your show covers difficult things, and I believe you all have the integrity uh, and the willingness to go in areas that the real uh, religious establishment, Christian establishment, uh, would never dare to pursue because it would hurt the moneyed interests that bankroll their operations. Mm-hmm. And uh, I so appreciate what you all do. I mean, I, I doubt no matter how many gazillions of followers you have that you're going to be invited, for example, into the National Religious Broadcasters. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would be shocked. Unless you have better CIA connections, you're not going to be invited. <laughs> I don't know. Basil, yeah. Basil might have some uh, insider tips I'll on that. I'll see what I can do. But, <laughs> well, you know, that's... I, that that's really great to hear from you, Doctor Future, because as everybody here knows, uh, Future Quake was probably the, the it is the granddaddy of uh, everything we do here, and and a lot of other podcasts and ministries as well. So we're glad that we got you. I am honored, and uh, what's exciting is that 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 pitiful show that I put together that was poorly edited and uh, audio and everything else, if it helps, you know, cause legitimate shows like your all's where you all could do a much more serious effort for it, then, then I get a lot of gratification and satisfaction out of that. Um, so if it spins off into something credible and legitimate, then I feel like I was worthwhile for something and what I did. Well, amen. And before we let you go, we have to ask: uh, How often does the Nephilim come up in your in, in the you know all the things you've been writing about? I mean, I know it's probably not much, but can you work it in somehow? Well, it's usually every other page. Usually, the other ones are the Rock- <laughs> Rockefellers, Rockefeller, <laughs> Nephilim, back and forth. Sometimes I mix it up the opposite, but uh, they're synonymous in your yeah in your, yeah. They're uh, behind everything. You'd be surprised ever. <laughs> A Nephilim behind every rock, but they had to be big rock. <laughs> I have to go get my elongated head expert to come in and tell me, tell me what's going on. Hey, uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on your show. Uh, probably should have, or maybe we missed each other in the night. Um, I don't know if you mentioned the documentary that I was a part of called... Uh, uh, dark clouds over Elberton. Yeah, we you know actually we were trying to get you and Chris Pinto on at the same yeah. time, and that sort of fell apart. But uh, you know th- that's one of the things that we want to do. Uh, oh, okay. I know this is brief, but you know we want to yeah. have you back on. We want to sure. have Chris Pinto on to talk about that because uh, that's some fascinating stuff. And you have some camera time, and you know you're you're well on your way to becoming the next documentary uh, Hollywood face mm-hmm. for uncovering secrets of uh, the Illuminati and all that. So. Well, I was just there for the sex appeal. 
<laughs> you know, I hate to take that absolutely beautiful physique and visage of mine and stick it behind a radio microphone. <laughs> so pe- I- people were able to discover how much better looking that I was of the fantasy they had of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to get you on so we can point people towards that. Yeah. Hey, so- my, my apologies about that. My intention, I, the last thing I sent you off, I thought was, I, hey, I'd love to come on. But somehow it took so long to get things worked out with Chris. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to coordinate with several people. Hey, I'll, I tell you what, I'm just a grumpy old man. I'll come on and talk about anything on your show if you put <laughs> up with me. I eventually, I eventually nod off after a while. I'll just throw out a few <laughs> diatribes and just lean over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dr. Future, do you have anything out right now? I know you got a blog. Why don't you tell people where your blog is? TwoSpiesReport.wordpress.com Two spies, two W O T W O. Yeah, two spies, S P I S. It relates to Joshua and Caleb. It's basically the Minority Report. If 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 there's a certain viewpoint that seems to be universal in Christendom on what they believe on a topic, you'll find a different view at our site or at my site. So uh, <laughs> that's basically it's just meant to be uh, you know a flyy ointment kind of thing. So please welcome, come along. Um, I have a prediction since I'm Dr. Future for you, for the future of your show. Ooh, uh, let's hear I, it. This is my prediction that within five years, you all will hire hire uh, General Jerry Boykin to be second in command <laughs> at Canary Cry Radio. Uh-oh. And he'll form a new Christian Jihad warrior oh group. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the Canary Criers. Oh, boy. The Canarians. Well, he's based on his connection to North Korea. You know, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, so he could use you all as a CIA friend too, like probably all the other ones he does out there. <laughs> just radio. Yeah, well, he's already shown he's already shown his spots. I got some more stuff to reveal about him in the last volume of my book. Uh, people ain't seen nothing yet, so <laughs> just, just hang stuff. on for that. Well, it, the next one is an expose on Canary Cry Radio. <laughs> <laughs> the revealing, the revealing. Yeah. The dark side, <laughs> <laughs> which is very right. dark. Well, Doc Fuch, I'm going to keep calling you Doc Fuch until everybody else starts calling you that. Uh, That's cool. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show, buddy. And like I said before, we're going to get you back. All right. That's All what right. I tell you. So many people have threatened me with that. They said, I'll get you back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you later, Doc Fuch. That's Dr. Future to you. A future quake. Think outside the cage. So, there's a lot there with like the church and that was a lot. stuff. I, it was <laughs> intense, man. I mean, it was good. I love Dr. Huge. I love talking to him. I, I feel like we have a lot in common. Yeah. You guys and are both uh, like people. And yeah, we're both humans. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. I think. Yeah. I hope. Okay. All right. So, uh, I mean, where, where do you want to go next? And we have some you know, different I th- ways I to go. I think as long as we're talking about the NWO and all this kind of stuff, we we got to at least talk to one man that I like to call Chris Putnam. <laughs> Is that what you call him? That's not that's, what... That's what. That's my name that I use okay. to refer to him. Well, kind of works, too. Uh, it's a good, good kind of connection because, you know, the corruption of the church and who, what church is more corrupt than... 
the papacy. I mean, I'm sorry if you're, Whoa. you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just being straight up, you know, Whoa, the whole bro. Satanism and all that going on in there and, it you know, baptizing aliens. But, you know, it's been a while. I mean, you know, we, we talked to him in what, episode 19? and 19 years, a long time a ago. A long time ago. I think he made a cameo or maybe a whole episode. Uh, I don't remember. I think he was in the live episode, maybe? No, he wasn't in the live episode, but he was on episode 43. So it's been over 50 episodes. Boom. Right? So it'll be We got to get him back. Yeah, we got to get him back. Say hi. There he is. What's up, Chris? Did you miss me? Yeah, a little bit. I, I think I saw you up in Ohio, though, right? Yeah, we did see you there. Um, and that was great, but I think the listeners are, are really itching for a little bit of Chris Putnam. I think so. Uh, well, we just came out with the, the new documentary film called Inhuman uh, with uh, Gons there as the um, film editor slash producer, I suppose. Ah. And, uh, yeah, I've actually have been shooting scenes for that documentary since 2012 at the Branson Conference, uh, the Future Congress. So, and, and Tom's been working on that film since before that. So wow. it finally come out here in 2015, late 2015, and I said, that's a big, um, boost to have that, that documentary out, and I'm sure Gons is proud of his work in that as well. Right. I haven't even had time to see it yet, and I've, I've done two major interviews on it. <laughs> oh, I was, was going to say, if I, I can mute Gons here, and you can tell me what you really thought about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't even actually seen the whole film yet. It's three hours long. It's pretty much a... Um, you know, a really solid introduction to the subject for somebody who's not familiar with transhumanism. It in it, you know, it like unlike some other Christian films, it goes out and actually interviews the transhumanists themselves. Right, right. Um, and um, you know, it's it's always best to let someone tell you what they believe rather than tell them what they believe. Yeah, um, yeah. And all too often, you know, Christians end up doing that sometimes and, and mis and misappropriately. Uh you know, uh, misportraying the, the uh, opposite view or whatever. But, uh, no, there was, there was a good airtime for you. Um, uh, you have, uh, you have some spots in the film that really drive home certain points really well. Uh, so, you know, if you get a chance, watch it. Uh, I know it's kind of yeah. long, but, um, yeah. you know, I've seen it a few times <laughs> being the editor. I think yeah. I've probably seen more of it than anyone on this planet so far, which I don't, know if that's a good thing but so besides the movie are you do you have any other projects going or are you uh, just been working on that well actually i, I do I'm, I'm knee deep in um the next book that tom and i are going to put out and uh, really i knew kinda, you would be yeah we're, we're handling this whole idea of looking at like the islamic state situation over in europe right now uh, uh, you had 1.2 million christians in syria uh, three years ago, today there's like thirty thousand. Right. So wow. I mean, we have massive upheaval going on in the Middle East, um, right there next to Israel and Jerusalem, and it's definitely you know significant as far as the Bible prophecy uh, perspective. There's there's no way it can't be. Unless that much action is going on that close to the Holy Land, um, and you know I'm kind of looking at it with a long play perspective is what I call it. Now, this is kind of like if you just extrapolate from the, the sort of thing that Dr. Heiser is talking about in the unseen realm right. and his divine counsel work, that there's these 
lesser gods that are put over the nations of the Tower of Babel, and that you know Paul kind of picks that idea up with the powers and the principalities, uh, the, the present darkness of evil over the world in, in Ephesians six twelve, and so you get the idea that there are divine immortal beings that have political geopolitical interests in promoting certain strategies and ideas and overthrowing certain countries and it's always some sort of war going on no matter what you know yeah. and you know no matter who wins the war the military industrial complex always wins so you can see an angle there by following the money as well to evil people but i really think that what we're looking at is more of a chess match by immortals Right. So when you look when you look at ISIS and you know, Islam as a antithesis against the thesis of Christianity and freedom, um, then you see that there's a synthesis offered as a solution, uh, which is this kind of pluralistic oneism, this monistic um, mystery Babylon faith, is what I would argue that you know the Book of Revelation talking about the great harlot, the woman that the beast rides in on is probably just one world religion. Right, and right. It's, it's the synthesis. It is. It's the Hegelian dialectic where we have, you know, basically Western Judeo-Christian values pitted up against the Muslims, a medieval crusade world war ethic, uh, which is kill everything that moves. And, uh, you know, then you have Christians trying to follow just war principles to fight this stuff. And, um, you know, you get into a little bit of, a, of an ethical dilemma, um, where we don't want to treat them the way they're treating us. Um, and that's what Christ commanded us to do, though. So that's, that's a good thing to struggle with uh, if you're going to go to war. War is always evil. But I believe there are times when it's morally necessary because uh, we do have a stewardship to defend ourselves, our families, our friends, our neighbors. You know? And it used to be that you could extrapolate it out to your nation and really have something meaningful to say there. I'm, I'm not so sure that that's possible anymore in our nation because right. it's, it's hard to believe that the government actually represents me. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And also, the at the same time, the the breaking down of nation state borders, you know, makes it difficult to identify. You know, at least the informed folks. Uh, it seems like you know identifying with your faith is really the uh, going to be the next phase of. Uh, you know, a more of a corporate or a larger scale sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, some sort of nationalism or something equivalent to it. Uh, but it seems like your um your work is sort of culminating from uh, all the work you'd done with uh, Exo Vaticana and and also the supernatural worldview. It seems like you're uh, digging into some more specifics. But with that foundation there, has that helped? You think in in tackling this issue of the Middle East? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and having a lot of study into biblical prophecy and some biblical archaeology, so you know the you know, geography and all that stuff really helps as well. Um, you know that the overarching thesis uh, that we're running with is this: really, it, all these historical events are lining up for a purpose, and it really is fulfilling Bible prophecy because it's leading to a globalism. That's what this uh, synthesis really is. It's a globalist perspective, global socialism. And if you hear the sort of things that the Pope is saying, he's openly advocating the redistribution of wealth, which is just Marxism, socialism. So we're looking at some kind of Marxist, socialist uh, dictatorship of some sort, something of that nature, uh, heading our way in the future. Um, If the Lord tarries, uh, we will be in it. There you go. So when can people uh, expect for this uh, new book to come out? 
I'm hoping that uh, we'll get it done here this winter and have it out in the spring. Well, there you go. Just in time for uh, St. Patrick's Day? What's it? <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe <laughs> 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 April Fool's. I don't know. There you go. April Fool's Day gift. <laughs> well, awesome, Chris. This has been great having you back on the show. You know, it's been too long, buddy. 67 episodes since you've been on. we got to get you, you back. we a lot of episodes. I think what it is. Oh, man. <laughs> we we got to get you back. We got to update the people. Keep All right. We'll, we'll do one soon, then. All right, Chris. We got to get going, buddy. Think outside the cage. God, do you hear that beautiful music? I do. What is it? I have no idea. Go towards the music. Gons, yeah. while we're having this musical interlude, have you heard of my new YouTube channel? You have a new YouTube channel? I have a new YouTube channel, Gons. This might be the most groundbreaking moment of this entire 100th episode. I think I think it is. Uh, do you want to hear about it? I suppose. I mean, we're trapped in this in-between yeah, teleportation Yeah, I'm just going to talk, time. and then you can just like listen or not. Okay. Okay, so I made a new YouTube channel. Remember at the beginning of Canary Cry when I was all serious and like sad all the time? Yeah, you were super upset. Like, like I'm glad we didn't do the podcast in the same room after that first yeah, one. Yeah, I would have just been sad too. Just too bummed the, out. The depression coming off of your your face was pretty <laughs> pretty bad. But go well, on. as you know, and as a lot of people have noticed over the years with Canary Cry Radio. Um, you know, I was able to pull myself out of it, obviously, with the help of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, but, you know... <laughs> Why do you say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. It's to say it. Okay, go ahead. But, uh, so, learning about all this darkness and those conspiracies and the spiritual warfare and the great deception and things like that it can really lead to a lot of things like anxiety, depression, sadness, just hopelessness, generally being bummed out. So, as you know, Gons, I had to go on my own little journey to, to kind of get my joy back. And so, uh, after much deliberation with fans and you and the Lord, um, I decided to bring all of the things that I learned in my own journey back to joy and put them in a YouTube series called The Joy Spiracy Theory. And so if there just happens to be anybody listening to us out there, they should go to YouTube, search for The Joy Spiracy Theory. That's just conspiracy, but joy spiracy. And uh, subscribe to that channel and just enjoy happy things. Enjoy the tips that I have for cultivating and maintaining happiness amongst all the scary things. And uh, Gons, maybe you should check it out too. Or you can go check out... Face like the sun. Face like the sun, because <laughs> it's much more credible at this point. Although he's oh, eighty thousand subscribers over here. I will, uh, we will be promoting we I, uh, the proverbial we, right? Even though it's yeah. me running the channel, I'm going to say we are going to promote Joy Spiracy because you know it's replacing the con with joy. There you go. You get it, Gons. Yeah, I get it. 
All right. All right. Well, I, I suppose we should get back to teleporting around. We're in the middle of teleporting. I know. So should we talk some more? No. We. I think okay. I see the, the darkness at the end of the tunnel. The, you mean the joy? The, the, <laughs> the joy. The, the, the black ball of joy that I see oh coming gosh. at me. <laughs> All right. So uh, maybe I'll show you around my channel after we, All we right. keep doing this. Okay. You know what I think is really interesting about the whole secret society Illuminati thing? What's that? Do you? No, nah, I don't that really. They have sometimes more of an idea about the supernatural than a lot of Christians do. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. But not everybody's that way. You yeah, know, that's true. I think we might know somebody who has experienced the supernatural firsthand. Really? I think so. We had this person on the episode. Oh, yeah. We had her on the episode. Want to know which one? Yes. Near-death experience, baby. Ooh. Yeah, it's Yvonne. Let's, let's go get her. Let's hope we don't have one right now. No. Although, I'm this episode is so long, I'm sort of like fading in and out here. Yeah, especially that, that last little musical little thing there that happened. That was that was a trip. That was nice. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. All right. Let's go see if we can catch up with Yvonne. All right. Yvonne. <laughs> Yvonne, hello. Yvonne, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. And you remember Yvonne from episode 71. That was actually probably the most fun I had editing an episode, which was the near-death experience episode. And a lot of people contacted us and saying, you know, oh my gosh, I cried when I was listening to Yvonne's story and all this stuff. So it's uh, good stuff. Definitely um, a pretty impactful and it was a different flavor for Canary Cry Radio, but we hope to do more of that maybe in the but future. It was, it was tasty. It was, it was definitely tasty. tasty. You did a beautiful <laughs> job putting it together. <laughs> so how you been doing? Um, great. I'm doing yeah. great. Yeah. Hanging in there? Are you handling the fame from your Canary Cry oh, episode? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually been um, working pretty hard uh, on a book. I had a lot of people mm. uh, come back to me and just say, golly, you have such an inspirational message that you ought to write about it. And so I set out, I set out to do that, but... Um, the minute I did, I started having people send me all these other near-death experiences, one of them being Dr. Eben Alexander, and um, many like that, which you know reflect like what you discussed in the um, original interview, that people tend to see um, whatever their current belief system in this realm is during, right. during the NDE. So, you know, I was, I was uh, faced with sort of a reality there that you know this is mine is just another experience really unless there's something tangible that it can be anchored to to you know give it validity give it um you know to show people you know it, i i know what i saw was true because right. thing that that i experienced is absolutely affirmed in the word of god and um Anyway, uh, what the book turned was turned into at this point is um, 
it, it, it does go into my experience, but it also takes on um, some of these other experiences. And uh, as far as, you know, let's look at these and how do are all they are all of them true well they, they can't be because the truths are coming back with negate each other mm. um right uh so i, I basically I, I go into um the reliability of the word of god you know looking at the different religions and how they had one original source and landing right back at where what i what i work so much on what I have over the past almost five years now is really looking at this, uh, for lack of a better word, this great conspiracy mm. that all of us that Canary Cry Radio is looking at. And um, it, it, it came right in there uh, because the, I believe, the near-death experience is just, it's yet another um, venue, if you will, for the enemy to deceive people. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, that's really, really, really cool. Uh, here, we all know here that uh, writing a book is is no easy thing, oh, and my. you picked you picked quite the topic <laughs> to tackle. Yeah, it's it's uh, challenged me to the well beyond. It's probably the toughest thing I've ever taken on. You know, having just a couple of years of college, it's you know I'm not anywhere near as educated in theology or. Uh, any of the things that I, I need to know about to put this together. So it's, it's obviously, it's taken a lot of reading and um, trying to really make sure that I do it justice. Right. Yeah, and it causes you to study and... and oh my, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a good thing in the end, I think. it's. I know for me, uh, the the book that is has been written but has not been read by anybody <laughs> uh, <laughs> took a lot of time and took a lot of research. And, and You finished a book, huh? Uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> technically it is completed, but I, I think it needs a lot of work and, um, it'll be a while before it ever sees any light of day if it ever does, <laughs> but it was a good learning experience in terms of how to write a book. So I got right. that. You said that you, you're still, you know, involved in, in researching and, mm-hmm. and sure the book, uh, keeps you, keeps you on your toes as far mm-hmm. as it comes with the uh, conspiracies going on here. Now you mentioned something, uh, before the interview and I want you to talk about that a little bit. Oh, the helicopter? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the helicopter? <laughs> oh, that old thing? Yeah. There's, um, the, the, the two aspects to the conspiracy, part of it is, you know, clearly the, the spiritual perspective of what's really going on behind the scenes and not maybe aspects, maybe I'm saying that incorrectly. One, one of the areas of all of this research are, are government-involved issues, right? And um, at the time I had a visit from <laughs> this helicopter, I uh, was involved with a, uh, it was actually a neighbor of ours, and I'm a little concerned about saying his name online because my phone has a tendency to cut out when I mention him by name. <laughs> we had a, a neighbor who was uh, the son of a very fa- famous MK Ultra scientist from the 1960s. Mm. One day, one morning, I was at my computer and I heard a helicopter buzzing overhead, and he kept circling and you know you start wondering gosh is there a criminal on the loose or something right and so i went outside to see what was what was going on 
And here was a helicopter flying away, but as soon as I stepped out on the lawn, it sharply, abruptly turned around and came right back directly at me. And, you know, you, you kind of had that moment of, uh, no, come on, it's not after me, right? This right. Is ridiculous. But it hovered the height of maybe three homes above my neighbor's house and literally just stayed there kind of surging toward me. He was close enough. I saw the pilot. Wow. That's how low he was. Yeah. So it was a black and, <laughs> interesting, black and red helicopter. No markings. Mm. Yeah. It's really mm. interesting. <laughs> We're on to you, lady. I know. <laughs> oh, my golly, you know. Housewife in Hendersonville, Tennessee here. You know? <laughs> right. And, you know, it's funny because where we are, or at least where I am, and more of um, not a you know a city per se, but it's a more heavily populated area, the right. suburbs and all this stuff of L.A. and everything. Helicopters flying over is like whatever, like that happens all the time, you know. But I, I would imagine you know out in Tennessee, and we talked to Tom Horn a couple years ago. He had a helicopter fly over his property, and having visited his property, if a helicopter flies over his property. That's unusual. That's They're really doing unusual. It on purpose. Yeah, it's it's happening for a reason. So uh, that's really interesting. I'm sure it had something to do maybe with your neighbor, but they might be reading your emails. <laughs> oh, you think maybe I? I don't know. I mean, at this point, you know, we, we, I talk on the phone or on email, and I it's public forum. I know you know nothing is secret anymore. But the the thing I want to to bring up in, in talking about the helicopters, not the sensationalism of, you know, oh, a helicopter came after me. But it, it I, I think an important thing is the there is such a great agenda of fear, mm. uh, which um, Nick Begich said, you know, the easiest form of mind control is, is fear. Yeah. And um, I, I think, it, if anything, that I that I'd want to say to to believers out there with all of the conspiracy theories, the end times prophecies and everything, and all of the, you know, oh golly, judgment is coming to America, the economic collapse, Jade Helm, and, and all that is, so much of this is by design to make you afraid, you know? Mm -hmm. Not saying these things aren't happening, but fear is a very big part of, of their agenda. So the, you know, I think the helicopter was an intimidation tactic. Just, oh, get scared, you know, get off into that, um, be so afraid thing. And it's nonsense, you know, because Jesus has already won the war. Right. We're not giving Amen, a spirit sister. of fear. Mm hmm. Right. Well, that's great. It's so great to check back in. And, and I think you, especially because we actually got a very, personal look into something that was a uh, you know very special that happened uh, in your life or near afterlife i guess mm -hmm. and um you know i know a lot of people were touched by it we get emails all the time about how um they were so happy that we did that episode and and how touched they were by the story so there you go you got you got a fan club out there oh that's that's good just if you know just so the lord's glorified Truly, that's just just so that, you know, people are encouraged that he loves them. He is real. They don't need to be afraid. He's got this. He's got this. And um, and also, you know, just be 
be so aware that he wants he wants to deceive people everywhere and the only truth is that Jesus Christ came to save us and there's no other way but him I just you know share the gospel in everything because ultimately even in my experience there that's what I realized it was the only thing that mattered was that I knew him was that I was in him amen and do you have a, a blog that you're still running I have, um, yeah, it's uh, hisheavenlyarmies.com. I do a lot of reposting of different things that I find there. Uh, and I do, you know, I write once in a while. Obviously, it takes longer to write a piece than it does to repost something that someone else has put a lot of time into writing. And there's a lot of good information out there. A lot of people are really digging for the truth. In, um, in a really deceptive time that we live in. So I think it's important to, you know, not be aware of those things, be really aware of the Word of God, know the Word of God. I, I can't encourage people enough to know the Bible, um, but not to stop there. Also to be aware of the devices of the enemy. So that's, that's kind of what my blog is about. I try to do both, present the truth and present the deceptions that are out there. Amen. Well, there you go, everybody. Make sure to check that out. What's that? What's that blog called again? It's his heavenly armies. His heavenly armies. Dot com. Yeah. There's there you go. Several Terry Cry episodes on there. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Make sure to go to his heavenly armies. Dot com. Check out all the good stuff there. And Yvonne, thank you so much again. Thank you. And we're off. Off we go. Think outside the cage. Who we got next? Basil. I think we have William Ramsey. Wow. I don't think uh, any conversation about the supernatural would be complete without him. The dark stuff, man. The dark stuff. Get ready. Starks. Get ready for the dark side. All right, here we go. How's it going? How much? How are you guys doing? Good. So good. So good. It's been so long. I know. So long. <laughs> I, I was joking around with Gons, and I said that uh, you were in the Canary Cry Fossil Club. Not because <laughs> you're a fossil man, but because uh, you haven't been on since episode 20, which was in 2012. Amazing. I know. Believe it. Yeah, we've, we've both grown. We've learned. Oh, yes. And, you know, maybe it's time that we spend some time together again. I agree. I agree. Okay, 100%. good. <laughs> so what have you been up to for three years? Uh, not much. Just kind of still reading and researching. In the interim, I've finished a book uh, called Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. It was about uh, kind of a West Memphis Three crime that took place in 1993. It's pretty dark, but... Um, it's. A, I think it's a really important book in the sense that it shows that there still are these organized occult um, circles, you know, kind of having influencing events, and right. uh, that's what Abomination is about. It's uh, about uh, these guys who were involved in this cult uh, murder in 1993, and uh, the crime case became a kind of cause celeb. It became 
uh, a case that involved Johnny Depp and Henry Rollins and all these kind of uh, Hollywood figures who helped um, through the fi- through financing and through their own using their own celebrity to help release these three uh, young men who were convicted of murder in 1993. They were released in 2011, and so I explain uh, the case in my opinion, and I really uh, my understanding of Crowley gave me an insight into the case uh, because Alistair Crowley uh, was remarked upon in the case, and one of the chief people in that case is a uh, follower of Aleister Crowley and is a member of Aleister Crowley's OTO. So you have this uh, amazing modern manifestation of Crowley's ideas. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I, I it wasn't that long ago. I was actually browsing your Facebook page and saw a lot of a lot of uh, information about that. Yeah, it uh, it was an amazing case. And back in 1993, there were very important, do- well, very well-known documentaries that came out about the West Memphis Three. They were called Paradise Lost. Uh, they were directed by Berlinger and Sanofsky. They're also well-known for doing some documentaries on Metallica right. and some other you know famous people. But the documentaries gave a very skewed view of the case, in my opinion. So a lot of people believe that the perpetrators were innocent. I'm kind of in a minority that I'm actually in a minority of a minority because I'm in a minority who believe that they were guilt, found guilty justly. But I'm also in a minority of that minority because I believe that the occult involved was involved in the entire case. And right. it's, uh, it's really an incredible case. And you can find my book on, on Amazon right now, but, uh, I really ran into something that I didn't expect, which really was like, the OTO organization, these guys with the OTO were writing negative reviews on Amazon and sending me emails like I'm, you know, full of, you know, that I'm lying about the case. It's really, it's incredible. It involves, the case involves a lot of things that are important, like public relations. There's was an incredible public relations. Whoa, the OTO was coming after you? Well, I wouldn't say like, I would say more like gang stalking, but not like personally coming after me. But right. I, it's incredible. I had people I didn't know. And then I researched, Oh, this is a leader of the OTO in Oregon. Oh, I didn't know that, you know, right. Why why don't you remind some people what the OTO is? The OTO is Ordo Templi Orientis. It's an occult organization. It was actually founded in Germany in the late 19th century by post Masonic occultists. So people who kind of were past, uh, the, the Masonic, uh, kind of uh, occult groups and really was, uh, it's a very influential German group, which Crowley became head of in 1925. Yeah, and he ran it from 1925 to 1945, and they have a lot of very arcane ideas and doctrines, um, but the thing that attracted Crowley, they had similar ideas about magical practices, and that's why Crowley became a member. Got it. it's 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 still alive and well. I mean, there are what they call oasis and chapters all throughout uh, the United States. If you really check online and Crowley's kind of system, one of his main OTO chapters was in Los Angeles. And then you had Jack Parsons, L Ron Hubbard, all these very important people were involved in, uh, in that particular OTO chapter. Classic. All right. So you've really had some, some, uh, some interesting fun times the past three years, it sounds like. It's been pretty harrowing. I actually didn't expect it. You know, I, I was really became involved in the case because uh, there is a, a scene within Paradise Lost where the prosecutor asks Damien Eccles about Aleister Crowley. And so I was like, oh, I didn't know Crowley was involved with this. 
and right. really just opened myself up. I really didn't know a lot of the celebrities involved. I didn't know much about Johnny Depp's background. I didn't know that he was good friends with Marilyn Manson. I didn't know that they were all associated with Dave Navarro. I didn't really know, but they all came out of the woodwork to support uh, these three convicted murderers. And uh, it's just an, it's an incredible case. It's, it's unbelievable. So I, I really just kind of just followed the the trail of, of facts and these relationships. And really, it was unpleasant what I discovered. It was really amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to have you on a full episode to really dig into some of that. And uh, I appreciate your your extend of help uh, over the, I guess the last couple of years. Uh, I ran into some interesting stuff myself with uh, nothing that came of it in terms of official legal battles or anything. But uh, you know, I appreciated your insight into some of the areas where you know I was getting chased after harassed. by uh, yeah harassed would be a good word to use yeah glad to be involved anytime you can always get, uh, give me a call or get in touch with me through facebook cool all right well there you have it folks william ramsey the man thanks outside the cage guys yeah all right guns we gotta go Quick. all right william we'll talk to you later uh we're gonna take off here in this thing and uh, dematerialize okay. in front of your okay okay bye guns you know we've been talking a lot about the supernatural stuff but I mean, who better to talk about, uh, uh, you know, spiritual warfare and stuff like that than uh, Mr. Dan Duvall? Dan Duvall. Dan Duvall, oh, where are you? you beat me. Yeah, we got to find him. Where is he? Let's go get him. Where? Where is he? Dan! Is this supposed to be? Like, I don't understand why. Daniel! I'm here. Yes, <laughs> I am. here. And I have my microphone working. Yes. Yeah, that's always a plus. And I worked out the other day. Oh. You know what? We were talking about working out, guys. Yeah. Hey, bro, how much do you bench, bro? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> it is impressive. Uh, let the people know. They need to know. Really? Yeah. All right. So instead of talking about Jesus or dimensions or end times <laughs> or important, let's talk about we're going to talk pecs. about my pecs. Right. All right. Here it is. I'm I'm back up to 255 uh, on reps. I mean, see? I put it on there. It goes up. It goes down and yeah. up and down. And and that's one that that is my workout. I mean, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, I, you should be. You could you could bench press uh, a an average to slightly more than average sized man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, I can't that's... say that. <laughs> so, anyways, so along with your working out, what's what's been going on in Dan Duval world? Well, I'm also glad you asked that because, <laughs> man, because you've I, been. I don't know. In five minutes, we really could talk about all of it. Well, we got a we few have. minutes. We could expand it a little bit. Just uh, right, just right. go crazy. We can always know. edit out your, your bench press, but we probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that needs to stay. Everything else, that can go. You know, what we've been doing this year, it, it's just been an astronomical expansion of stuff. I mean, uh, the vision is going really like it's outpacing me and my ability to articulate and keep up with it. And so uh, we've had to expand and, and grow this year, which has been quite profound. Um, personally, I'm working with, well, I just graduated somebody. So right now, 16 um, individuals, most of which are uh, 
satanic ritual abuse survivors that have dissociative identity disorder in various degrees from uh, really bad to extremely off the charts. And um, so with the individuals I've been working with, I mean, we've been dealing with everything from other dimensions to principalities in the heavens to all kinds of New World Order technologies being detailed, like it explained to me in great detail by these individuals that have actually witnessed and seen and been involved wow. with the actual stuff. I mean, it, it's been, that's been their life right. um, just associated from their conscious knowledge. And so we've, we've, the process of this year really become advocates for survivors on my program. We talk about this subject a lot, satanic ritual abuse and dissociative identity disorder due to mind control agendas. Um, and for that reason, we've actually been striking a chord with a lot of people because, you know, I, I remember years ago, I asked God, like, well, how many survivors are there? Like, really, realistically, how many people are suffering from dissociation that's led to actual other personalities in that person's mind? And uh, God said, you could go from city to city and fill stadiums. Wow. And I was shocked by that answer. But I said, OK, Lord, well, at this point, now that we've been talking about it, we're beginning to see that that must be true because the response that we have been getting is huge. Um, so huge, in fact, that, you know, through Bride Ministries, we are now becoming some sort of what you would call an insurance company, right? We are raising money and we are linking arms with individuals that can work with survivors of satanic ritual abuse and dissociative identity disorder. And then finding people that need to heal from this, uh, which is really the crime of the ages, um, the worst kind of crimes committed against humanity have occurred in this realm. And right, I'm not going right. to go into all of that now. But, you know, we're creating solutions for these people that couldn't possibly afford their own help to get it. And they're getting it through Bride Ministries. Um, there's such a need now that we are also looking at creating a DID coaching school, which we plan to launch next year to train more coaches to help all the people that are on our waiting list because we can't help them all because our waiting list is outpacing our ability to actually find coaches that have open slots. Because like for me, I'm maxed out. I really realistically can't even help anyone else that approaches me. Even if they said, Daniel, I'd pay you <laughs> this much just to help me. I, I can't. Sorry. Um, wow. I have people I'm committed to and my schedule is a block. And so in addition to that, you know, we've been doing our podcast. That's been growing. And of course, we're getting into other stuff and times, uh, you know, talking about things leading up to Sheep Nations and uh, all of these things. All of those things and you're benching 255. And I'm benching 255. <laughs> How do you do it? That's incredible. I, I mean, don't that know. That's an that's an awesome thing to hear. I mean, just the growth that you're going through, um, both in your ministry and your chest. And um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And uh, I mean, Daniel's that's amazing. Bosom. <laughs> Daniel's bosom. Well, and and it doesn't stop there. I'm going to be in Australia uh, this mm -hmm. month. By the time this program's released, I'll be there um, right. doing two weeks of conferences on the kingdom of God. Right. Uh, releasing a book. Real soon here, actually, when I get back, it'll be available on my website, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm, which Gons actually did the artwork for. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, uh, I, I guess another thing I want to mention is that next year we have plans to launch an internet-based ministry service. And we're really excited about that. It'll take podcasting to a whole new level where we are um, preaching 
the gospel, creating worship sets and allowing like a global house church network to kind of form around what we're doing there. A lot of it centered on equipping the body of Christ more than informing the body of Christ. You know, we're trying to move from just information to this is what you do in Jesus' name. And uh, then we're going to break it all off into discussion groups, moderated discussion groups. So people that are watching that Internet service with their iPhone or iPad or computer will be able to, like, just click the button. And then they'll be in a discussion group where their, like, camera on their phone or computer or whatever will pull them up in a group. And they can talk about what they just learned with other people that are interested. Like, we're going to build this, plan to do it next year. That's really neat, man. Well, you're just trucking along. Yeah. Well, what about this uh, this book that you're coming out with, this higher dimensions deal? What 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 did you discover, and why are you ripping off Josh Peck? <laughs> well, <laughs> to be fair, um, Josh Peck actually wrote the foreword to my book, and uh, I am not trying to rip off Josh Peck at all. Actually, we had um, probably commenced in research in this area about the same time. He published way before I did. I remember and he did a that. Great job. I remember talking to you and, and also talking to Josh about it. And I remember this was a while ago, but he was like, "Do you know anything about Dan Duvall?" And I, and I said, eh, "A little bit." Kind of talked to him, you know. And he's like, "I think I think we're onto the same stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, that's probably a, a confirmation from the Lord." Well, and I will say this: Josh Peck and I have done several programs together. Uh, he's been on my podcast. I've been on his. We've had awesome discussions. And we've come to a lot of the same conclusions, which is super exciting. Lots of confirmations there. And so, like with my book, Higher Dimensions, it is a totally different, totally different book than what people got from Josh Peck. And a lot of it is dealing with how a Christian actually engages the spirit realm from a Christ-centered perspective. You know, too long the New Age has owned this whole discussion. They're like, yeah, you can use new age spirituality to engage the spirit realm. Right, right. And you can use this metaphysics to do it. And you can use these sound waves that we'll put on your ear to do it. And, you know, then people get in all kinds of spiritual trouble. And so the Christian response is stay away from all of that, renounce it and run away as fast as you can. Um, well, <laughs> in my experience, I can't even help the people I'm helping unless I know how to engage the spirit realm with Jesus, because that's where the bondages are. That's where the enemy is doing a lot of his work. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So if you're going to take the war to their gates and their doors, you have to go to the spirit realm to do it. Right. And so my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm, breaks down the mechanics on how a Christian does this with Jesus, which is something that really hasn't been discussed much. Um, a lot of it is is, is original. I mean, it, it's not that I invented it. It's been in the Bible the whole time, but I'm articulating it, whereas many people have not taken that step and said, okay, now that we understand what d- dimensions are, uh, heavenly places are, or you know, quantum physics are, how that actually interweaves into the revelation that Jesus gave us about what the spirit realm is and how we can engage it victoriously in him. Amen. Very cool. All right, buddy. Well, 
Why don't you let us know where people can find your stuff? I actually know for a fact we have some people with uh, DID and things like that, those types of experiences. So uh, let us know what your website is. Yeah, www.bridemovement.com. Excellent. If they uh, email us through the website, they'll definitely hear from my wonderful assistant. And so we are trying to get back to everybody that writes us Great. And I'm sure there's all sorts of information there as well. And maybe mm-hmm. you can tell us how to how to get an assistant. That's something where uh, Yeah, I want an assistant. You can write a book about just for I us. need an assistant. <laughs> right. Well, here's how you do it, guys. You get together, you arm wrestle, loser becomes the assistant. Uh, there there it is. Is that Done. that's how you got your assistant cuz you can bench so much. <laughs> You could defeat any foe, and now you have all the assistants. Egon's. Yeah. Egon's. Yes. Maybe we should assist ourselves out of here. Oh. Okay. Snap. All right, Daniel. Okay. We're leaving Daniel later, buddy. Let's, we're gone. We're already gone? We didn't even get to say bye. Well, we're... Oh, it I, is, wait. It, it is now and in the future. Okay. Well, is he... Uh, okay. I hear him saying something think outside the cage all right basil where to next buddy basil um huh it looks like he lost control of his vowel movement (laughs) Uh, okay well he's giving me the cold shoulder everybody so uh I guess I'll just have to decide where to go here. He's uh, not asleep, but he's not awake either. It's a very strange situation here. But anyway, I know Basil said that we can't time travel, but I'm going to see if we can pull it off while he's giving me the cold shoulder here. Why don't we go check out somebody who will be on the show in the future? You know, we already did that with somebody else, but let's do it again. This time, um, how about our good friend Adam from Conspiranormal? We're going. How's it going, Adam? Hey guys, thanks for having me, and uh, congratulations on your 100th episode. It's cool. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, we started right around the same time, and we're, uh, you know, that makes us feel a little bit better about how often we put out podcasts because uh, sometimes we get down on ourselves for only being at 100. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. You know, we kind of started like right after Future, both of us started right after Future Quake ended. Mm-hmm. In uh, February of 2012 was when that ended. And so I was, I wanted to start a podcast for a long time. And then I started Conspiracy Normal just like the next month. And I think you guys started around the same time. So it yep. was, it was really interesting. Yeah. There we go. And both podcasts start with a C. It was the, the, the synchronicity, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> mm. I think you're on to something. Maybe it's the, the Illuminati, Basil. Yeah, the 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 <laughs> listeners will have to connect all the dots on that one. <laughs> Do you get that a lot? Do you get a lot of people sending their uh, you know theories of everything to you? You know, I really haven't gotten a lot of that stuff. I don't think I get as much mail as you guys do. Um, it, it's uh, 
most of the time it'll it'll be people that are that are complaining about something Luke Luke said on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be often what it is. Uh, right. Or just uh, wanted to share share something with me. I don't get too many too many of anybody's like theories that that come to me like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Well. It'll happen. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll eventually. happen. Yeah, uh, as it, as it grows. I did have one uh, somebody uh, tell me to uh, tell us to f off and die. That was a oh, good one. Yeah, that's a classic yeah. one. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> There's a lot of those guys. What's been the most um, popular episode that you guys have had? Like, what guest? What topic? Well, it kind of breaks down into segments, I suppose. I mean, when we first started, the first, the real popular episode was Chris White. Um, Mm-hmm. That was like episode 15, I think. That was one of our first uh, big shows that we had, and we got like thousands of downloads on it um, back in about three years ago. So thousands of episodes, you know, back back then was a lot. Yeah, yeah that was a lot. That was a lot for me at, at that point. We we do about we're about like around a little over two thousand a, a week now on downloads. Um, at that point, I was like, "Oh man, I've got like 300 downloads on this show in one day." You know, right. it, was really, it was really exciting at that point. Uh, not too long ago, we had uh, you know, it's kind of weird. I had Scott Walter on from America Unearthed, and he, I thought that was going to be a really big show because you know, just his popularity and you know, he's on TV, and anytime somebody's on television, you're going to get a big spike like that. Uh, but actually, the next show that I did with Dr. David Jacobs from his book about Walking Among Us, I got more downloads on that one. Yeah, and I think just the buzz of that book had kind of propelled that for that yeah. forward. You know, it's interesting. It's really a, a lot of times it's a it's a crapshoot to see which yeah. episodes actually take. We've had some episodes where we're like, "Holy moly, this is the one! This the is one. gonna be the one!" And then it's just you know. <laughs> kind of performs average or less than average sometimes. Yeah, that just tends to happen with podcasts in general. But um hey Adam, in Conspiranormal, is there like a theme or a topic that keeps coming back up for you guys that you know, just something that keeps popping up over and over again on your episodes? Well, one thing that we tend to go back to a lot has been the link between the Altered states experience and alien abduction, that kind of thing. Yeah, interesting. Uh, especially like the ayahuasca stuff. You know, one of the big, I remember one of the big shows that I really loved listening to, of course, Future Quake, when he had on Adam Ellenboss uh, back maybe four years ago now. And uh, Dr. Future got so much flack over that. I had him on the show, and that, that was a big that was a big deal because you could see kind of the links between those experiences and the alien abduction experience, which interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's been a big theme that's come up on the show. Uh, lately big thing theme too, has been all these people kind of coming out of the woodwork and talking about Jesus being married and the whole Magdalene stuff, Mm, which I don't buy. And, but uh, some of the guests that I've had on have, that's kind of like their, their kick now for some odd reason. So, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to that, and this has always been my stance ever since, you know, the Da Vinci Code came out and all my non-Christian acquaintances, are, right. you know, bring it up and they ask me, well, Jesus, Jesus had a wife. It's there. What if he had a wife? What? What? It's right there in the movie. I'm like, well, 
you know, I don't, I personally don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but I mean, on some level, and this might be a controversial point to take, but part of me is like, I don't care. Like, if he had a wife, yeah. cool. What that doesn't change anything. That doesn't change what he did on the cross. It didn't change. I mean, if he's married and, you know, he's, he has human experiences. That's part of the human experience. And well, I think that the, the I don't thing, really care. The thing is, he had babies, and if he had babies, then they're divine babies. And yeah, yeah, that's the that's, that's the implication. The, the that's implication, there. Yeah. right? Right. Well, I mean, even then, again, it doesn't change my core theology, right? Of Jesus's sacrifice, and so yeah, that's basically it. And and boy, if you want to annoy an atheist who's trying to mess up your theology with uh, you know Jesus babies and everything, you know, it's just go back to the cross. Really, that's all. Yeah. That's all it's about is his mission that he came down here to do. Everything else, you know, it's just. I mean, not everything else is whatever, but I mean, that's the main. That's the main deal. You know, we had Scott Walter on the show, as I mentioned before, and, and he he talked about the Jesus ossuary. And this is the, supposedly, this is like the, where they put the bones in like the first century, they put them in these, in these ossuaries. Mm-hmm. And they put, um, the, it's very controversial. And some people say that they're looking at different, the names are the same as what's described in the Bible, the Jesus family. But then there's other people that say, well, these are very common names for the time period. And what Walter was saying, and he, if he's saying that Jesus is was put into the ossuary, if it's the body was put in there, then that's a totally different thing, because then you're talking about denying the resurrection. Right. And that's key. That That's key to Christian theology. Um, why don't you tell us where people can listen and uh, what else you got coming up? And, uh, you know, there we go. Well, we got to, we got a couple. We got two, three different places where people can listen. Of course, the main site is conspiranormal.podomatic.com, and we have Fringe Radio Network, which we're on with uh, our good friends Johnny Iron, and uh, also uh, ipbnfm.com, which I'm sure Gons is familiar with, and we're on there as well. There you go, folks. Make sure to check out the show. And make sure to keep checking us out while we keep going. We're teleportator tatering. Tatering. Let's go. Teetoring. Tidor. John Tidor. Teleportator tater teetering. Dude, we gotta get John Teeter on this on this thing. You think we can his, teleport to his thing? We can't travel in time, Guns. How many times do I have to tell you this? No, we we just did. We just did time travel. We traveled to the future. Think outside the cage. Okay, so here's the deal. We've been through the supernatural stuff, but there's some stuff happening in the natural world that is pretty confusing and crazy as well. You know, the Are you talking about space? The, well, yeah, space. It's where the supernatural and the natural sort of overlap, you know, kind of thing. Sure. But there's stuff out there that allegedly stuff out there that uh you know we may or may not know about or see but since for some reason your teleporter can't teleport out into space whatever that means i never said that but we just can't breathe yeah but let's just talk to somebody about outer space okay well there's a guy that i know he's been on the show he believes that there's this thing called planet x (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug Elwell. You call him Elowelly? Elowello. Dougie Doug Elowelly. Yeah, Dougie Doug Elowelly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, let's go. Let's go. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. So how you been? What have you been up to? Oh, just getting things done, uh, catching up on uh, research and writing, uh, writing a book on the Giants. There was a lot uh, to the book. Um, the more I learned, the more I realized I was getting into some, something much deeper than I thought I was originally getting into. There was stuff having to do with ancient technology and, and fallen angels. and Right. Fall of Satan himself, and uh, it became not just a book about the giants, but about the fall of Satan and his entire strategy and his war against God. And that's a pretty broad topic, as you can imagine. So, in order to do it justice, I uh, felt I needed to take some additional time to really get a thorough grasp of what I was, what was actually going on in you know, most ancient times in our universe, right? Even before the universe was created, and how. Who we are and why we are here is was determined by the possibly largely by the fall of Satan. You know, isn't that just how it goes? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> when that happens, <laughs> every time you uncover a rock, there's another another uh, trace back there's, to Satan in his many deceitful ways. And there's yeah. another rock beneath it. <laughs> the thing is, is because uh, since I can study Hebrew. I do a lot of rabbit trails, a lot of related words, and even the letters themselves have meanings. Right. And uh, finding out that actually Hebrew, some scholars believe that Hebrew was actually a, originally a commercial form of Egyptian hieroglyphics, Ooh. which which, are, which had been created by the Egyptians for use with the trade with Asiatic traders, you know, in Canaan and uh, Semitic uh, peoples like the like the Israelites. And uh, that opens up a whole new can of worms, as you can imagine. The study of the letter Samic, for example, is a very interesting study. Right. Because it's related to the uh, Egyptian uh, Jed pillar symbol. Right. Which is very a very interesting study in and of itself. And why did that Samic uh, change from a pillar to a circle later on in the evolution of uh, Hebrew orthography? Hmm. Very interesting study. Yeah, sounds like you're getting pretty scholarly there. I've been known to get scholarly at times. I'm kind of like uh, I'm like Mike Heiser's crazy little brother. You older. <laughs> uh, I'm like him, but but less disciplined and more more edgy. There you go. That's perfect. <laughs> less disciplined. More. You're his, the bad boy. I'm the bad boy. The of bad boy of the family. Old Testament biblical studies. That's right. <laughs> I'm out of control. Well, that's great, man. So uh, when are you shooting for this uh, new book to come out? Realistically, it'll probably be uh, next next year. I'm, I'm set aside some uh, a few weeks by the end of this year just to do a deep dive into what I've written and try to right. finish it off because most of the the beginning of the book has been completed. And there's a huge prologue, which is about the fall of Satan and the creation of the universe, which I believe which I believe was the direct result of the fall and a heavenly conflict between God and Satan and how the universe itself is kind of an outworking of that conflict and the ongoing conflict at a higher spiritual dimension is really the mechanism behind the universe and what makes it move. Yeah, Ooh. you know, that seems Getting to be the there. conclusion a lot of folks are coming to. And in fact, I'm 
uh, planning to work on uh, a thing myself that talks about that topic. So we'll have to mm-hmm. see, you know, maybe you can get involved in that, but you know, your first episode, you were on episode 85 and um, mm-hmm. you basically told us that planet X is going to be here in a week and there was no plan. And I'm just kidding. Not a week, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I have no timelines cause I have no idea. All right. <laughs> right. Um, but what's any, uh, what's, what's kind of the latest on uh, planet X? Planet X update with Dougie Doug Elwell. Uh, recently, uh, I haven't done much work in Planet X, mostly giants, but I did uh, remember uh, you had a question about Revelation 4 and what were the four beasts with eyes all around them. Yeah, I remember and that. And I, I, I knew the answer, but I forgot to talk about it. And the answer is, and I'll read the verse here. First of all, my theory is, is that Revelation 4 is actually a description of Planet X. And uh, the, all the satellites that surround it, and it, it's a comet tail, and it has like a, a ring system which looks like a rainbow, like kind of like a like a Saturnian ring. And right. the seven lamps of fire are seven large satellites, and the four beasts are another group of four satellites, total of eleven satellites, very similar as described in Enuma Elish with uh, Marduk as having a group of seven winds and also a group of four winds around it, which the, the numbers were interesting. Hmm. Related. That is interesting, and uh, but you had a question specifically about the four beasts and why they have they were full of eyes before and behind and basically all around and all all over their surfaces or all of their bodies depending on how you look at it. And I remembered that uh, in the Hebrew, the word for eye is ayin, which literally means I know this is written in Greek, but uh, the the concept is Hebrew, and ayin literally means nothing. It, it means like. Uh, so you know, it's like a, it's like zero or even null, something that does not exist. Right. And it's usually translated as whole when referring to an object, or as an. It can also be translated as eye when referring to a human or an animal. Uh, in the sense of the, there's the the eye is like a hole through which you see, and there's those eye sockets and stuff. And so in this context, if you see, if you think of the four beasts as actually four satellites. If they're thought of as covered with holes, that's what we would call covered with craters. Mm-hmm. So, like our just as our moon is covered with craters, these moons are also covered with craters, uh, which would make sense because they've been through a lot of battles. Right. If we're to take seriously what said in Emilish and how the planet X is coming in and out of our solar system multiple times, it's probably uh, had a lot of craters, a lot of a lot of asteroids trying to hit it, and these. Satellites have kind of acted as guards and taken a lot of the damage, and a lot of the uh, impacts hit them instead of Planet X. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, recently, just in in sort of the fringe headlines that pop up on my Facebook feed, I've seen some things talking about how you can see Planet X with the naked eye be in front of the sun here coming up or something like mm-hmm. that. I must admit, I did not read them. But I saw the headline, which I think is, uh, in this day and age, what how most people get their news. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you mean the solar flares and the sun dogs? And something. I saw something about being suns. able to see Planet X. Is there? Are we going to be able to see it? We will be able to see it, but it won't be until, until uh, it's crashing the, into the us. Tribulation. <laughs> it, it, if it's Planet X crashing into the Earth, the Earth will be totally destroyed. Right. I know okay. what you mean. It's um, um, Planet X will not. Uh, it, Planet X normally, in my theory, and that of Sitchin Sitchin S people, 
uh, actually travels only as close as the asteroid belt, which means it can be seen brightly in the heavens because the asteroid belt is midway between uh, Mars and Jupiter, which means it's relatively close to Earth. Um, so a good-sized planet that would be closer than Jupiter would be pretty bright. That's probably what the Star of Bethlehem was when it passed through the asteroid belt. It became visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like in its appearance, it's like a giant comet. And comets don't are actually invisible because they're actually most most of them are covered with a thick black tar-like organic goo, which makes them uh, blacker than coal and invisible to normal telescopes until they come close to the uh, sun to take to take on or uh, for sublimation to occur and then the uh, water in their surfaces begins to evaporate and form and form the comet tail. Right. Then they suddenly become very visible versus an invisible, effectively. Now, the planet X is the same way. It has, if not water ice on the surface, it has lots of water in its atmosphere and surrounding it. And this becomes sublimated whenever it comes through the solar system and it takes on a gigantic tail or would actually look like a pair of wings because the solar wind affects it differently. And this is why you have in, uh, in Sumerian cosmology this giant wing disk symbol because this is how it appears when it comes to our solar system. It has a uh, kind of like two or actually three tails, two on either side of it and one at the bottom. It's a pretty glorious sight. Right. And this is what Jesus was saying when he says, I'll, I'll return like a thief in a night. Right. He returns a very dark, black, almost black or absolute black color. But when the comet tail of planet X forms, it becomes brilliantly bright. Uh, once it passes a certain distance from the sun, sublimation occurs and then the comet tail forms and then it, it just appears out of nowhere and becomes Usually obvious. Um, I think planet X will actually appear, become visible to Earth from the human eye uh, about midway through the seven-year tribulation. Uh, it's described in Revelation 6 where it says, And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and so forth hid themselves in the dens in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? I think what they're saying about the throne of uh, the face of him that sitteth on the throne, they're actually talking about planet X first becoming visible to the naked eye. And this is actually midway through the tribulation, right after what sounds like a large amount of asteroids has just hit the Earth. And probably uh, it says every mountain and island is moved out of its, out of their places. The only way this could happen is if the crust itself was displaced temporarily from the Earth's mantle. So we have a, a gigantic, gigantic asteroid collision, probably many asteroids, so, so many of them, striking at an angle against the rotation of the Earth to the point where the crust actually dislodges and becomes temporarily um, out of sync with the mantle, having the effect of all the continental materials, in fact, all the seas and oceans, being moved out of their places, and all the clocks will be off now, and the law will have to be reset because we probably will lose a few hours of time. Not the clocks. The, <laughs> and, and everything is off now because, and this is the only way. This is the only way all this could happen, as described in the Book of Revelation. Right. Is if the entire crust was displaced. That's the only way to do what they say here. So that's my theory: is that uh, Planet X's appearance is, is pre- immediately preceded by a massive asteroid. Uh, bombardment of earth right you know we've seen a lot of 
talk about Mars losing its atmosphere, water on Mars discovered, which is not news really, because some people in the conspiratorial community have been saying that for years. Uh, you know, water on Pluto, the moon of, uh, I believe it was Saturn, which is, uh, or maybe it was Jupiter, I don't remember, uh, Phobos, and actually that's Mars, all right? Was it Mars' moon, Phobos? Io or Iapetus or one of those? Uh, I think it was Phobos they were saying was uh, losing, or it's like ripping apart or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, there's been a lot of news of space stuff, like planets and all this stuff. Is this just NASA trying to, you know, give a reason for more funding for the upcoming year? Or do you think they're actually preparing us for something different? Probably we're going to start hearing more and more uh, news about uh, strange anomalies in our solar system. Uh, news about asteroids coming close to Earth and more of them. This has been happening more and more often. And this will happen more as Planet X approaches, and it has a vast amount of debris in its orbital path, and that's just going to send stuff scattering all over over the solar system. So the preponderance of asteroidal strikes on Earth will go up as Planet X begins to approach because of all this debris in its orbital path. Right. And I think that's what they're starting to prepare us for. Movies like, you know, uh, Giant, you know, First Impact or whatever it's called, Armageddon, and a number of other movies that came out in the nineties, started preparing people for the idea of massive asteroids striking the Earth. And uh, just in over Halloween, there was a pretty good-sized skull-shaped asteroid that passed fairly near Earth. It was right. pretty close to uh, pretty close to the Moon's orbit, which is fairly close. Yeah, yeah. And if it had struck, it would have caused a lot of destruction. Just one uh, asteroid would cause a lot of damage, multiple dozens of asteroids, maybe hundreds, even thousands, if that's a strike possibly in Revelation 6, could cause massive amounts of damages and even alter the Earth's uh, rotation. Ah! <laughs> We're all going <laughs> to... That's, which that's is all bad. I have to say. <laughs> that's not good well that's very interesting you know and and a lot of our listeners keep are following the space program whether they uh believe it or they think that everything nasa says is a lie uh but you know it's very interesting especially that uh skull-shaped asteroid near halloween mm. you know it kind of i was kind of thinking about this the other day and that's you know in the ancient times they looked at the stars and and sort of tried to either divine things out of the stars or uh whatever they always the, the stars always had something to do with the future of humanity or what the world is going to be like and we're still kind of the same way we're still looking at looking up in the sky just with you know telescopes and bigger things like that um and it still kind of has the same uh impact on our minds and hearts as it did uh, thousands of years ago i think probably the memory of planet x coming by every once in a while and have that having an effect on mankind might have become a general idea that the movement of the planets have an effect on us right also the comets coming by and when they occasionally hit earth that affects mankind too yeah so that idea that uh comets which are believed to herald disasters the comets themselves were occasionally the disaster because it would actually strike earth and kill lots of people. So well, there uh, people go. looked at the heavens not just for signs of the future, but also to see are we about to be destroyed by a giant rock falling on us. So you got to pay attention. It's, just, it's more practical uh, than simply magic and superstition. There's a, probably a practical aspect to it. All right. Well, there you go, everybody. Well, Doug, 
we got to get going. I, I, I got somebody in mind, Guns. We got to head out. All right. Thanks, Doug. Take care, buddy. Think outside the cage. All right. So as long as we're on the topic of sciencey things, there's one guest that we've had on the show that we just we we have to go visit. In fact, he's your long lost uncle. Yeah, he might be teleporting around himself, so we might just have to catch him somewhere else. All right, are you ready? You know who I'm talking about? I get a feeling that I know who you're talking about. Dendeo. Dan, imagine meeting you here, just teleporting around. How you doing, buddy? Doing fine, doing fine. Are you guys owned your second or first cup of coffee yet? Well, Stan, when you're teleporting through the universe, you just sort of, your adrenaline gets going and you, you don't really need coffee. But enough about us. Yeah, this is about you, Stan Deo. Ah, all right. Have you been, so we had you, we last had you on when we were talking about the garden of Eden, and people actually really enjoyed that episode, and uh, it was very intriguing. Are you, are you keeping busy still, or are you just uh, lounging in paradise now? <laughs> no, I'm keeping busy. Actually, I, I correspond with a, uh, a young fellow over there in um, southern Uganda who does tours into the Garden of Eden in Tanzania, oh. and um, keeping track of... Uh, developments there around the region where Israel is doing some construction of something. We're not exactly sure. Some uh, buildings and uh, military are there, so I don't know why they're in Africa, but hey, there you go. Actually, um, I don't know whether I told you at the time of the show, I'd, I, I'd heard from a uh, pastor over there in um, Africa named Robert Mawiri, and, uh, you know, he's a, a friend of Netanyahu's, and they've designed a city that's been built there in Israel. Anyway, he called me up and he said, look, uh, I was fascinated to hear about the Garden of Eden being there in Tanzania, in the Ngoro Crater. And he said, uh, I was in a meeting, uh, you know, a lecture that uh, some guy was giving over in Israel. And we were in a small building and I was toward the back of the audience. And uh, these two guys came in from outside and asked me to come with them over to a side room you know, kind of uh, uh, quietly and secretly type thing. Right. So they get over there and shut the door, and they tell this pastor, Mawiri, they said, look, um, we're going to tell you some things here. Israel, when it escapes the the uh, pursuit of the Antichrist during the tribulation, is going to hide in the Garden of Eden. And Robert said, well, I thought that was gone. And they said, no, it's located in the Nguro Crater in Tanzania. Hmm. And so he rang me to tell me that, and I think, well, gee, that's that's really incredible. I, and it's a hundred square miles, so I guess a lot of people could live there. I don't know how they'd eat, but maybe that's why Israel's overdoing that. You know, wow. me, scientific yeah. curiosity. So they might be uh, setting up some, uh, I don't know, structures there right now just to prepare for that, huh? You, yeah, you wouldn't know. Oh. Uh, there are a lot of places to hide stuff and caves. Um, elephants dig a lot of caves there with their trunks and their heads uh, into the sandy sides of the crater. But anyway, that's just a, a scientific curiosity. Oh, that is a scientific curiosity. Hey, that's interesting. Hey, you know, hey. speaking of scientific curiosity, when I was in high school, I'm going to tell a little tale of myself showing how brilliant I wasn't, but uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I think I was in about the 11th grade, and I was in uh, the 
chemistry class, and uh, my teacher there was uh, Mr. Minnick, and um, he let me get away with a lot because I was top student there. And I said, look, I've been reading up on how to make artificial emeralds. And he said, oh, well, that sounds like a good project. Um, you know, sure, you, you can do it here and leave your experiment in this locked-up uh, glass case here in the classroom. And so I worked on it for a while and uh, was using what's called titration by neutralizing acids to cause the, the little tiny emeralds to form. And they started to form. You can see them under the microscope. They weren't big yet. And he said, look, uh, I, it was on a Friday. He said, look, I just got in uh, for the class here a new vacuum pump. You know, I've been having this on order for a year or two. And uh, he said, now, if you were to hook up this vacuum pump over this solution you've got, it'd make it evaporate quicker and titrate quicker and, you know, make your emeralds grow quicker. quicker. I said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. So he says, okay, we'll do it here in the back room in the storeroom and, uh, you know, we'll leave it over the weekend, look at it on Monday. So he had me hook it all up. I put up the vacuum hose on the top of the jar with the solution and everything and set the pump running and, okay, chugga, 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 it's running. I thought, well, okay, that's it. Shut the door, locked it, and we went home. Monday, I came back in, and here was Mr. Minnick at the front of the class with his <laughs> long face, which was mixed anger and sadness. He says, Deo, get up here. I thought, oh, dear, what have I done? So he opens up the back room. We go into there, and he says, listen. I said, I don't hear anything. He says, that's right. The pump is not working. I said, okay. He said, let me show you why it's not working. And he unscrews the plates on the side of it and opens it out, and kind of a gelatinous goo falls out of it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking, what the heck? And he said, um, <clears throat> didn't you know you were supposed to put another little jar in between the hose and the thing to sift out the acid? And I was using hydrofluorosilicic acid, which is rather invasive. <laughs> and he said, you have dissolved the innards of this. <laughs> <laughs> he melted the machine. Uh, I melted it. Boy, was <laughs> I in trouble for a while. Goodness gracious. So it wasn't too smart anyway. But um, uh, And no emeralds came out of it, huh? Well, we did get some small ones. They were, they were like in the microscope. They were quite nice little hexagonal uh, emeralds. They were perfect. But um, uh, you didn't quite grow your fortune in the laboratory. No, no, no. I have to admit, I was inspired by an article in a magazine uh, about um, Mr. Chatham out in uh, Chatham out in California, who had grown emeralds the size of oranges, and his children were playing with them on the floor. Ooh. And uh, he went on to, to make a company out of it, Chatham Emeralds and Diamonds. And uh, oh, I think he did some sapphires, too. Uh, let's see. Emeralds, diamonds, yeah. And rubies. He did rubies. But the the crystalline structures, like diamonds and, and um, emerald and uh, the um, sapphires, what he did was he made high-pressure containment uh, pods, and he put the solutions in there, and under heat and pressure, he was able to do it a lot quicker. The only problem he had was that the emeralds were perfect there were there were no bubbles or inclusions of iron impurities or anything and when the jewelers looked at it with this special little lens they put over and said well these aren't real these you know these are these are too good too good too perfect but uh, he's made a business of this in fact uh, i I did contact him years later and i said look i was inspired to do my own research and then by your work and he sent me 55 carats of emerald uh that he made yeah it was out of his out of his Thing it was on his desk, a little jar with the, the memoranda, you know, or, or memorables of the research, and um, they did have an explosion in one of the uh, 
uh, factory or labs there. You know, that's like, just bound to happen when you're doing stuff like that. Well, let me tell you, one of the key ingredients of emerald is about the second or third most toxic substance that we know about. It's called beryllium oxide. Years ago, Bethlehem Steel used to make beryllium-hardened steel in their, their foundry. And they found out that a lot of their guys were dying of cancer. And it was uh, and, and uh, a, a disease called barosilicosis of the lungs. And they found out that they were touching uh, the beryllium oxide in the process, and it was going into their skin direct. And it, uh, it builds up like mercury. You know, it's a, a cumulative poison. And it fills the lungs with water, and you die. Well... <clears throat> I had already found that out by the time I got a hold of Mr. Chatham, but his lab was coated in that stuff, and they had to virtually close it and, and, and condemn the lab because they just couldn't clean up all the little pieces of dusty uh, beryllium oxide. Oof, uh, wow. When I went to, to Australia, I closed down my lab at, in uh, Texas, and a little private thing in the house up in the attic, and that's where I'd been experimenting with the, the uh, emerald growth there with beryllium oxide, but I used gloves and a mask and did all the right things. So I called poison control out of Texas Instruments there in, in the northern part of Dallas. And I said, look, guys, can we uh, uh, bring this over to you and you can uh, dispose of it in your toxic waste thing, that, that well you've got over in Louisiana or whatever, just drop it down there and throw it away. And they said, what have you got? And we said, brilliant. I said, brilliant oxide. And they said, uh, you haven't touched it, have you? I said, no. Uh, okay, very carefully put it into a sealed plastic trash can, put it into the the car in the trunk, and get straight out here straight away. We'll have a team meet you there to to take it off your hands. So I do this, you know, throw it in the back of the, the car in the trunk and drive over to Texas Instruments through the main gate. They let me in, and I drive over to the area where I'm supposed to, and here are these guys in these white hoods and Kim suits, and <laughs> just like in the movies, you know, they, they come out to me, and I look at them, and I look at me, and I'm thinking, gee, <laughs> and they, they take it out with fingertips and take it away, you know. So um, it was a couple years later that I, I did um, have a, a mild case of barosilicosis and had to take a lot of antihistamines to keep from dying. But, mm-hmm. you know, Yikes. another one of those smart things that I did. <laughs> well, you're just full of uh, dangerous and harrowing stories, whether it's, you know, the melting machinery or finding secret occult laboratories or just uh, simply fiddling around with dangerous chemicals a little bit too much. <laughs> so... Let's see. Before we let you go here, why don't you let us know uh, what your newest project is, what you're up to, and what people can look forward to coming out of the the home of Deo. (laughs) Well, uh, one of the things I've just finished is on the the front of our website at... uh at uh, standeo.com, S-T-A-N-D-E-Y-O.com. You have to... um, Look at the books there. Uh, you scroll down, you'll see a, a list of books or pictures of it. The very first one says Townsend Brown, His Legacy. Now, um, that is a lot of research. I've pulled together high-resolution vo- high film from the lab where he worked with uh, Agnew Bonson on anagravity. Mm. And so I, I was able to find the declassified papers that were written uh, in France when he worked for the French government on developing his flying saucer. And... Um, I had actual photographs taken of him there in the 1955-56 in France in the, the warehouse they were using to test this stuff. And I put all that in there, all those photos, all those papers, 
the, uh, an hour and oh, um, probably fifteen minutes worth of video that I've, or you know, made from film strips that I got out of his lab there in in uh, Salem, uh, North Carolina, it was with the Bonson Company. Um, a few other photos and things of that, and then I put in about an eighteen-page PDF where I say, you, "Let me tell you about this," and uh, I explain how I researched. Um, Townsend Brown's work, and then at the end of it, I say, okay, now, anti-gravity is a function of, and I list out and show it, and I include it as a, as a bonus in this USB drive, my paper on the inertial nature of electricity, so that the two work together to explain to you how you can start researching anti-gravity for real with a couple of toroidal coils and a couple of little bits and pieces. It doesn't give you the exact formula, because I don't have that yet, but it, it does tell you how I found what we need to develop and how we need to hook it up is probably one of about six different circuits. So that's, that's what I've been Yeah. I like yeah. the sound looks, of that. Looks pretty cool. A lot of good pictures and diagrams and handwritten notes. And it looks pretty yeah. neat. Uh, now, I'll have to get on that. Have you heard about the recent, uh, and this may be dated by the time people hear it, but there was a gentleman named Keshe from the Keshe Foundation. He, yep. Threatened to uh, well, he, first off, he claimed to be the Messiah, which of course uh, doesn't ring well with uh, <laughs> those of us who know what's really going on. Uh, yeah. But he threatened uh, the you know the powers that be that if they don't release this technology, he's going to do it. And then he gave him ten days. The ten days ran out, and then he did some uh, conference where he's explaining things. Uh, I sat through some of it. Um, it was tough to to swallow some of the stuff he was saying, uh, not because it was. Uh, anything negative it was just he was running around the mill mill it seemed like and not being too clear about how this technology works uh what do you know about him and and his whole uh agenda there well those of us that do research in these areas of free energy and anti-gravity uh for real uh think he's a nut that's just it in a capsule uh he hasn't really (laughs) produced anything that works and uh as you say in that uh lecture he was giving i did sit through part of that too before i yawned and went on to do something important (laughs) (laughs) but he 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 was just vague and for somebody that was going to give away the secret to everybody he never did right right you know um you know i've I've heard of him before with this Messiah business and stuff. And sadly, uh, you know, I just think he's a fraud. Um, I, I, I looked at the circuit. I did get a, a look at his circuit of his energy collector and stuff. And, um, and and you saw in the video, if you saw the synopsis of it, that there was a guy working with him that had coated some of these coils and with um, uh, with a carbon compound after they had burned the um, insulation off of these uh, coated uh, shellac coated uh, copper wires and shoved it down inside of another coil, bent it into a torus and both of them and uh, hooked them you know, the end of one into the other. Okay, what he's playing with there is very close to the toroidal structure I saw uh, in the photos of the assembly areas of the real flying saucers that, that America's been making. Mm. And um, But he hasn't he, he he doesn't have the the common core doctor and things like that, and uh, you can use an anti gravity coil set to to draw energy out of the gravitational field of the Earth, but because it's dynamic, it's not uh, static. It's not a one directional attraction. It's dynamic. So, with having said that, uh, what he was doing could have been done a lot simpler, but he made it look so hard that uh, people would think, oh, well, I'll just buy one of his things whenever it comes out. Mm. But so far, so far, we've found no one that's got a working model that he sent out. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then the other kind of thing I had a question just along these lines, because I've been looking at some of this stuff, is uh, 
uh, Ben Rich, who who was the Skunk Works guy uh, mm-hmm. for several years, uh, there was um, a story that came out over the summer where one of the people who had spoken to him said, you know, had asked him in person right after his uh, famous uh, UCLA lecture where he made all those uh, steamy comments about we can take ET home and we've figured out the equations and all that stuff. Uh, somebody asked him, how do you fly flying saucers? He asked in return, do you know how ESP works? And uh, the guy said, uh, kind of. Uh, and he said, that's how it works. Now, what do you think he meant by that? Do you think there's some he was sort talking of- about No, he was talking about the control mechanism. They, they were able to uh, link the controls into the mind of the pilot. Right. And he can think, uh, you know, controls. And, uh, but as far as what made the thing work, um, the equations he's talking about were first uh, posited by the physicists of the world in 1956 in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where they had a conference on the role of gravitation in physics. And about 40% of their effort, the majority by far, was in developing a set of what's called hydrodynamic equations, fluid creating gravity. And it mm. it uh, follows on the 18th, 19th century physicist who said that space is a fluid. Uh, uh, and they call it the ether, mm-hmm. A-E-T-H-E-R. Right. right. Now, they go back to that and, and, and uh, explain how gravity works for, say, like a galaxy, which looks like... Um, you know, a drain where the white milky stars are being sucked into a drain and they swirl. And if you look at uh, atoms, they're a different structure. At solar systems, they're in between atoms' behavior and galaxies' behavior, but they all depend on spin to create gravity at either the subatomic or the atomic or the um, you know, uh, stellar system level. Um, and that's what they developed. That's what Ben Rich was probably referring to is the new set of equations which allow us to do all kinds of wonderful things. And it led up to, I'm sure, the, the CERN um, development, or it went in hand in hand with it, so that they could look at a way to punch through uh, the the veil, if you wish, of our universe into a parallel universe or universes. The Bible does speak of at least three levels to the heavens, and so CERN is trying to uh, impact, uh, at the moment, lead ions, to blast a doorway between the worlds and get a, a quick peek into a parallel universe. Right. Yeah. Sounds like a blast. <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> well, Stan, this has been awesome. I'm so glad we got you back on here. You're always full of wonderful, wonderful stories that I could just listen to for hours. Well, you know, you um, have to do it in an Irish pub. <laughs> My grandfather was from County Cork, where the Blarney Stone is. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. He knows how it happens. All right, so there you go, everybody. Any more questions for Stan's Gons? Uh, what? Yeah, well. What's your favorite podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> what would I say, Gons? What would I say? <laughs> I think he knows the answer to this one. <laughs> I do. <laughs> i tell you what, it's the most fun, guys. It really is. Seagons, I told you, we're fun guys. Yay. Fun, we fun, are fun, 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 fun. But we gotta we gotta go now. Yeah, okay, let's go. Let's do more teleporting fun. Later, All right, Stan. Stan, have fun on your adventures. Think outside the cage. Alright, Gons, we've talked about some cool sciencey stuff so far, but big stuff. Big stuff. Now it's time to talk about some tiny things. Little stuff. Little tiny things. Some people might even call him Nano. And that only means one thing. Dr. Nano? 
No. Dr. Jesse Adams. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Honey, I shrunk the guns. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Hey, Jesse. Dr. Jesse Adams. How you doing, buddy? Great. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for coming on our 100th episode. You're welcome. <laughs> well, we wanted to get you back on because, like I said, people uh, really enjoyed your episode and, um, you know, your worlds within worlds really blew some minds. And, and, you know, we wanted to see what you've been up to since we had you on in episode 65. Wow. I've been working on different things since then. I guess the same kind of stuff, but lots of different things in the air. Yeah. Is there anything um, new in the nanotechnology world? Yeah. One of the coolest things this year was a sickle cell anemia trial that went on in Europe. If you look up Bluebird Bio, uh, it's a company on the East Coast, and they are really getting after this gene editing and uh, gene therapy. And right. it's really fantastic because DNA is, you know, an amazing computer. Right. It, it's just mind-boggling. If you stretched out the DNA in one cell, it's like six feet long, and you can make a zip line back and forth to the sun many times with the DNA that's in your body. Holy it's just a lot of Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. And so it's, it stores a lot of information, but they've been working on gene editing, and one of the coolest things in nanotech this year since we last talked was this idea. So you kind of find a problem, and in this particular person, there was a sickle cell. So the blood cells are shaped wrong. Hmm. And they said, all right, let's find out how to get in and edit the DNA so that when the cell replicates, it's shaped correctly, right? Right. Right. And and so what they did is they made these little nanoparticles with the correct instruction packet. It goes zooming in through the cell, finds the location on this six-foot strand that's curled up, right? Snips out the old stuff, snips in the new stuff, and then when the cell replicates, it's like born again. It's the right shape. Is this similar that's to uh, the CRISPR-Cas9? Thing or is it different? Yeah, I think that is what they were using. Okay. You may, you can look into it. I'm just putting it in the simplest terms I can, and I'm not a biologist, but we're planning to put this kind of stuff in the next edition of our nanotechnology textbook. Right. The uh, bioinformatics, gene editing. Um, it's really, really fantastic. And the last we checked, that person had had about one half of their sickle cell count had turned to normal count. So they were basically reprogramming this person's blood cells so that every time a cell was done and it, it replicated and made another cell, the ones it was making were good ones. Right. Wow. So if you, follow, if you follow this through, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. It'll make today's technology look brutal when people are like trying to cut out cancer tumors and irradiate people and right. be like, why were you guys using saws and knives and lasers, you mean, cruel people? Because in the future, <laughs> it'll, it'll be like, 
you just send in a few edited sections of DNA on these little particles, um, or there's different ways different ways to do it, but you get the idea. You, you have the, the new instruction set. So you reprogram the cells, basically. Right. And they, they go in there, all right, what, who are you? What are you supposed to be? So if you can go tell uh, cancer cells to just sort of stop being, and you can go tell other cells that are messed up to start getting their act together, and yeah. everything you edit from, from the code, the, the code level, the, the wow. computer programming of every cell, you just edit there, and everything kind of fixes itself. So that kind of genetic um, engineering, that kind of genetic medicine, gene therapy, there's different words and terms for it, I think right. is really fantastic and awesome. Now, you know, it scares some people to death. Well, I was going to say, yeah. Because, yeah, that's... because you, you can go in and say, I would like to grow an ear on my shoulder. I mean, you could just get nuts with it, right? Right. And, and you could say, oh, you know, while the bones are growing, let's just grow this person seven feet tall and once your bones are grown, there's not, I don't know if there's much you could do with that, but you could think of a full-grown adult saying, I'm tired of brown eyes. Next year, I want to have blue eyes. And so they have a couple pills with the edited sections of DNA that go and, and uh, go into the eye cells. And then as the cells are replicating, slowly but surely, you get blue eyes next year. Right. So, now, what, what would yeah. you say to some people who are like... Uh you know, feel like messing, messing with the genome. I know you're not a, you're not necessarily a geneticist, but as long as we're on the subject, yeah, you know, yeah. a, a lot of people out there feel like messing with the genome is, you know, may, might be messing with creation or something like that. But in the sense of the sickle cell, it seems like it's pretty hard to be against somebody being cured of an incurable disease. <laughs> I, I think you make a good case. And uh, I think uh, it's fantastic. What I love is this. When we get to this part in our book, like, hey, by the way, nanotechnology has existed for as long as people and creatures have been on the earth, you know? So they're like, oh, we've arrived. Nanotechnology is here. But really, you, you can't even imagine the intricacies of what's happening inside a cell. And the, the DNA computing power and information storage capable in a human body and right. the, the, the computing power of the human brain just kind of put to shame anything any of us have, as a culture or civilization ever tried to make. So yeah. Just, yeah. first of all, I love getting to that part when we say, oh, and by the way, nanotechnology has existed for as long as we've been on the earth. And check this out, right? So first of all, that's really cool. So nanotechnology wasn't our idea. It was God's idea. That's pretty cool. So he made all this stuff. Amen. But then... <laughs> What's that? I just said amen. Go on. Yeah, amen. amen. All right, amen. I got an amen. Uh, so then, <laughs> <laughs> so then, then you dig in and you look at it and you go, all right, so let's take this example. You got, you got somebody with sickle cell. You're like, all right, I figured out how to edit little snips of DNA so when your sickle cell cell that's not working well needs to replicate, it'll replicate a perfect cell. Would you like to try that? Seems pretty good to me, right? So that's medicine. Now let's go to somebody... It's got a, an inoperable tumor. Like, hey, we've got this new technology that can go in and tell those cells that are cancerous to self-destruct. Basically turn into fat and water and get washed out in your body. Like, oh, no, I don't believe in genetic engineering. Let's just let that thing kill me, right? Or, hey, it's kind of operable, but we might take away half the memories of your childhood if we take this out. 
Or we can go in and change the DNA in certain SNPs, and it'll dissolve like water and fat and wash out of the body. Well, think about that. Which one's worse, like carving up the creation with a knife or fixing it with SNPs of DNA? That's a great point. (laughs) You're you're carving up the creation either way. And I'm a dad, and I have a son. I love if he likes to play with computers and Legos and toolkits, and just because we didn't build the toolkit. I don't think there's any problem playing with a toolkit to help people and to love people. Now, anything can be used for evil. Right. Mm, even even, even an apple, even an apple tree can be used for evil. It's like ruined the whole world. So the idea is you've got to think this through and say, just because something could be used for evil, but it's also very powerful for good. Do we run away and hide from it? I don't think so. Right. But you you do have to acknowledge and be careful because yeah, you could you could see people using that for evil and try to make superhumans or yeah, grow ear, ears on your shoulder or whatever the heck yeah. they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because I could I could feel the audience um getting nervous that their beloved Dr. Jesse Adams had turned into a transhumanist. <laughs> well, don't get but, me started on implanting the internet in your head, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but so, so yeah, no, you make some great points. I, I mean, especially that car- carving up the creation thing and, and, you know, recognizing that, uh, you know, some, some things could seriously go wrong is, is a, you know, a necessity, but you know, like you said, an incurable chronic disease like sickle cell anemia, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that God would be fine with that not being a big deal anymore. Yeah. One of my uh, best friends ever, Herodad Mukasa, did a whole series on healing is for you. And right. he, he was one of the most powerful people I ever met. Just spent a lot of time with God. Jesus appeared to him in Uganda when he was a kid and, he ended up like setting the world on fire with just loving people and people getting saved, healed. He saw more than one person raised from the dead. This is a powerful guy. And ask him about healing. And he said, God wants you to be healed so much. And I want you to be healed so much. I love it when God heals you supernaturally. I love it when he heals you because you're eating healthy. I love it when he heals you because you got good medicine. I love yeah. it when he heals you because you went to the doctor. So you follow this through and you're like, hey, God's, God's into healing, you know? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God wants to heal. So if we've got some tools at our disposal. That's awesome. And I'm just letting you know, they're making some great breakthroughs working with the toolkit that programs what a cell should do. Right. And I thought, I thought it was pretty cool. No, that's, that's yeah. awesome. I really I appreciate that because I think it is a nuanced approach, and I think people are too quick to label anything that is... Uh, you know, new and, and sort of uncertain to be, oh, it's evil, it's of the devil or whatever. But uh, really, yeah. you're, you're talking about restoration, you're talking about medicine, you're, you know, like you said, the cell, how it's supposed to operate uh, to the degree of what we understand it anyway. But, you know, to bring it back to that level of normalcy, I think is totally fine. And you brought up the problem of, you know, I guess, enhancing ourselves. And I guess that's where yeah, most people, I think most of our listeners are, are on the same page, that that's where a lot of the concerns come from. Because, right. you know, if if that capability is so easily done, um, you know, we had a, a Tom Horn, who is, a, you know, he's an old preacher man. And, you know, he's walking around with... Uh, the Cast9 kit, he had someone that uh, in the industry that got him a kit 
a few hundred dollars. Uh, anyone that has a little bit of skill can start editing DNA and stuff like that. And, um, you know, to your opinion, do you think there are dark labs underground or like offshore uh, science experiments that have gone pretty crazy to, you know, pretty science fiction from where we think it is? Or do you think that most of what, you know, is scientifically being driven and advanced is under control? Well, I think there's always things going on that we don't know. And working in in uh, defense excuse me defense applications in the past you know you you get you get close to realizing there are other groups and agencies that are working on advanced stuff that's not public or the helicopter that got that crashed when they were taking out bin laden they had to blow it up it was a secret helicopter but they didn't blow up the tail so everybody saw this tail and they're like oh there's a stealth helicopter that no one knew about so the government's doing that. I'm sure other people are doing that. There's cloning stuff going on. And I think we need to be aware and, and prayerful. But when we're looking at medicine and nanotechnology and just developing a cure for the common cold, you start there. You know, look at viruses and eliminating viruses. Look at uh, this guy like we were just talking about with the sickle cell. And then ask yourself this. When someone does get miraculously healed, when there's a, this prayer meeting and, and the presence of God is there and someone gets healed, what did God just do? You know, go in there <laughs> with yeah, nanoparticles. Yeah. <laughs> what did he just went in there and edited the DNA? Right. And it was, it was stinking awesome. We're like, whoa, good job. And so if his kids <laughs> job, are like, <laughs> his kids are like, hey, I want to come, I want to try that. We're probably not going to be as good at it at the beginning, you know. Yeah, uh, we'll never never be as good as him. But whatever he did for that particular person, we can go try. Like, yeah, it's it's almost like yeah. he's laying down the blueprint of what's possible in that case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we we try everything else. You try artificial this, artificial that, artificial lung resuscitation, electricity paddles to simulate the currents in the body. I'll be like, oh no, the heart stopped. They got to stop with that. No electricity because that's unnatural. You know, right? Like, yeah. The, you know why? Point. Why would we put electricity through the body? And so people are doing that to try to bring back their loved ones. And what would God do if he resuscitated? Well, he'd probably put electrical charge right through that heart and restart it, you know? Yeah, right. So it's yeah. pretty cool if you think about it in the healing, loving sense. But we, you have to go in eyes wide open that just like anything else, look at the Internet. So powerful for good. You don't even have to go to school anymore. You can learn anything you want all the way to the Ph.D. level and beyond if you have a good internet connection. Right. I mean, it's going to make the university obsolete. So that's the good. What's the bad? Well, there's the dark web. There's the sex slave trade. There's all this awful stuff that takes up like a third of the internet. Does that mean we should destroy the other two thirds, you know, and, and run away from it? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, makes I don't sense. think so. I say nay. <laughs> <laughs> nay. <laughs> Well, Jesse, it's always super fun to talk to you, buddy, but we got to get going. We got a couple other people to visit, so take it easy. Unnetto. Think outside the cage. All right, I think we have to visit friends while we're friends. doing this whole thing, you know, because, you know, I mean, Dr. Jesse Adams, he's a doctor, you know. And he's, he's, he's a nano doctor. He's a nano doctor. And, we, uh, we know some people who are into some pretty cool sciencey stuff, and they they're not necessarily doctors, but they're uh, they're uh, they're unofficial doctors. 
I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I think this teleportation thing is getting to your brain. Kind of scrambling my brain a little it's bit. It's a little bit messing with you. Um, Words are hard. Yeah, but you know, last time uh, we talked to this guy, the episode was long and half of it was just nonsense. So I don't, I don't want nonsense to happen. I know. Hopefully we can just uh, keep it together. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, it's, we're talking about Josh Beck. So let's go visit Josh Beck. <laughs> Look who it is. Josh, Josh Peck. Peck. Look who it is. Or hear who it is. Because <laughs> ex- you don't have you you're not you're not cool enough to have a video show like me. People have to listen to it with their ears. Do you do a video show? The sharpening is a video show? Yes! What's the matter I, with you? I've been doing that for like two years. <laughs> I knew that. I totally knew that. <laughs> Good friend. Yeah. I mean How are you guys yeah. doing? We're doing good. Wait, that, who's I mean, interviewing who here? Yeah. Hey, we're the interviewing you guys. That, that's the problem when you get like a bunch of hosts of shows together. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Everybody right now is terrified that, you know, we've, we're doing five to ten minute interviews with other all the other people in this episode. But now you come on. Yeah, Josh, Josh, you're on. just the next three hours. Yeah, Josh Peck's yeah. the one he, the, that has three links and three episode appearances. So in terms of airtime and, and live stream, so in terms of airtime, uh, you have, uh, I think probably taken hold of, uh, most of it in terms of time. Nice. Yeah. You're probably pa- nice. surpassing me now. <laughs> Actually, that's true. We, we don't, we don't say much in the interviews, Yeah, but, uh, just, just so the audience knows you got episode 52, was the first one it was very cordial and you know very uh normal episode 76 yeah that was when i was uh yeah the, the first one was when i was still all nervous because i think that was like the second interview ever that i've ever done <laughs> and yeah. we gotcha and we got you yeah because I, did, I didn't know you guys at all so i'm like oh man what if they what if they don't like me yeah, yeah. And, and we didn't yeah <laughs> I don't blame you a bit. I'm the one that's got to be me. Yeah. I, I just like to live with that. Anyway, so that's episode 52. And then episode 76 was Quantum Creation. And yeah, it was a little better. Was that yeah. after the conference? That was no, at, that, that, that was before that, the conference. Yeah, that was after my surgery. Yeah, that, uh, that was I, after I did surgery. that one in bed. That's right. <laughs> And then episode eighty-seven, Cherubim Chariots, okay. more the one everyone as, remembers. Yeah, yeah. the three-hour uh, <laughs> comedy show. Josh they either Beck. loved it or they hated <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it was the most. I'm, I, I'm still getting emails about that one. I, I haven't gotten any negative ones. It's all been positive. Everyone that they, takes the time to email me does it because they love the show. That's good. <laughs> they must send us all the negative ones. Yeah, we've gotten a few. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys are losing your edge. Yeah, you, you guys, guys, you guys have lost credibility. We take how like how much more edge do you need? That whole show was just a hundred percent edge and credibility. When you're talking about phone booths and apartments and Gary Busey and spaceships, how much more credibility do you need? I mean, how much more down to earth can you get? Jeez. Right, especially you gotta, you since we took, 
we took at least five minutes in the beginning of the show to like warn people like <laughs> it's okay to turn this off yeah. it's okay you're gonna want to do it just do it i even gave everybody time stamps in the in the description of the show just to say we were leading we helped them guide themselves from here to here is absolute nonsense yeah and then here to here is substance so yeah we did that and still (laughs) we get the people 10 minutes in the whole episode we talked about my book yeah well what what number was that 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 was a fun one that was 87. 87. So there you go, folks. 87's a, it's a doozy. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about some, some stuff here since we're, we're so short on time. And like I said, I'm terrified this is going to go on for three hours and it easily could. Um, so w- what have you been up to since we last talked to you? Well, let me go into extremely exquisite detail on every Don't single point. You dare. <laughs> do that basically i've just been basking in the fame of my canary cry appearances and you know i I haven't i haven't had to do anything because people just like you know showering money upon you yeah yeah Yeah. so it's it's been nice (laughs) no i've been working on uh new books and new blogs and i've been doing daily videos now like because gons is my hero and i want to be like him and it's working uh, <laughs> daily videos. I don't know how you guys do it. It's it's well, yeah, yeah. Especially like the two kids and then writing books and doing all this stuff. But it's possible. It's possible. All right. <laughs> Are those catching on? Are people uh, responding to them? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've I got some. If anybody's interested, go to youtube.com backslash Josh Peck Disclosure and subscribe. Please subscribe. I need some. Subscribers, <laughs> just the desperation. I don't even care if you watch. Yeah, I don't care if you. You don't even have to watch the videos. That's fine. You can comment on all of them and say that I'm a shill. That's okay. Just that's, subscribe. I just that's want what they the do it to us. Oh, by the way, speaking of shill, I think you you finally made the shill list. Did you notice that it was through? Oh yeah. Through our little thing on uh, on my channel when um, yep. you came on to talk about quantum alchemy or something like that. And, and it was so funny because in, in that video, the guy, you could tell he didn't even listen to it. He, he was just commenting on the title because he's like, quantum alchemy with Josh Peck. What is that? And he just went on a rant about that. It's yeah. like, <laughs> at least listen to the thing. I mean, I'm not like, I'm sure there are more than enough things that I say that could be taken the wrong way because I just, I, I, I talk like that. I've always been like that. It would be easy but come on at least put the work in but yeah yeah i, I was uh i i feel like i finally made it yeah <laughs> if people don't think you're paid by the illuminati then you, you really that's real fame if you're on the same payroll as beyonce and jay-z you made it man yeah oh, that's man. why i have this like tripped out decked out apartment in howell michigan <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All, All right. right. Let's get this. Let's get this train back on the tracks here. Was it um, ever on? I know. I don't. I don't know. I don't even know where this train's going right now. Gons, you got a thing? It's flying. It's. <laughs> Tell us about your book that you're working on. That's coming out. That already came out. That's happening next month, and then the month after, because you put out books faster than any human being <laughs> out there, which makes me believe that you are a shill. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's what gives me license to make fun of you uh, about like all the all the stuff. The, How much the, do you pay your ghostwriters? 
My ghostwriters. I, I, you know, if I had ghostwriters, I'd need to fire them because there are so many <laughs> things that, like, I go back in my books and, like, realize, like, oh, man. Like, I just now found a mistake in Quantum Creation where it says brain, B-R-A-I-N, instead of brain, B-R-A-N-E, which it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is. And it's enough for me. It's, you know, two years after the fact, it's enough for me to, to drive me crazy. Anyway, so the book I'm working on now. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, it's done. It's I, 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 it's off to the publisher, and so I'm wait. It's it's on CERN, and um, just uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I ran Man. out of steam. You know, wait. You I know this the, the CERN thing, and this is this actually interests me. How it, it must be a hard life writing about CERN in uh, in an Anthony Patch world. <laughs> yeah. Do well, you do you feel that at all? Uh, well, I think that okay. I, I, I'm having him on my show, which is which is awesome. I'm really excited about that. I've heard a lot of good things, but I, I oh, this is bad. I have yet to actually listen to a single episode of his, and it's nothing against him. I just haven't had time, so oh, I don't really you. know. I don't really know like what angle he's he's coming at it with, or like what uh, you, you know, like his credentials or anything like that. But I've heard nothing but good things, so. I mean, I'm kind of excited about it. Like, I, I'm that that's you know that's cool. But I, I, as far as like, I don't know. I don't really have feelings about that one way or another because I just I don't know. <laughs> I right. just I, I don't know. I I well, that, that I, might be the best saying, answer you know. could give. That's the only answer. That's a peck answer. That's, that's, that's the, the answer. answer. There's lots of stuttering, and, lots of stuttering and stammering and not really going anywhere, but just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's worked so far um all right well th- there you go it's uh it's it, it, he's ignorant of the uh anthony patch uh stuff so there you go you could get a fresh fresh take although you know people love anthony patch and people love josh peck that's the truth we we get emails all the time they're like hey i don't have josh peck's email but can you send this to him and then we're like no and then we do <laughs> Just give just give the people my email. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah, we could do that. That's a lot of work. Oh, but it's just easier to ignore your fans. <laughs> I get it. You're one of those. <laughs> no, I actually spent a, some time. Now I'm defending myself. Thanks. This is the the interview where Basil has to defend himself against Josh. <laughs> Uh, we have that voicemail thing on our website, you know, and I just spent a bunch of time going through all our voicemails. Responding late into the night. How how like how back did it go? Like how how long had it been since you guys checked it? Mm, well, we check it every once in a while. I mean, we we can like listen to it immediately, but it's kind of a process to go in and respond. So we try to do it in big chunks, and that's what I did. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, all right. Oh well, yeah. Guys, you got anything for this crazy guy? Nope, and we're out of time. So I see you later, Josh Peck. It. That was Josh Peck. Good not, job. Not, not the Good Nickelodeon job, guy. See, see you next Good time. Good job buddy. doing a lot of talking and not really saying anything. <laughs> Will you say think outside the cage? Yes, please think outside the cage. Please. please. Did you say please? Please think outside the cage. <laughs> For the love of God and all that is holy, do me this favor and please, please think outside the cage. Now, you know, Gonzo, we've been talking a lot about the science-y stuff. And, Bleep blob. 
Yeah, blee blah blue. <laughs> and, you know, a, a big problem people have with scientific discovery is that, uh, like we talked about with uh, Dr. Jesse Adams there, transhumanism definitely comes into play. So we're, we're going to need to talk to some people about that. Well, you know, it's kind of a big year for transhumanism in the world of Christianity and, you know, sort of the fringy people, right? I mean, the right. whole documentary was produced on it and all that. So I think I think we got someone in mind here that we can talk to that is pretty on top of this transhumanist thing. All right. I think you're talking about Tom Horn? Yes. Let's do it. I don't know. Hey, great to be on with you guys, and uh, to, to, to have the privilege to be able to talk to the executive producer of my documentary film is quite a treat. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, for a few months now, all we've been hearing about from Gons is uh, how awesome the movie's going to be. So far, we're getting some really good feedback, uh, and uh, I'm—I myself was just absolutely delighted. And you know, it was kind of a giant step of faith because I've known Gonzo, the radio host. Uh, I didn't know him as a film editor. Uh, Derek and Sharon Gilbert. Derek, of course, is the host of Skywatch TV, and Sharon works with him over there. They do Sci Friday and stuff like that together. And she's our resident molecular biologist, which makes. You know, that's a pretty important point right now while we're out there talking about Inhuman, the documentary, and CRISPR-Cas9 technology and all that stuff. It's it's kind of really way over my head. I've been trying to memorize, you know, how how do you explain CRISPR technology from a layman's terms, right? So right, that's, right. <laughs> that's been a big, a big challenge. But, yeah, but, we, you know, they recommended that uh, we turned the Inhuman Documentary Project, which had been five years in the making, over to Gons to have him actually do all the heavy editing. And it was, you know, wound up with a, a three-hour documentary and wow. really just an extraordinary amount of time that Gons had to spend, you know, doing all the B-roll and, and editing, and it's just what a job. But he did a fabulous job. And by the way, I don't know if we'll get any kind of recognition, but I was so impressed that I actually even submitted that film already to the Telly Awards. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. There you happens. go. Yeah, well, I appreciated the opportunity, and it, it is amazing the amount of, uh, that has changed probably in, in the course of making the film when you started, you know, back in 2010 or before that when you had the vision for it, and where we are now. I mean, you can't go a day without hearing something in the news about, Oh, there, there's a company in LA trying to resurrect people or, uh, digital companies that'll keep you alive after your death. You know, there's, it's all kinds of stuff. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's almost like we couldn't fit everything in the film because so much was developing, you know, right in front of us. Well, actually, the timing of this is extraordinary. I mean, it had to be a God thing because a lot of what we were talking about was, you know, 50% speculation, 50% fact. Um, back in 2010 and 11 when we first started and started traveling around the country interviewing different people. But you could kind of see the curve and you could see where the science was going. Now, of course, you know, in 2014, 
they started perfecting some of the CRISPR technology that allows precision gene editing uh, in any kind of living species. But, you know, the, the, the species that we're most concerned about are, you know, uh, humans, animals, uh, creatures that use sperm and egg to, uh, you know, to procreate. And now with gene drive technology, people go out there to Google and just type in gene drive and see some of the experiments that they're doing right now using CRISPR technology that essentially, think of it this way, gene drive, what does that mean? Think of it this way, it can drive out of existence a previous version of a species, or it can drive into existence a replacement version of that species. And this technology is almost 100% accurate. Now, we're at 97% accuracy, and they expect by the end of 2016 that we will, but before the end of 2016, we will be at 100% accuracy. And you might have saw where just this last week now, there were these scientists from all over the world. They came from the United Kingdom's Academy of Medical Sciences. They came from the National Institute of Health in, in Washington. They came from China. And they convened in Washington, D.C. to say, you know, we've opened the door to Pandora's box. So what are we going to do about it? Because right. uh, how are we going to contain this now? And I had been saying at, at Skywatch TV that even if they call for a universal moratorium on the use of the science, especially with germline modification to humans, that uh, it would be kind of a meaningless you know, prohibition because the nations that want to do it are going to do it anyway. Yeah. And also history tells us that the signatories usually to those kind of moratoriums do it in secret because they know they have to get ahead of the technology to keep their competitors or potentially their enemies from using the technology to, to you know, to uh, dominate them on the battlefield. And so we all are going to be developing the technology. But surprisingly, they essentially said the same thing. They said that right now they're not going to call for a moratorium on the use of using these powerful new uh, gene editing tools for making modifications to humans uh, because, they said, rogue nations are going to do it anyway. Uh, so they're, they're going to have several more meetings between now, and they're hoping to submit something hopefully that the United Nations might endorse in spring of 2016, so sometime over the next four or five months. Um, but again, I mean, the technology is here now. In fact, I, I just got back from being down in Oklahoma and freaked Gary Stearman out when we're sitting there talking about this new documentary in humans that gone, uh, on Inhuman that guns just finished for us. And uh, I pulled up this refrigerated handheld container and set it on the desk and said, guess what's in this? And I brought with me an actual gene knockout kit, a CRISPR uh, kit that I was able to get through a friend that is the CEO of a large, uh, you know, biological laboratory. And my whole point about it was if Tom Horn can get his hands on this technology, then you can believe there are people with garage-type bio labs that mm-hmm. are getting these kits and doing experiments right now. In fact, there was an article that came out yesterday that said transhumanists absolutely are going to use uh, CRISPR technology to modify their own, their own genes and that of their offspring. So, wow. uh, of course, the biggest fear right now is that terrorists would use uh, this kind of technology to create a bioweapon. Because if you go to Google and you type in the, the experiments that were done with fruit flies, uh, gene, just type in gene drive fruit flies and you'll see where they were able to change 
the 97% inheritance rate of a different new form of fruit flies, where in just one generation of fruit flies, they completely eradicated the former versions and created brand new versions of fruit flies. So that was a proof in theory that we now could create, for instance, a different kind of human. And because this would be done in the germline level, all down-line life forms would inherit those genetic traits eventually, of course, wiping out the previous versions that would be in humans or animals or whatever. But imagine terrorists now. A, a terrorist wouldn't need to create vast amounts, let's say, of a lethal virus to unleash on the world. They could take a handful of mosquitoes uh, with a gene for making a toxin, power it with gene drive, which means it'd become come right at 99% uh, inheritable now, and soon all of the world's mosquitoes would be making a toxin, a new kind of black death. Uh, anybody they bite would die. So take a take a little package of these down to the Florida Keys and unleash them. And before you know it, in six months, you've got the CDC worldwide trying to figure out what in the world's going on. So that's the biggest concern right now is that we we have created something that could give birth to plagues of biblical proportions. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> on that wow. Note. Yeah. That's fun. Well, and gone, and gone. So, so to get back to your question, when we started talking about this in 2011 and 12, we were only saying that theoretically this kind of science will be advanced at some point. This right. is not a theory. And anybody listening to this program can Google everything I'm saying. This is not a theory now. This science actually exists. Tom Horn is carrying it around with him, going on programs <laughs> with him. And, um, uh, and so it's a it's a major serious concern that the film has come out at exactly the right time because one of our major hopes would be that churches around the world will watch this documentary. In fact, we're going to be releasing with the documentary a 270-page teacher's guide that will show churches how they can break this down into 13 classes they could do a quarter of classes on it and then we're going to give them the the book forbidden gates and the book uh pandemonium's engine which are both based on this science and it's going to be our hope that churches will at least you know do a wednesday class do a home bible study for people that do home bible studies and because we do mix all the the biblical uh world view uh with this you know with those courses and if the church does not get involved in this discussion, then we are allowing the pro-transhumanist community to define all of the language, to write the grant applications that will define the legalese around which the ethics will be determined with regard to whether or not we should start making modifications to humans at the germline level. You know that Chinese are, are launching the largest cloning factory in the world this year, and they've been saying they're going to clone 100,000 cows a year and all that. But their lead scientist has also said that those laboratories can clone humans. Now, wow. somebody, would say, somebody would say, well, with overpopulation in the world, why in the world would you want to start cloning humans? Well, because of IVF and other treatments for people that struggle to be able to have children. This way they could, they could literally have a more accurate methodology for not only um, having a child born, um, but they could, they could pick hair color, sex selection. They could also eradicate uh, genetic traits that give rise to diseases. 
So it is my speculation that within a decade, if the Lord tarry, you're going to see humans coming out of cloning factories because they'll be able to show that we can create a better version of a child, a child that won't suffer. And if you have that option as a parent, would you would you choose natural selection uh, over being able to have a child that's not going to suffer, that's not going to be disease prone, that has a higher IQ? Well. A conservative Christian might struggle with that, but most of the world's population wouldn't. Right. Yeah, and we're we're starting to see also. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'd, I've tied in trying to connect some dots. They've been uh, digging into some tombs in Egypt, and uh, you know, there's there's been stories for decades about the DNA of pharaohs and, uh-huh. uh, you know, what, what might they be doing with some of that, you know, and how much of the cloning technology has already existed and, um, you know, who amongst us might already be clones, you know, you can kind of go off the fringes there. Um, but, you know, there's a lot going on and it seems like uh, you're trying to tackle all of it over at Skywatch TV. I mean, you also have, um, you know, everything happening with the Vatican, the whole extraterrestrial topic. Uh, right. You have the, the terrorism topic that's, that's you know, taking over the, the mainstream right now. And um, so what's, what's kind of your plan in the next year, couple years? Uh, what kinds of topics do you plan to tackle and, and what do you hope to get out of it? Well, anything and everything. And again, I mean, I, you know, they're, they're playing on TV this week on the Jim Baker program. Me and Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis went on with Jim Baker after the Paris attack. Uh, and Colonel McGinnis, I just published his book, Never Submit. And, uh, you know, he, what's ironic is we recorded those shows three days before uh, the attack here in the United States. And he said, I suspect that within the next week or so, we're going to see a similar attack in the United States. He said, I hope it doesn't happen, but I suspect it will. Three days after we filmed those programs was when we had this most recent attack. And, uh, and again, this is a kind of cutting edge and important stuff that we're trying to deal with. His book, Never Submit, doesn't just, it's not just, um, cursing the darkness. It's not just talking about problems with our policy and our open borders and our refugee crisis and and all that kind of stuff. He actually also uh, lays out a way to actually defeat ISIS and to improve our border security. And we're talking about a guy who is a senior analyst for the Pentagon that they fly all over the world to teach foreign armies how to conduct war. So this guy's a little bit qualified, you know, uh, to know what he's talking about. Not to not to mention, he's also a former army ranger, so he's a guy who could kill you with his hands, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like him on my side, <laughs> but um, uh, but and yet it, again, because of what I was just saying about CRISPR Cas9 and human technology and how terrorists could use it, we're actually bridging the gap. But on the one hand, we're talking about the war on terror. On the other hand, we're talking about inhuman type uh, genetics. Uh, technology, and yet those two, in their own way, are kind of related to one another. Now, um, you mentioned what's next. I know we only have so much limited time here. What's next? Uh, I'm, uh, right now, Sharon Gilbert is working on the script for Exo Vaticana, the movie. Now, that's, that's probably not going to be the final title, but it really is based on the book Exo Vaticana and some of the developments that have happened since then. And what the world doesn't know is We've got hours, we've got like four hours of film, including three hours of filming Dr. Uh, Mose uh, in the Four Corners area of the United States reciting, you know, the ancient uh, Indian stories about giants here. We even have him singing uh, some of the songs in the Dene language, the Navajo language. 
so we've got all that, but we've also got probably three to four hours of film that, uh, that, the, that the world's never seen that Chris Putnam and I uh, had filmed while we were on top of Mount Graham, talking to the Jesuits and their belief systems and all that. Uh, and... Uh, and so we're hoping that that's going to be the next documentary film project. We've got a lot of the film already. We've already done a lot of the interviews with global experts. Now I'm hoping to be able to get some interviews with one of the United States astronauts that claims that there were, uh, that there are and have been UFO activity that's been filmed, that we have had contact with so-called extraterrestrials. Um, we, we think we might be able to get one of the uh, Maverick Catholic priests uh, to be able to sit down with us and put him on film also talking about what the Vatican plans to do next and what they're not yet talking about, but why they just moved Guy Consolmagno into being the head of the Vatican Observatory Group, and he is totally a believer, as you know, um, in uh, aliens. He thinks the Nephilim were originally aliens, that they're coming back again. So um, we're hoping that's going to be the next big thing we're going to give to Gons to start editing for us. And <laughs> And probably, hopefully, right after Christmas sometime, uh, Sharon will have the first parts of the script actually written for that, and we'll, we'll kind of put together in our head a game plan. But we've got a lot of plans at, at uh, uh, Skywatch TV. You know, we, we launched, we had that first little studio I really did not like, uh, and so we redid the studio. We filmed a whole bunch of programs to play through to the end of the year so that it would give us time to go back in and, and fix our studio but we've, we've, we're pretty happy with where it's at now. We're going to make a few more changes to that studio. In January or February, we're launching a magazine, uh, a print magazine that we'll mail to all of our mailing lists. And uh, then we're going to start a women's program, the Women of Skyview, Skyview Women or something like that. Um, and so we've, we've, we've still got some major big plans over there, but my hope is to be able to put out a minimum of two documentary films per year, if possible three. I've tried to somehow connive guns into moving to the big metropolis here of Missouri, but so, so far it doesn't sound like that's going to happen, but <laughs> he can do it at a distance. He's proven that. Cool. Well, very cool. We're all very excited. And uh, why don't you just mention real quick where we can check out uh, Skywatch TV? Yeah, just skywatchtv.com. Uh, we also are also on the Christian Television Network. For people that want to watch it on TV, they can they can get the you know where we play information off of skywatchtv.com. And every week when the when the broadcast program plays three days later, we usually have it up on the website. Uh, there at skywatchtv.com. But they can get all the information over there. We've got a bunch of promo stuff going on, too, they can check out. All right, Tom. Thanks, buddy. We really appreciate you uh, making time for us to teleport here into your living room. But uh, Even you know, he sounds like he's on a phone. He, he was just talking to us through a megaphone. That's that's really what that was. Totally, it's uh, it's he's he's got he's got habits. <laughs> <laughs> talking through a megaphone is the main one, which was which was kind of awesome. Right. Think outside the cave. You know, we've been talking so much about transhumanism, and uh, earlier this year we had a guest on the show. Named Christopher Bennick, who has kind of a different take on transhumanism. Yeah, we should go visit and see how he's doing, even though, you know, he does have a different view. But it's okay, you know, we, we should bring in some folks that have. We're doing it. We're going to talk to him. You know? Yeah, let's yeah. go.
Christopher Benick, how you doing, buddy? Great, great. Good to talk to you. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show. You know, we just thought we needed to get you on here because you were on one of the more popular episodes of Canary Cry Radio. Transhumanism is a big subject nowadays. And, uh, you know, you really brought a different perspective to some people. Yeah, the the hope is, is that, um, you know, while there are some genuine concerns with transhumanism as it stands, uh, that... Uh, you know, we can begin to reform uh, and uh, help to get some of the Judeo-Christian ethic involved uh, with it uh, so that we don't throw out uh, the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, uh, regarding right. emerging technology. Right. If I remember correctly, you, you know, your biggest concern is that Christians kind of get a voice in the coming, uh, you know, surge of uh, transhumanism technology and ethics and uh, maybe even legislation, things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a there's a strong push uh, in uh, transhumanist uh, circles, uh, particularly Zoltan Isfahan has has really been pushing a Nietzschean agenda and uh, being very intentional to exclude religious people from the conversation. I, I just don't think it's productive for us to ignore exponential technology or uh, the folks who are Christians who are involved with that. Um, I had someone from. Singularity University, for example, uh, you you guys familiar with Singularity University? Yeah, yeah, uh, Ray Kurzweil, all that. Yeah, yeah, right. So you know, I had somebody call me uh, who was chosen for that program, pretty prestigious. You know, they take eighty people from forty five countries and they uh, spend a few months together trying to work on. Uh, programs that will impact a billion people over 10 years. And this person called and just said, uh, you know, my faith is totally uh, being disregarded here and my vocation uh, isn't isn't being uh, accounted for. And uh, this is something we need to change. And so I, I don't think it's just transhumanism. I think it's emerging tech in general. Um, you know, there's something to be said uh, for the value that Christianity has uh, placed on the sciences uh, over uh, the course of history and, and Christianity's participation in that. And I think we need to continue to uplift that. Well, right, have you, right. Have you seen any progress in that regard? I mean, you were only on a few episodes ago, so it hasn't been too long since we last talked. But how's that going? Is, is there actually progress being made in that regard? Yeah, one one thing uh, that happened not too long ago is the Templeton Foundation uh, founded a, a conversation at Samford University about transhumanism in the church. And uh, what was great about that conference was uh, there were a lot of critiques of transhumanism as it stands, but there was also uh, a lot of optimism uh, that Christians could have an involvement. So I think that was a significant event. Uh, I know where I'm studying uh, at uh, Durham University in England, uh, uh, I think it's uh, 2017, they're having a conversation on transhumanism uh, and theology. And I think, I think, so the church, I think, is starting to come along on that. Uh, as far as exponential technology, I think there's a long ways to go um you know there are a lot of there are a lot of people i get a i get a you know a call or a, a message from somebody at least once a week now uh who is kind of a young expiring uh, uh technologist uh they've got some ex uh, ex 
expertise in technology or science. And they're really just looking for their vocation to either be uh, affirmed or implemented their vocations in the sciences. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking for like, how can I use this gift that God has given me, uh, you know, to, to better the kingdom? And so, um, you know, I think that's an important responsibility for the church. And I, I think it's something that uh, churches need to begin to really uh, focus on uh, encouraging people who are in the sciences and who are focused on emerging tech uh, to help help them develop things that are positive. And I'll give you a good example. I've got a guy who's, uh, you know, working with our church right now, and uh, he's from San Francisco. He, uh, his name's Kevin Adler, and uh, he's, he's working uh, to use social media to connect homeless people uh, with family members. And he's had these amir- uh, amazing things happen. Uh, his uh, organization's called Miracle Messages. Uh, and he goes out and he collects these stories, and then they use he he and volunteers use social media to connect them with their families. And some of these folks have thought these people were dead. I mean, they thought they were they've been gone for thirty years, and they're just uh, uh, overjoyed to know that they're alive and to offer help, and uh, you know, or even just uh, for them, you know. They're somebody, somebody now, you know, and so, uh, right. so those are like positive current ways that we can use technology. And I have to think, you know, if there's one Kevin Adler out there, then there's a hundred of them. It's just they need encouragement in the church. And Kevin, Kevin, when he started this, he went to his local church and uh, they just kind of looked at him sideways like, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And he went out and did it. And now he's getting all this national coverage on it. So, uh, right. you know, trying to, you know, trying to encourage people to use their gifts uh, because you see this all the time, right? You see people who have gifts and they just need to be empowered. And, and I think that's what the church is about. So, Absolutely. You know, and that's, uh, it, it's interesting that you bring that, um, that conversation to the transhumanism debate. And for those of you who uh, are interested in hearing that episode, Gons, you know what episode that was? Yeah, number ninety-five, I think. Yeah, I mentioned earlier ninety-five. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting to me is the whole military movement aspect of it. You know, DARPA has has implemented quite a few of uh, these technological boosts for military purposes, for defense purposes. Uh, they have um, a biological technologies office that's blending biology with machine and other animals and things like that. What do you? see in that conversation in terms of the church's involvement what what would you like to see the church do in terms of that i mean a lot of people that we in the circles we run around we look at that and say well there's definitely a uh an intrusion aspect of humanity there is a uh, destruction of human exceptionalism that we're seeing in terms of uh, not just the darpa projects but you know several projects that are coming from the transhumanist arm but i mean how would you like to see the church react accept uh you know what what sorts of involvement and we i think we covered this sort of in the in our last interview but i you know just continuing the conversation here a little bit yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 a challenge. I mean, I think if you were to just even take transhumanism out of that equation for a second and say, well, what should the church's role be with regard to the military? I think that's a conversation that needs to be had, period, you know, and it it's not. I mean, certainly... Uh, I think we all acknowledge the sacrifices that that men and women uh, uh, 
you know, give for us, for our freedoms, uh, and we value those things. Um, um, I, I do think, though, you know, we have a responsibility to set a social tone for what our expectation is uh, when it comes to protection, defense, uh, and uh, the protection and defense of others. So, you know, if we develop, uh, if DARPA develops artificial intelligence uh, or, um, uh, you know, uh, develops uh, something that aids soldiers, uh, it, I think it depends on how that's used. You know, if there's genocide happening uh, in Africa, uh, do we have a response, a social responsibility to protect people and to use uh, the tools we have to to go in and, and help with that? Uh, personally, I think so. I don't think it's, I think it's a justice issue. I don't think it's okay for uh, innocent people to be slaughtered. On the flip side, if those tools are being used for injustice in the world, then the church needs to stand against that, uh, you know, just like uh, folks like Bonhoeffer and many did against the Nazis. And, and we need to confess our faith in Christ because we believe that Christ is the Prince of Peace. And so uh, our goal ultimately is for peace and our goal ultimately is for justice. Uh, and, you know, I think we're experiencing uh, you know, as Christ talks about the birthing pangs that, that uh, you know, we'll experience before, uh, uh, you know, before his return. I think these are these are part of it. So, you know, we continue to work and try to use technology uh, in ways that work towards redemptive purposes uh, that are Jesus's. And I think uh, part of that means that we need to continue to have these conversations. I, I don't want to demonize technology or its potential uses, but I also think uh, we're better sometimes to err on the side of caution, too. And so if we don't have an answer, uh, it doesn't hurt us, I think, to be patient and to work through and get the information we need to make informed decisions. So I, I think that's a fairly rational approach. I think it's uh, approach that uh, that most most people don't have a problem with. Uh, the larger issue, though, is these things aren't being talked about in the church. Uh, you know, and one one great thing about your program, and congratulations on your hundred episodes. I mean, I think it's that's a great thing. One great thing about your program, while I might not agree with everything you guys talk about, I, I will say like the imagination that comes into. Uh, talking about these issues is is fruitful, and that's something that is sh shared with the scientific community uh, because they need to imagine what are the issues that we need to deal with uh, to move forward. But the other thing is, is you're fostering conversation, and so as long as we do that um, in a, a spirit of mutual respect, uh, I think that's that's fruitful uh, to continue those conversations, to encourage those conversations, because quite frankly, they're not happening in the church. Uh, and for us to continue to ignore science and technological advances in the church um, and, you know, not to approach them uh, with humility and discernment, um, I think I think that's problematic long term uh, for us all. So, Absolutely. All right, Christopher. Thanks a lot, buddy. We got to get going. We, we, what's that? That sound, we we must find its source. That beautiful music. Think outside the cage. Alright, so Basil. Yeah, what's up? You are known as the one with the joy. I'm the one that's serious <laughs> around here, actually getting things done. I don't know if that's true. Well, no, uh, it's it's mostly true. I think you're just projecting on yourself, Gons. 
I think that you have a very special brand of joy. Yes. Mine is just stupider. No, yours is more just tropical, I would say. (laughs) That's a good word for it. I could say it's tropical. It's much more vacation-like. I think you relate to vacations more than I do. I do. I do relate uh, quite a bit to vacations. Right. I I haven't had one in, I don't know, uh, my whole marriage. And And my whole life is one. (laughs) Your whole life is just one Because I'm not married. Well, Burn! Right, single dudes? Oh, I'm so lonely. (laughs) (laughs) That was like, like, uh, yeah, you had the the man high five hands up and then then sad. Yeah, okay. So, what's your point? My point is that my joy, apparently, based on your uh, filter of what I present and project as joy, comes in the form of a logo of a lion face it's not a demon it's not an alien it is a lion <laughs> with a third eye with no there's no third eye oh okay it's the, <sighs> are you talking about your face like the sun logo i am oh okay the the, the lion of the tribe of judah and right. and, and the matthew 17 2 where, where jesus's face is transfigured and it's shown like the sun and that's Got where it. i get the name face like the sun so it's actually a really positive thing but most people think i'm promoting demon magic but i'm well. not <laughs> so all you gotta just do, to clear that up yeah so all you gotta do is go to youtube.com slash face like the sun and you'll see a bunch of stuff there videos but yeah. this isn't about me even though i talked about me for the last two minutes Let's i get it talk i get about it. you I get it. I start a YouTube channel, and I want to tell people about it, but we got to tell people about your YouTube channel. Well, here's the thing. has 80,000 subscribers. But you have another goal, don't you? I have have kept it low-key, under wraps. I didn't really want to talk about it too much on the podcast because, you know, I wanted to keep the podcast pure. But since (laughs) you brought in the... the, uh, defiling the yeah, you're defiling the purity with your personal agenda i'm gonna go ahead and push my personal agenda and then okay, we can maintain okay. balance i'm okay with that we don't, cry universe we do not uh, as people know have advertisements on this podcast which many podcasts do yeah um and so you know we figured we might as well talk adver- advertise our own selves which is just basically advertising more free stuff Pretty much, yeah. That's kind of what we're doing. So you're welcome. (laughs) But uh, in your case, people can support you personally with this whole Joy Spiracy thing, right? Right. Well, just just in case everybody missed the first advertisement, (laughs) we have multiple multiple ads on this one. Um, I have a new YouTube channel called The Joy Spiracy Theory. And like I mentioned before, it's a place you can go and learn about uh, how I, uh, how I, overcame, I overcame, yes, my own sadness, anxiety, depression, hopelessness that comes with learning about all of the, you know, the dark rulers of the world and things like that. Um, and it's called the Joy Spiracy Theory, and everybody should go subscribe on YouTube right now. Go do it. And if you In come addition, back. And then come back. Then we'll still be here. Guaranteed. Because most of you will not be listening to this episode all the way through. (laughs) But in addition to that, and this is just an auxiliary piece of information. 
which is uh, I did start a Patreon account for the Joyspiracy Theory. And like Canary Cry Radio, it is uh, basically funded by the listeners. And so if you go to the Joyspiracy YouTube channel, you will notice it does have ads, but I don't have a lot of people watching the videos. So I have probably earned about $1.50 so far. But hey, not bad. Every dollar counts. But if the if the Joyspiracy theory touches you uh, in any way, helps you out on your own journey, or you just feel like being a, a good friend, um, you can go to patreon.com and uh, you're able to pledge uh, any amount of money per video that I put out, uh, just to make that clear. Um, and, and, you know, a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. But if you do five dollars, uh, you'll have access. I'm going to be doing web live streams every month. And, you know, it'll be a chance for everybody to get together and uh, kind of recap what we learned over the month about uh, the joy spiracy theory. And we can talk and, and work on things together and ask questions and just fellowship together. And it'd be great. The know-it-all of joy. There you go. I'm I'm establishing myself as the, as the, ex, expert. the expert, the joy expert of fringe Christianity. <laughs> I'm putting it on my resume. Nice. Well, for all those that. jobs that I go out for. Yeah. Yes, this is our only hope. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, guys. This is why. If, this is, if, if Canary Cry w- wasn't here and if the Joyce Spiracy Theory wasn't here, it would be a sad thing. Anyways, okay, I suppose we should get back to the rad music going on. I guess. Okay. Over the years, we've had some uh, great podcasters and friends hang out with us give us advice and and, uh, just be comrades with us and one of the big influences for us i believe earlier on in our podcasting career and continuing on till now is a wonderful duo derek Derek and sherry i was i was saying that punch okay let's just let's go see him Welcome. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm working on my Ozarks accent there. How y'all? Are? No, wait, that's Louisiana. Sorry. Yeah, I don't that's think too far that south. Yeah. No, well, I, mean, I do have the beard yeah. going on though. Yeah. You do have the beard going on. In fact, people get to watch your beard all the time. How's that going? It's. You know, I'll tell you what. This is the job that if somebody had come to me, you know, a couple of years ago and said, "Design your perfect job, your ideal job, your dream job." This this would be it. Um, Sharon and I are new chunkies anyway, so we always talk about the news and things that are going on to try to analyze it. And now I just to get to you know go in front of a, a video camera, uh, you know, five times a week and and just say that stuff into a camera and get to do it with Sharon at least once a week uh, for the right. Sci Friday updates that we record. So, we did it several times this week. Yeah, yeah, because we've got the, uh, the new documentary film. The lead that, up to Inhuman. Yes. Ex- directed and edited by... Executive Director Gans Shimura. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> there you go. I saw the picture yeah, you guys used on that. It was kind of a scruffy one of me. 
I was hoping for it. It's funny because Joe contacted me and said, hey, you got a, 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 we used a picture. And I said, oh, what picture? And I looked at it and I thought, oh, but it's okay. That's fine. I'm, yeah, I'm not very photogenic. The, uh, the update that went up today, in fact, uh, that just happened to be the still or the, the shot that the Vimeo chose to use to highlight the video. So there it is. Executive Director Gon Shimura. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Vimeo you, Gons. Yeah. Well, it's been a long time since you guys have been on the show. You guys were on episode 29, and that was back in September 2012, if you can believe it. Holy smokes. Wow, that was so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like yesterday. So I know we're going to have to get you on for like another regular episode. Does this connect back to that time? Because is this a, like Entangled Podcasts? Yeah, Entangled Podcast. You you record something on one podcast, it automatically affects another podcast somewhere else in right. time space. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's real simple uh, uh, quantum physics and uh, wormhole um, exploration technology. It's not a big deal, but um, <laughs> it does change the past. It does, and the fact that we're also recording this next door to our new cyclotron here at Ooh. Skywatch TV. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's coming up for you guys in the future? You know, you you got this sweet gig. I mean, <laughs> Gons and I are constantly trying to figure out how to land a gig like that. But well, you um, have to move. I mean, Sarks yeah, first. you have to move yeah. here and, move and learn how to uh, you know milk a cow and uh, <laughs> properly feed a goat and a couple hogs. <laughs> well, I our think we can figure that our out. Actually. Yeah, our neighbors out in the country are, are kind of amused by the kid who grew up in Chicago suddenly living. And so we got goats on one side of us. We got cattle to the back and cattle to the other side. We can hear a rooster crowing in the morning on the other side. We got our dachshund, actually, Sam T. Dachshund, ran off a coyote a couple of weeks ago. Ooh. Oh, yeah. A couple of them, actually. One of them may have been a koi wolf, which there have been a number of those seen around here. Yeah. He's got that tough skin from Chicago. <laughs> well, you know, Sam, Sam's a Hoosier dog. He was born and bred in Indiana. But Which makes him even tougher even than tougher. a Chicago dog. That's right. Don't so, mess with Hoosiers. Uh, let, let him out foolishly <laughs> at 3 in the morning without the leash on, figuring he'd just go down the steps and come right back. Because, you know, it's 3 in the morning. Who wants to stay up longer than you have to? But he didn't He didn't hesitate. His hackles went up, and he took off toward the highway. And uh, whatever it was, I, again, coyote, coy wolf, whatever, it took off running down the highway. <laughs> no, no doubt at some point stopped and said, <laughs> Wait a minute. What just happened to me? <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was to say, Sam was very proud of himself. You know, all 22 pounds, he came swaggering back like, a, you know, <laughs> chest puffed out like a bodybuilder. Like, I'm the dog. That's I'm the dog. That is so true. He's yeah. a hoot. Yeah. Well, as far as what's in our future, I, I, you know, honestly don't know. The Lord... He takes us by the hand, and, and he has taken us along some pathways that we would never have envisioned 10 years ago. That's 20 true. years ago, I wouldn't have seen myself married to this amazing man mm. and doing all this cool stuff. So you don't know what's down the future, but we can hope that we'll continue to do what we're doing now and make some more, more documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, 20 years yeah. ago, if I'd heard myself talking the way I talk today about the nature of the spirit realm, I would have run screaming from the room. Well, that's true. Because <laughs> I wasn't there 20 years ago. Yeah. I, I, was not, I was not there. But, well, and uh, even in the 10 years plus that you and I have been doing this, and I bet you guys can say the same thing in your time period, you change. You find yourself, because now you know more about the subject matter, and you can look at it with a more mature perspective, and you, you get more out of it than you used to. 
Yeah, you know, we, yeah. we actually were talking about that the other day, just how if you listen to the first episode that we did, it's it's very different in tone, especially for Basil. He was, uh, you know, much more serious about everything going on, and now now it's just a, a big clown show. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it's... it's <laughs> It, 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 it does change, except, ex, except that the clown is like the one from Stephen King's It, which is really <laughs> exactly what I was picturing. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what about you guys? Do you guys think that what, what have you seen change in terms of not just your worldview, but the world itself has changed so much? And and just in our three years of doing this, or three and a half years, I yeah. mean, we we started with the with the idea of using the topics such as transhumanism as one thing to talk about because there wasn't anybody talking about it other than you know your tom horns and a couple others uh you guys being one of them but now it's everywhere i mean every single day there's a new post or a new article or something being talked about in in that area of of study but have, what have you guys seen in terms of the changing of the world i think historians are going to look back on this time frame you know 20 you know, the 2010s as a uh, a time of a, a real radical sea change in, in the way uh, the West in particular saw humanity and humanity's role uh, in the world. Be, because we're at a point in in Western society right now where it doesn't matter how you are born biologically. We're finding more and more people buying into the concept that uh, gender, for example, is not biological, it's uh, psychological, and it is imposed on children at birth and as young children. In, in other words, you know, you, you're born and you're almost, it's almost a tabula rasa sort of thing, a blank mm-hmm. slate. Okay, yeah, he's got certain, um, oh, I say he, it may, G is is born as a blank slate, and you let them decide if they want to be a boy or a girl as they're growing up. There, because there are things that are happening now, uh, and re- I think in a, in a bigger, uh, in, a, in a larger sense, it, it is how um, a, a massive redefinition of God's creation. You know, yeah. the, the Bible tells us in the beginning created He them male and female, and the world and the but not just the human agents of the principalities and powers that we really face, the the willing dupes or the useful idiots are convincing too many people out there that that gender is a is sociological construct. That you can just change at will. Gender is fluid. It's not he and she anymore. It's she and J and you know all these other you know. You, I mean, well, well, I, let, let me just jump in. I know. Let me jump in yeah. for a minute. Just make sure make the point that Derek and I have no qualms about saying we believe God created male and female. The problem is right. that society is is helping children to see differently. And and you cannot blame the child, or even the adult in many cases, for saying he or she wants to choose to be something different when it's all over the place that that's right, the appropriate right. way to feel. The, the, the problem is these are spiritual, you know, uh, redefinitions in many ways. And, and so it's, you know, I, when we first started doing this, and I guess this is, I'm speaking from my heart, is that the older I get... And I'm pretty old. The older I get, especially the more mature as a believer that I hope I'm becoming, I find myself wishing to react differently to news items like this. Wanting to love the person, but having righteous anger about what the enemy is doing in the lives of many people across the world. It's right, it's right. all too often online, and this is intentional, I believe, we see online uh, attempts to lure Christians into hating 
other people groups. Yeah. This is the wrong reaction. We are called to love others. And that doesn't mean that we love people who are lovable. We love everybody as we want to be loved ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we can figure out how to do that as the body of Christ, I really believe that's going to be the biggest step toward making a major shift in the way society is going. Yeah. And, and the problem is that, uh, as you say, we're, we're being lured into uh, a visceral uh, emotional reaction, hatred of, of other people. Um, and, and on the other side of that, the other end of the spectrum, there are those Christians who say that we should love uh, everybody, but their definition of love means to accept everything that they yeah. are proposing a and super support. Tolerance. Exactly. Uh, because God created them this way and God doesn't make mistakes. And so these people really are male and or female and or other. Well, no, I'm sorry that we, we can disagree with that and we can give our scriptural reasons for disagreeing um, with that worldview. Uh, but the, as Sharon said, the, the challenge is doing it without being hateful. And in fact, uh, the uh, update that I posted at Skywatch TV yesterday, I actually went back and re-recorded it. I went home, it was done, it was in the can, it was ready to go, and then I came back to work and recorded it because I realized that I had crossed that line in talking about a couple of um, uh, news items this past week. Uh, had crossed that line from saying, look, this is wrong and here's why we oppose this, but we as Christians... Uh, you need to look beyond the angry faces of the people who are creating these angry mobs who, who are justifying uh, bullying in the name of tolerance, justifying hatred in the name of love. I mean, we're literally living in Orwell's, an Orwellian world. Bad is good, war is peace, uh, and, and uh, hatred is, is uh, love. Yeah, and those changes have taken place very quickly yeah, yeah. since the age of the Internet. Because the internet allows large people groups to be uh, swayed by by one very small post online that goes viral, it's it's remarkable the group dynamics that are taking place online. Yeah, but again, in a, in, a, in a larger sense, the the big change is just a redefinition of God's creation: male and female created He them and created in His image, uh, which you know, as I'm sure you've heard Michael Heiser say, is is not a physical description, you know, God is not necessarily a biped about six feet tall, but it is a definition of our role on earth. We are his moral agents on earth. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that was a, a great part of his book, too, uh, The Unseen Realm. Yes, so. absolutely, absolutely. And so, therefore, human life is uh, sacred. It has intrinsic value, regardless of whatever challenges or limitations that human life may have, physical, cognitive, whatever. It is still sacred, and yet the transhumanist movement the uh, the gender identity movement are, are seeking to just erase all of those definitions that God created, in so that we can re, so that we can create God in our own image. We can recreate man in our image, and yet, and, and frankly, as we we talked about this this week on uh, on Skywatch TV, um, creating man in our image, especially if we if if science can figure out how to give humanity uh, enhanced cognitive abilities, make us super intelligent and and live a really, really long time, and in, in effect, make us as gods, mm-hmm. but with unregenerate hearts, that's that's a recipe for hell on earth. That's not heaven on earth. Mm. That is hell. Yeah. And that's what we see taking place in the 2010s, and it is happening so rapidly, it is breathtaking. Yeah. yeah. I, I really think that 15 years down the line, the world is going to be radically different than it is now. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially with the uh, the 2030 agenda, that's 15 years away, and you know they got all mm-hmm. sorts of plans in terms of, uh, you know, uh, aside from the social issues and the gender issues and all that, you still, you know, the political issues are even changing so quickly, and sure. it's just amazing to see, uh, you know, just in the last couple months, the the implementation of the Strong Cities Network, the the whole UN program, and seeing the you know the nation change as well. I mean, that's for me, I mean, I growing up in a non-Christian home, still seeing, you know, the changes. And and of course, Basil and I, we always talk about how we're sort of the last generation to have or non-digital age, right? We're kind of the last generation to see uh, a world without the internet. Uh, the, the internet came right. around when we were, I don't know, six or seven, eight, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And, and that really has changed. You guys have a probably a clearer perspective on how that's changed, but the government with with the internet working together to create this whole thing, you know, CISA just passed, which means uh, legally now all this information can go to, uh, you know, the FBI, all the alphabet soup agencies. I mean, it, it is quite remarkable how things are changing. And, and it's not, uh, it's tough because, you know, I think both of us and all of us here as reporters of these things, you know, there's a little bit of like, I don't know. I've sensed this. I mean, I'm trying to hold it back where it's kind of like, a, I, I told you, I told you, or I knew it, you know, <laughs> and there's a little bit of that vindicating factor, but then you look at the reality of it and it's like, Oh, this is not good. You know? So it's, it's so, like that character, that, that character from the movie network, you know, where you just want to run into the window, open it up and just, I'm mad right, as hell and right. I'm not going to take it anymore. But it's, uh, but again, that, that's our human nature speaking yeah. as Christians. If we respond to those agents of change who who think that they are doing a, a wonderful thing for the future of humanity they think that they are freeing people from this uh, oppressive uh you know uh, white patriarchy uh, freeing humanity from these these uh, oppressive uh gender constructs that are a part of that that patriarchal system um if we respond to them with with anger and with hatred, and and assurance that the internet facilitates that, that's that's part I think of what's causing these sort of um, mindless flash mobs like we saw just in the last week at Yale University, University of Missouri, right? Um, yeah, yeah, because people yeah, yeah. Are, people are being conditioned to think that that's okay. If somebody transgresses and says the wrong thing uh, in in the public sphere, then it's okay to start uh, you know doxing that person on the internet to start uh, basically cyber bullying. Um, but now it's being transferred into meat space, uh, what you and I would call the real world, where <laughs> mobs are, are are engaging in that type of behavior, and, and they think that they're right in doing so. Yeah, uh, it right. is is it is right. astonishing. And if we Christians, you know, faced with that, our natural reaction is to oh yeah, we, is to respond with anger and hatred. But all that's happening, sadly, when we do that, is we're falling victim to the trap that's being laid by the principalities and powers and rulers of spiritual darkness, and we're becoming a stumbling block between that lost person and the gospel. Well, in many ways, we, you, you and, and Basil and, and Derek and I have been called to be watch people on the walls, watchmen on the wall. And, and it's, it's sort of disheartening when you're standing up there and you see what's coming and you warn people over and over again. And you look down and they're opening the gates and saying, hey, come on in. right yeah 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 well amen you know that's really great guys it's great to you know get to hear your heart um on stuff like that and gons and i are definitely right on board with you there so 
when it comes to this new world that we're living in and uh, all the things that are changing and we have people, you know, a, a lot of listeners and a lot of viewers of both of our shows here, you know, do spend a lot of time on Facebook and kind of getting caught up in the drama of all that. I mean, what's one piece of advice you can leave for uh, all of the listeners and the viewers of your show that, uh, you know, you just want everybody to hear? Get away from the internet. Scratch a dog. <laughs> find find <laughs> something that you're doing in the real world and get away from the internet. For goodness sake, most of the young folks, assuming that there is a younger audience listening, and I'm sure they are listening to your show. I'm not sure they listen to ours. But, but <laughs> even grandmas out there, are, we're carrying our smartphones everywhere. Yeah. And, and there's this temptation to just, anytime there's a, you know, we used to joke about, you know, our daughter, oh, okay, we're leaving in two minutes. Okay, well, I'm going to play a quick game. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've got two minutes to fill. Well, we've turned into that. We are constantly wanting to be fed with information. We are an information-addicted generation. But it's uh, the definition of information has changed. We want it all in 140 characters or less. Yeah, we and don't we want... really want to dig deep. I, in fact, I even find myself this way now, where I find it more difficult to sit down and read a book for any period of time than I used to, because I keep feeling like I'm missing something by not being on the internet looking at my RSS feeds for news and stuff like that. Not me, buddy. I right. love <laughs> just reading a book or, or watching a television program. Uh, by the way, if you've not watched Person of Interest, you really need to watch that one. It, it addresses a lot of the, uh, the memes that Derek and I have been talking about for years. Yeah, the total surveillance society. Yeah, 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 and, and that's, that's that's another change that's taken place in our lifetimes. I mean, I just can't imagine our grandparents putting up with the kind of intrusive government that we Americans now just sort of take for granted. We volunteer it. It's a yeah, right, exactly. As uh, intelligence uh, analysts have said, Facebook has done in ten years what the CIA couldn't do in sixty-five. We're bringing the wow. Trojan horses into our home and just sitting in front of them and watching them while yeah. they while while they watch us. Well, if you don't have anything to hide, you got nothing to worry about. Oh, really? I noticed you get curtains <laughs> on your front room window there uh oh exactly <laughs> there it, it's turning into a crazy society i mean in many ways it is but jesus christ died for every person listening to this every person across the globe regardless of what that person believes about gender but regardless of what that person believes yeah. about faith regardless of where that person lives what color you know anything he died for every human being on this planet and that's the message that we need to preach and teach every time we get an opportunity. All this discussion is great, but it has to point back to, cro to the cross. Exactly. And he's coming back, so go. get ready, go. folks. Yep. Amen. Amen. We got to get out of here because I think we got some more people to visit, Guns. Yeah, we got a, we got a few more stops on this little journey that we've been on for like five hours. Think outside the cage. Who do you... <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to visit now? Well, let's see. Well, since we're just visiting our podcast friends, let's visit the Beehive. You're talking about Natalina? Absolutely. Okay, let's buzz our way over there. <laughs> And here she is, our best friend, Natalina. Uh, yay. How are you? 
I'm good, you guys. Thanks yeah. for having me on. You're, 100 you're, episodes. Yeah, we're there. We made it. You did. What episode are you on now? Oh, um, 40-something. All right. But in my defense, I think I started about a year after you guys. So yeah, You're on pace to beat us by a lot. In our defense, I think you're the only podcast in existence that hasn't made it to a hundred episodes. <laughs> Every, well, we are the slowest in the world. I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, we're both pretty bad at it. All right. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> we both could really get a, you know, we could work on the, on we a both few could things. Step it up and we're going mm-hmm. to, um, most of you out there listening should know Natalina, but if you don't, she has a wonderful podcast. Why don't you tell us about your podcast, Natalina? Well, um, my podcast is called Beyond Extraordinary Radio, and uh, it, it's it's just, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's just kind of a show where I do a lot of interviews with random people that probably a lot of people that have been on Canary Cry Radio, um, and sometimes, lately I've been doing a lot of uh, more solo shows where it's just me talking about various topics that I find interesting, and um, I, uh, as as you might guess, I don't have a particular schedule that I adhere to, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. I've been doing my website for, you know, since about 2008, and uh, the the podcast is something a little bit more recent been doing it for about two years now and it's a lot it's a lot of fun it's it's very much different than just being like a blogger it adds a different element to the thing so right no it's it's been a lot of fun i've had a i've had canary cry radio fellas on my show a couple of times oh yeah (laughs) well you know it's it's interesting because um uh you know we get a lot of people asking us how to start podcasts or how to start podcasting and and we i don't really know we don't really know (laughs) how it happened it is actually so much easier isn't it than people see like people think gosh if only i could just really get it started but you know you don't need money (laughs) you don't you just kind of need to want want to do it because right I I haven't invested like a dollar in it really other than just like a microphone. Right. Um, and know. with and there's services out there that make it so easy now too. Yeah, like, like if you want to do a podcast, you totally can. It's I mean don't overthink it. Yeah. But there are a lot of podcasts. It's a doggy dog world out it there. Really is. <laughs> so don't don't be I mean even Canary Cry didn't have any substantial views for like a year yeah (laughs) i think our first three months there was like 30 listens a month (laughs) i've been listening to canary cry radio since the very beginning i can remember when it when you guys first started and i thought you guys were so cute and i just knew that it was going to be big and look at you now i'm so proud of you guys because it's just canary cry radio is is a show that like Essentially, if anyone writes to me or whatever and says, hey, I like your show. Can you recommend any other podcasts? Canary Cry Radio is always the very first one that I recommend because, you know, I think you guys have such a wonderful combination of, you know, um, you're, first of all, the dynamic between the two of you is perfect. This show wouldn't be what it is without either 
with either one of you missing, but also the topics that you guys cover. You know, you both have such a heart for the Lord, and that's so apparent. And um, it's funny. It's got moments where it's irreverent, but also, you know, you learn so much. I'm just really proud of what you guys have done with this show, and I'm super duper excited to see what where you take it. I, I mean, I'm I, I'm such a I'm not just friends with you guys, but I'm just such a fan of what you do. Oh, I'm I'm liking this interview. <laughs> I wish more of the interviews went like this. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, and that's I, so I mean sweet. it sincerely. And you, you, you always have been one of the best friends of Canary Cry Radio, and just Basil and Gons. And Aww. no matter what Josh Peck tells you, <laughs> <laughs> we love you both. But um, but thank you so much. And here we are, 100 episodes, and you're here. You're, you've, you've made it the whole way. Holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was so, it's, it's such a funny memory because when I first had you guys on my show, I hadn't really spoken to either of you personally all that much. I, did I have you on my show before I was on your show? I can't. I don't remember. I feel uh, we're like you're on your episode six or something. Yeah. Like way yeah. back in the beginning. And then I had you guys on again. Uh, like last year, around right around this time, right. Um, but and I've had just Gons on my show once or twice. But um, uh, the very one of the very first things you said, oh, I think it was on your show actually, was, was that um, it, that per the rules of podcasting, we'll be best friends for life. And you have held true to that, Basil. <laughs> I feel it. That was a I real mean what I say. I don't. I don't mess around with BFFs. <laughs> I know, BFF I know is you a don't. Serious situation. Well, I'm trying to research this. You know who came on first, and I'm noticing here that your episodes on iTunes only goes back 18 episodes. So I am unable what? to pull up on iTunes. Oh um, yeah, you got to change the setting. We did. We had to do it too. You got to go into your WordPress, and there's a little thing you can do and whatnot so we're solving your problems on air thank you thank you i (laughs) i appreciate that um i had no idea i'll have to fix that listeners didn't tell you not one single one oh my gosh i don't never something goes wrong with our site or our rss feed it's like i feel like it's uh um I work in customer service at Amazon <laughs> when a new Harry Potter book comes out. <laughs> I get I get a bit of that too, but I, yeah, no one has mentioned to me about the about iTunes. I'll I'll fix it. Thanks, guys. Good. You're welks. <laughs> that's that's a new thing I'm trying to start. I like You're it. Welks. Yeah, just really streamlining the communication process. Uh, we're just gonna be <laughs> saying little blurps of nothing in like by yeah you grumpy old guns yeah well well I, all right i love listening to your podcast by the way because oh, i you. always listen to it and i go man her podcast has so much more substance than ours and that's what it feels <laughs> oh. like because i feel like a lot of times especially i think it was around the josh peck episode the the most recent one where it's just you know just us uh, messing around for half of it yeah. and then i think i listened to one of your episodes right after which was kind of a heavy one i can't remember which one it was but i thought man this is this is much deeper than what we're doing over oh. here so well, I, the, after the josh peck episode is not necessarily a good time to, to, <laughs> to, to reflect to on our own <laughs> yeah oh, yeah well i kind of i mean i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but i i feel like lately i've kind of 
got this reputation where I cry on every episode, which nice. <laughs> what that's a really big selling point. <laughs> like, come on over to Beyond Extraordinary Radio. She'll probably cry. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the Lord is really um, put it on me to talk about some heavy duty topics lately. And, and uh, so I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to do as he leads, but um, just following the word. Yeah, you know, word of but the I do. Lord. I do tend to be fairly lighthearted, but what's yeah. An ex- I, what's I, an example of a heavy topic? Um. Well, I had just done a solo show about, um, you know how important it is to just kind of if you're having a lot of problems in your life and that type of thing to just surrender everything to the Lord. And, and as it says in scripture, um, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And I was kind of just relating that to a lot of the kind of heavy duty stuff going on in my own personal life right now, you know, and um, I just tend to kind of, I just sort of break down and cry about it. You know, I started the show really doing the very, like the, the sort of the traditional, fringy topics that different podcasts and and stuff in our niche cover you know but um i'm really feeling moved now to talk a little bit um at least to pepper the episodes a little bit with some sort of more um i don't know uh serious topics like that you know just to kind of you know even though we're interested in these fringe topics and stuff we do we do we do have hearts I, i mean at least i do Uh (laughs) (laughs) that was melting (laughs) well that's part of i think that's part of the growth process of just us as podcasters i mean we've changed quite a bit too as as we've gone along and uh and we we talked about it before but you know compared to the first episode where especially basil is pretty rigid and and i i think i've even benefited from just having basil lighten the mood you know so mm-hmm. and so the the flavor or the feeling of the podcast has changed and evolved and and I think I see that with yours as well you've put a lot more of yourself into it and that's that's going to happen I think that's part of the yeah. process that's what makes podcasting so interesting because it's not like you know terrestrial radio or you know uh live radio where it's kind of the same pattern every day every week uh, you're you're you know in a timeline you're giving information you do interviews but it's very limited you got commercial breaks all that kind of stuff yeah. it's it, and it's archived in a way that's it's just there it's there forever yeah. until the internet goes down which is partly why you know we're doing our whole USB thing but i think i think it's cool i think it's cool to see it's a it's a journal in some sense as well you know which is it, it what is. makes that's it so a, much fun that's an interesting way of of talking about it too and i think that there's a lot of people who are really, really good. They're professionals at doing just a very straight, you know, question answer type of interview. There are people out there who are so good at that that I'm a huge fan of. And um, one thing that I always recognized about myself is that maybe it's just my personality or, or, or whatever it is, but I can't be that guy, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I can't do just like sort of a, you know, list of questions and right. waiting for the response or whatever, you know, I, I recognize that there are people out there who are way better at that than I am. So the only thing you can really do then at that point is to just be yourself and, you know, kind of not unlike you guys, I, I do have, you know, 
the humorous aspect to my show. I, I definitely try to just, you know, it, uh, let my own personality shine through. And I think probably what you guys have found too is that when you are more open and you are just your, you know, yourself and you're not trying to be, you know, the super duper professional radio person or whatever, people I think respond to that and they get to a point where they feel like they truly actually know you. And there is more of a dynamic of like, you know, Hey, these aren't just some people that I listen to and I learn from, but like, you know, I, when I'm listening to the show, I actually kind of feel a little bit more like I'm fellowshipping in a way, which right. I think is is a really special thing. And I, it's why I love Canary Cry Radio so much, because it is, I think, what people respond to when they listen to you guys is that they do feel like for that duration of time, for that couple hours, whatever it may be, they're fellowshipping with you guys because there is this this sort of casual approach to it. I think people really need that in this world. They need to kind of feel like they're, even if it's not, you know, sort of they're able to communicate directly with you in the moment, they do feel like they are, you know, they're, 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 they're part, they're part of it because they can feel that you guys are keeping it real with them and, and you are just being them yourselves. And so I don't know. I, I think that kind of is what sets, sets, uh, Canary Cry Radio apart is that it just, you know, like I said, you guys have such a great dynamic between the two of you. It is so fun to listen to. And I don't know, you asked me to come on to promote Canary Cry Radio, right? (laughs) We'll send you the check. (laughs) Who will make us sound good? Dadalina will. Well, I think you make some good points. I mean, uh, you know, we've you heard some fantastic points there. <laughs> we are, we are great. We are <laughs> we are awesome. No, but that is uh, you know, we some podcasts pop up here and there and some have been around for a long time, but like there's some that are, you know, that kind of go for some sort of gimmick or um, you know, it's and a lot of that comes in growth and if they did it for 3 years, I'm sure they would sort of hone whatever they're trying to do and become a little bit more authentic with it but yeah. you know it's 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 been a great release for myself as we mentioned before in the first episode we we uh we just recorded a little thing about the first episode and um <laughs> i sound so serious <laughs> i'm i'm so serious and i just remember that time in my life just being so stressed out by conspiracy theories and yeah. so intense about it and then just as as we did the show as time went on i finally kind of came to the, would come to the slowly come to the conclusion that eh, i got to lighten up a little bit or else i'm just going to live in a dark cave of melancholy for the rest of my life (laughs) that's true and you know a lot of i think that's a really important thing for a lot of people to keep in mind because i was the same way i actually would lose sleep over some of this stuff and um you know i would find myself going down the the rabbit holes like researching until the sun comes up and getting more and more intense and more and more you know i i spent some time being scared of a lot of this stuff that that we research as you uncover it and you can kind of get to a point where you're almost obsessed with it. Right. And I think that it's, it's a really valuable thing for people to keep in mind um, that, you know, at the end of the day, obviously scripture tells us uh, we've not been given a spirit of fear. And while it's important to be aware 
of all of these things. We shouldn't let it consume us. And, and there's nothing wrong with injecting a little bit of levity into our lives. You know, I mean, it's mm. part of, it's part of, it's part of what sets us apart as Christians, really, that we can live in this sort of dark, fallen world and still be able to express joy, it, you know, and it, because uh, we have that, that hope that the rest of the world uh, doesn't have. So. Amen. Amen. All right, Natalina, why don't you tell us where to find all your things and how to talk to you? Okay. Well, um, you can go to extraordinaryintelligence.com and you'll find the archives to all of my previous uh, 40 plus episodes that I have done. Um, you'll find thousands of blog posts that I've written over the years and, uh, you'll find links to all my different stuff. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash beyond extraordinary radio. I'm on Twitter at, uh, twitter.com slash extra intel. Links to all of that is in the right hand sidebar of extraordinaryintelligence.com. And I'm just so appreciative that you guys have had me on and congratulations on a hundred episodes. And I'm looking forward to the next hundred. Woo! All right, Natalina, we got to get out of here. So we're leaving. Bye. Bye. Think outside the cage. Are we rude? Are we being rude or No, we're we're just familiar. Familiar. They understand, right? We we got to keep going on this journey. She will always love us. <laughs> no matter what. Well, guns, you know the podcasting community where we're all friends, we're all tight, and we all love each other's shows, but once in a long while, a show is put to rest. Which is sad. It is sad, but there's always more in the future. And one of our good friends who is just uh, just wrapping up one podcast, but out of it shall sprout many more, it's Mr. Sam. Sam. Sam Swanson. <laughs> There he is, Mr. Sam Swanson. Swanson. Sam. How you doing, Sam? I'm good, guys. Good to hear from you guys. It's been uh, about a year now since we met at the Prophecy Forum. And I know, and we saw your beautiful sideburns <laughs> and your beautiful family. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what have you been up to? I mean, for those of you who don't remember Sam, he was on the free Kent Melodies flyby. This was back before Kent Hovine was a free man. And uh, Sam came on, and Sam was really one of the like, first guys to really bring that to our attention. Um, and so, we brought him on for a flyby. We talked about it, and you guys loved it. And then he was free because of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All are doing, actually. Oh, Non-egotistical, I love You're it. You're welcome, Kent. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, so what have you been up to this past year, man? Oh, man, so much. So much since the Free Kent movement. But actually, since you mentioned the flyby, there was one thing during the flyby. If anybody who's listening has heard that flyby, I wanted to mention, because we were talking about you know the legal fiction, and we were talking about corporate personhood and stuff like that. Right. And I failed to mention this, and this may be just something to note for people out there who are of the faith. 
But um, in, in conjunction with corporate personhood, since we established in that conversation that a corporation is also, you know, a person, a person is a corporation, vice versa. In Roe v. Wade, the determining case for legalization of abortion, um, it was determined that a fetus, again, they called a unborn baby a fetus, which is fine, but they, they said a fetus cannot be a person, which is true because if, if I mean, because they can't get the paperwork. I mean, honestly, like oh. that makes you a corporation in the legal, in the legal sense of the system. They can't be a person because they have no certificate saying that they are a person. Right. It's, it's, it's all business. You know what I mean? Oh, that's very so, interesting. So I didn't, I didn't state that. And I wanted to state that since, you know, we're about a year late now, but that's cool. Yeah. It's been yeah, on your mind. You know, You've lost sleep over it. Well, and you know, that subject that we talked about on that flyby has been so interesting. And I've always wanted to do a full episode on it. Um, we just, you know, we want to do a full episode on everything. So it's kind of yeah. hard to do it. Well, but but it's it's extremely fascinating and really just like gives you the whole picture of how our system is set up. Absolutely. Actually, if when you're ready to do that and when God wills it, uh, Paul, Paul J. Hansen is still in prison right now um, through this whole Kent trial. So um, he uh, when when you're ready, um, you know, I can when he gets out, perhaps you could do an episode with him. So, yeah, that'd be great. OK, so it's been a year since we've had you on, Sam. And since then, we ha- you know, you and I haven't talked that much. What? in the world have you been doing for a whole year now? All right. Well, after the free Kent movement, uh, the free Kent.com and, and just all the coin tosses in our series, we did 25 episodes of that and Kent got out and, uh, not because of us, but just, it was, it was a big year. And, uh, I, I've been feeling led to kind of change pace a little bit. Um, because Dan actually has, uh, went on to uh, join in the ministry full-time uh, as a youth pastor. Dan, your uh, co-host from God's Property from Radio. From God's Property Radio, yes. So I guess collectively we put, we've put out now, this is your 100th episode. This, we've done, with the Coin Toss series, we've done 50 episodes, and we're doing this final like bonus episode right now. But uh, changing gears, um, we were talking about how, you know, this has been such a blessing. I, I think there's no way that the Lord didn't want us to do it. And um, so how does this change things? How do we go forward? And it seems like a lot of people are out there and they want to get involved in ministry and they have things to say and they are really great at research. So um, uh, Gans, you helped out Isa, uh, the end times mama with a, a eugenics video uh, last summer, I believe it was. Yep. And uh, she's she's got a great blog, and she just wants to do health based episodes. And we've that's another thing we've tried to cover on our show is the health topic. Um, it's at least something you can do is is you know look at what you're putting in your body and, and what how you're feeding your family and et cetera all those types of things. So she's got a new podcast coming out that'll be broadcasting from GodsPropertyRadio.com called Families on the Fringe. And then Andy and Mel, who are also on a flyby with you guys um, from Dissident Prophet, have a podcast series coming out that will also be broadcasting from our website, uh, which is called The Not-So-Dissident Future. And I have a podcast series that uh, is 
kind of more artsy minded uh, called the Hallelujah Praise Cast. So that's, I guess that's a mouthful there. So Hallelujah Praise Cast. That's an awesome name. What's, uh, what's, what's that about? What's going to be on there? Um, well, uh, everything, I guess the name real quick came from uh, a friend, Nathan. Uh, Nathaniel on Facebook, uh, he's a listener of a lot of these different podcasts, and you guys know Nathaniel. Yeah. Uh, he, he coined that term, and he gave me the blessing to use it for this, but he wanted to start a record label called Hallelujah Recordings, which I hope he still starts, because I think that would be greatly beneficial as a ministry. And um, I don't want to be the only one to steal his name. So, <laughs> uh, But... Uh, Anyway, uh, the Hallelujah Praise cast is going to be focused on the arts. Um, it'll be focused on scripture. Like, I'll just give you a, a quick, uh, like my first episode that we'll be broadcasting after the first of the year will be called Bitterness, the Tongue, and Lyricism. And it's just going to be focusing on scripture a lot and then drawing it into the arts and, uh, you know, really the, the condition of our hearts on that first episode. But I will also be interviewing people. I want to interview uh, Natalina, like on, you know, what she does with, you know, her jewelry and, and crocheting and all kinds of other stuff that she does. I mean, there's, there's so many ways that we can use the arts to glorify the Lord. So uh, that's kind of like the idea of this pos- podcast. Sure. So all the artsy fartsy listeners out there um, can have something just for them and everybody else can go in and really see, get the value and the, uh, you know, the divine sort of covering that is over the arts, right? <laughs> I guess, or they can go watch the football game, whichever. So Yeah, either way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. And you said that's going to come out. Uh, uh, when's that? The beginning of 2016? Yeah, 2016. Uh, not so distant future actually just sent me their first uh, episode to string together, and Issa's already got one episode out, so it's cranking. There you go. Cranking. You're you're ramping up. So this, that's uh, where you talk guns. Oh, uh, <laughs> arts. It's pretty pretty awesome. Can you guys hear me? Hello. Hey, you guys are back. Okay. All I heard was Basil say, um, that's when you talk, Gons. And I started talking. I'm like, yeah, arts. And then it was totally <laughs> silent. And I'm like, wow, you <laughs> guys are really so, leaving me on this island. I actually do have a question. Okay, go for it. So as far as, you know, the ending of God's Property Radio as an individual radio show, uh, I mean, how do, how does that feel to to kind of be closing out that chapter? Is it? Uh, I mean, you guys you guys definitely had a little following for sure, and we, me and Gons absolutely enjoyed the podcast, and we wouldn't have had you on our show if we weren't. Um, but what's it like, kind of closing down a show like that? It, it's it was you know like I said we're editing together our final episode uh, we had Leonard Ulrich on and we talked for like <laughs> it had to be like three hours with him plus we interviewed um, an ex Mason um, so it's kind of a extravaganza a big long episode kind of like what you guys are doing here for your hundredth episode obviously not the same <laughs> but uh, anyway it, as far as how it feels I mean I I guess if it just feels right when you start a ministry. Um, 
you know, like, like we have, and you guys have, uh, you know, part of, you know, even the title of, of our podcast is called God's property because it's his, it's not ours. We're just, you know, the instruments in the symphony playing while he directs, you know? And so, I mean, we always have to be ready to let go of things, you know, when it's time, when God might lead us into other paths. Like what if there's other people out there that can do a better job at what you're doing? You know, maybe God wants to promote you upward, you know, I don't, I, you just never know. Or maybe it's, maybe it's not even an upward or downward thing. Maybe it's just somewhere else. Right. And, and so I think we have to, I, I don't know. I, I try not to get too attached in that sense. Um, to, to my ministry in the regard of it being mine or, and I know Dan's the same way. It's, it's just, you have to be ready to, to move with the times and what God wants. So for me, I mean, it's a little sad because honestly, Dan's friendship was huge to have. And, uh, you know, kind of similar to your guys' story, you know, like we were kind of going through that paradigm shift at the same time, you know, and it was, it was nice to have another brother in the Lord to talk to that didn't think you were crazy, you know? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it feels right. Like I feel, I feel like, uh, there's a lot more to say. Um, and I feel like you guys do such an awesome job and, uh, and I'm glad, I think we've done what we could, but I, I'm really excited to see where God takes your ministry and where God takes the other ministries that are joining up with God's property radio and some new things that might come along because, um, I don't know, man. It's it's a dark world out there, you know. I mean, so we just got to do our best and shine the light. So, amen, amen, brother. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys a question uh, real quick about podcasting. So sweet. All right. So include you guys. Um, All right, interviewing us on our own show. I like it. As you guys know, it takes a lot of time, dedication, money, planning, scheduling, editing to put these podcast episodes together. And sometimes, you know, like you said, you know, you, you put so much of yourself into it that it, sometimes you might not be as objective when you get criticized by people and especially for like donations and things. But can you guys tell me how it feels for you guys? Cause I know you put a lot of work into it when others just, you know, have nothing but negative things to say. Right. You know, it, it happens in a couple different ways. Number one, We'll get emails, but those emails are mostly about, you know, how we're bad Christians or how, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know, kind of more personal stuff, but preferential far, issues. Yeah, just kind of like people angry at our theology or something. Um, but we, we have recently started posting all of our episodes on YouTube over the past couple months, and that includes some of the older ones. And, you know, some people don't really, now I know YouTube is sort of like the epitome of like where all bad comments go, but, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I know. But so we'll get, we'll get comments on old episodes like, uh, people, this is old, this is old news. This is, uh, I've already heard of this. Talk about something new. This other guy's better because he talks about new things. And, (laughs) but it's like, they're not looking at the original air date, which we post like right at the top of the comp, right at the top of the description, original air date, 2012. Yeah. yeah. September (laughs) 2012. And it's like, this is old news guys. Yeah. yeah, We know. 
But even on top of that, you know, you get the people saying like, oh, you say too many ums. You say you know too much. You, uh, you, uh, the music's too loud. Why are there birds chirping? You guys were rude. <laughs> you know, stuff the like ums that. And the you knows are the best because I saw that one post with the guy that said, you know, you have a radio show. Learn to speak properly. <laughs> like, uh, okay. Yeah. And really, you know, those don't make me mad. There I say, saying, you know, again. Oh, gosh, it's in my head now. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know. You know? <laughs> so they don't really get to me personally. But when I see stuff like that, all I can think is like, you know, like <laughs> you, you go make a show. You, exactly. you make a show. You put it up there and you let me comment on it. How about that, mister? <laughs> you try to mix music and talking and try to make it impactful and think you, when you go out and do that, then, uh, then maybe we can talk about how we can better each other's podcasts instead of just, you know, criticizing, some, criticizing some guy on YouTube. So, you know, it, it gosh, now it's driving me crazy every time I say it. You know, it doesn't <laughs> it, it doesn't affect me personally until it gets in my head and I can't stop thinking about it. But other than that, it's just part of the game, I guess. Right. Well, I mean, and then in that regard, you know, Dan and I never accepted donations for the first two years that we've been doing this. And, uh, right. you know, I know you guys do. And we've pointed people to you guys because we just felt like we could afford it. But, you know, just us alone, it cost like a grand the last year because things ramped up so much as far as storage and bandwidth and all that stuff for the coin toss series and all that. So, um, (laughs) it was, it was kind of crazy. And when you put, I mean, I know a thousand dollars doesn't maybe sound like a lot to some people, but it is a lot, you know, to us. And, uh, so how much do you, do you appreciate, you know, when you do on the opposite and, you know, get, people donating and whatnot just even if it's like five dollars or whatever it's helpful right it's huge right. yeah you know it is huge and not just in like helping to pay the bills because it definitely does and and there does reach a certain point with podcasting where the expenses do go up and they're not debilitating it's not like we're going completely broke doing it but it is big chunks of money that you know Gons has a family pretty, pretty close to going completely i have a broke. cat by the way, yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I, I know you say that, but then uh, you and I have had conversations where it's like, if it wasn't for this person's, you know, recent donation, oh right, we'd be totally. completely, uh, you know, you'd be out of a car. Like, <laughs> there's literally, right, right. literally, and, we and are we, going broke doing this, but, right? And you know. we, and we do, you know, we guns and I just so everybody knows, we don't make a. <laughs> whole bunch of money doing this no. um I, I i only say that because there are some malcontents out there who are you know thinking that we make a whole bunch of money and shouldn't be asking for donations but we really don't and even more so than you know being able to take our families out for dinner once in a while or not getting evicted uh the donations are a lot more touching in that you know it's somebody investing in what we're doing you know we're not just two rogue players out there putting out a podcast we actually have people investing in the podcast who care about the podcast and uh and and that's exactly how we see it you know it's it's not like ooh, 15 dollars i'm going to put this in my bank account (laughs) 
and because really, I earned this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and realistically, like you know, we could like I could probably make it so that I wouldn't have to pay so much and just delete all of our past episodes and then right. just put up new ones. But I don't think that they, that would be the answer either. So, oh yeah, for sure. The big, the bigger the archive gets, the 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 you know the more cost is associated with that. And so that's kind of why we do things like the USB project where exactly. And I've said it before and Gons and I are not, we're not retail guys. We're not here to sell merchandise really. Buy or USB. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it. Yeah, right. It's, we're not saying that it's when people do decide that they want to support the show. And when people are touched enough that they, uh, feel like they want to be a part of keeping Canary Cry on the air, then we, you know, we feel like we want to give them something back for that. Yeah. And that's and, what, and each dollar that's, is, that's, has more weight in that regard, right? Because, you know, with other more mainstream you know, radio shows or TV programs or whatever, you know, a lot of it's free as well, but they have sponsorships, they have uh, associations with other organizations or political groups or whatever to have money funneling that free product or entertainment piece of media or whatever. But in this case, it really, you know, we are providing it for free because we value the information. It's not so much because we're upheld by, you know, some organization, but that saying that I'm saying it to say that the donation amount, that dollar that each person gives weighs a lot more because it's literally grassroots. It's literally, Mm-hmm. you know held up by the people so it's 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 and, the pure way of doing it you know yeah well and trust me we've considered having ads on the show like we've considered getting a sponsor who could you know yeah we're going to do cat products so, so we don't have to ask for <laughs> donations but the fact of the matter is first of all finding somebody who would want to advertise on canary cry radio would not be an easy thing <laughs> yeah i mean we could always we, the thing with this uh, genre this niche is you know the the survival products and all that stuff right buy right. gold yeah buy gold uh, take this uh, little drop thing that keeps you full for 10 days sure <laughs> and so there's either that or you know there's aggregators you can join who sort of just assign advertisers to your show but then at that point you know we have strong beliefs in not <laughs> advertising horrible products from horrible companies yeah. like yeah. Monsanto. I mean, or, you know, the big joke I always say is the Swiffer wet jet. And so, <laughs> which is a huge cause for pollution. You know, it's just, it, there's, there's no, but there's almost nothing that we could advertise that would uh, be within our, uh, I don't know realm of topics, morals, except you'd morals. Have, yeah. we you'd could have advertise have, Bibles. You'd have to, yeah, you'd uh, you'd have to have Basil's bug out bag. You know, yeah, I and, should do Basil's bug out bag. That's a good. There you, you know, go. you you forgot on the live episode. You forgot to have the Bible in your bug out bag. Oh, you know that's actually very true. I thought about that afterwards and was kicking myself. Yeah, failure. Yeah, we, that that life shouldn't go well, anyways. Yeah, that was a, that was pretty. <laughs> that was not the only reason. <laughs> anyways, all right, Sam. Well, thanks well, so much well, for the question, buddy. Yeah. Um. Real quick, if I could just throw out a few things, real quick. Sure, uh, sure. Um. Like I said, we at God's Property Radio, we didn't accept uh, donations and things, and just like uh, you guys are doing with giving something back 
um, for you know people's donations with this USB. I'm I'm I just got accepted into a um, a website called downright.com. That's spelled D O W N W R I T E uh, dot com, and you can go to downright.com slash artist slash Sam dash Swanson. And uh, I can write slash uh, sing slash play slash record you uh, an original or a cover song of your choice. I'm really trying to use this as a ministry. Um, but some of the artists that are on this website uh, include uh, John Walker, formerly of Panic at the Disco, Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids, Chris Conley of Saves the Day, Andy Jackson from Hot Rod Circuit, William Beckett from The Academy Is, Mark Gross from Spittlefield, Bob Nana from Braid and Hey Mercedes, Steve Sobosley from Punchline, Bob Morris from The Hush Sound, Josh Burwanger from The Anniversary, Mike Flumley from Smoking Popes and Alkaline Trio, Travis Chattel from Piebald, Tony Thaxton of Motion City Soundtrack, and a ton more. And so I'm just very blessed to be a part of this website. I don't think any of the people I just mentioned, let alone anyone on the site, uh, is or at least advertises that they are a believer in Christ. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm planning to use this hopefully to record gospel songs or for any of the people listening, if, if, you, uh, if there's some scripture that's really hitting you and you want to maybe hear that in song format, you can go to that website and I would record something for you for a very small fee. So There you go. Go do it. It's going to be awesome. Um, there's a lot of formerly very popular bands in there. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of actually, you know, I've realized, uh, watching even, uh, this summer I went and saw this guy, William Beckett, who was on that list from the Academy is that I used to be friends with. And, uh, you know, he was playing an acoustic show in Rochester and it was tiny. I mean, it wasn't the worst size show, but I mean, you know, just like all things, you know, trends die. And, I think when Gons came on our show the first time for episode six, we talked about how we were just so glad that we didn't take that path. And man, I, I can tell you, uh, it's not a very lucrative path. Like, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I can relate to, I was in a band for three years and we toured the United States and did all that. And I got back from the tour and I was like, you know, that's enough for me. I don't, (laughs) I don't think this is the way to go for me. Right. You don't so, want to be, you didn't want to be a traveling rock star, Basil? I was tired. I thought you were pretty much a traveling rock star anyway. Like, not in the musical sense, but in other ways. Right. Yeah. No, it's just having to entertain all those people <laughs> night after night in the lonely bars. Um, <laughs> so that's cool. Give, give the URL for that one more time. Okay, uh, downright, that's uh, down and right as in writing with a pen, downright.com slash artist slash Sam dash Swanson is that link. Also, uh, Gons and I have been working on some new music, Um, got an acoustic EP in the works uh, for the band Slave to Servant. Um, Our URL for where you can go get music is slave, the number two, and servant.bandcamp.com. Um, also, if you want to check out any other cool artsy, you know, movies that are in this fringe movement or uh, music, uh, you can go to godspropertymedia.com. Uh, it's another website that I started. And like I said, I'm just trying to focus all my energies in uh, the arts and uh, trying to make that my ministry. So, Make it your ministry, brother. Well, we got to get going, right, Basil? We got, we got what? We got a few more? 
Yeah, we gotta we gotta talk to some people or something. Yeah, the people. That's no time to talk. We, Get in the machine. Ah. Think outside the cage, y'all. When one podcast dies, ten more shall sprout. Ten, or at least one. <laughs> so let's talk to a new podcaster. Yeah. And talk about what else is going on in the community. Yeah, let's let's talk to someone that that you know. We passed the baton. Yep. I think Sam mentioned her. Her name is Isa. 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 How are you doing, Isa? I'm excellent. How are you? Yeah. So good. It's the end times mama. Yes. <laughs> yes. For those of you who don't know, that she has a podcast and a blog called End Times Mama, or what is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have. I'm doing a podcast series for God's Property Radio that's called Families on the Fringe, and I actually am starting an End Times Mama podcast. I haven't uh, released the first episode yet, but I have recorded it, so it's it's in there the works. And then my blog is endtimesmama.com. So I wasn't wrong. No, you were not wrong. Okay, I just wasn't right. <laughs> well, like you're accidentally right. <laughs> so, so there you go. That's very Story cool. Story of his life. I know. <laughs> now, as the names suggest, I would think that those are those seem to be family oriented, maybe female wife oriented <laughs> <laughs> things like that. The the what I like to think of as the like forgotten demographic of the fringe. Sort yeah, of totally. And I mean, that's why I wanted to start doing what I'm doing. I just felt like there's all these Christian mom blogs and there's all these, you know, conspiracy truth or fringe Christian blogs. And I did not see a synthesis between the two. So I just decided to go for it myself. There we go. Ooh, and you've, my children. <laughs> you've got the children back there. They're your co-hosts, I'm assuming. They are, yes. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so you listen to Canary Cry Radio, correct, Isa? I do. Tell us how great we are. <laughs> um, just <laughs> super, super great and very humble. Too. Yeah, I gotta stop doing that because some people, some people think I'm serious. Yeah, we get emails that. Uh, that uh, I'm a narcissist. Yeah, he's a narcissist. Like and you know, you guys mention stuff like that on the air. I do not get how people don't get your humor, Basil. Like, it, yeah. it seems pretty obvious. They're grumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, how did you get into all this stuff? I mean, what? how did you first uh, hear about the truth? <laughs> well, it was a very kind of slow process for me. Um, I am from San Francisco. I, I grew up pretty pretty liberal and then got pretty interested in kind of like Marxism. And, you know, I, I came of age during the Bush era. So I, you know, we were all saying it was, you know, the, the what's it called? Election was rigged and that the war in Iraq was just for oil. And so it was pretty natural for me to think that 9-11 was an inside job. I, I don't, I never really rejected that. Sorry, I'm going to be right back. <laughs> That's okay. Please stand by. We're having technical difficulties. Please stand by. 
totally weirding my kid out. He's looking at the computer like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, anyway, so yeah, 9-11 being an inside job was, was easy for me to believe, although I never got really too into the research. But when I moved out here to Hawaii, it's a very kind of, you know, people are really into zeitgeist and David Icke and things like that. So right. um, before I was a Christian, I, I heard about New World Order stuff. I remember when I first heard about the New World Order, though, I was like, no, no way. Like, nobody could pull that off. That's ridiculous. Like, I, I just totally rejected it right away. And then when I when I, I met my husband, my now husband, um, and he was a Christian, but he was also, you know, had a lot of the same views that I did about, like, war. And he, he's a vet, so he told me a lot of, you know, things that confirmed my suspicions about the military and what we were doing in Iraq and things like that. And um, then he started to minister to me, and, you know, we got involved and ended up getting married, and, and I was baptized and, and came to the Lord, started studying the Bible. When I read the Bible, the teachings of Christ, it really blew my mind because it kind of confirmed a lot of things that I already believed in about wealth and, you know, the the nature of evil and corruption and, and distribution of power and things like that. Um, but we lived for a few years without internet, so we weren't really into the truth or stuff. After our first son was born, we got the internet, and he kind of got more into it. And again, I had the same, like, no way, no way, you know, Illuminati, that's crazy, no way that Satanists run the world, all this stuff. I kind of was still kind of, you know, in a kind of more worldly mentality. But then when he came across, it was definitely Age of Deceit was a huge uh, paradigm shifter for both of us because before... We had been into. No, you want more. Well, hello, little one. <laughs> Here's Luke. Hi, Luke. Hey, Luke. He's like, what? I am not your father. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he, we were kind of more into the Alex Jones before, or he was, and Alex Jones, you know, is so thick with that like spirit of fear. So I, I definitely didn't want to hear what Alex Jones had to say. I didn't want to hear what Anita Fuentes had to say, you know, like that. I, it just freaked me out. I wasn't interested. And I realize now, you know, that I think that those people are definitely kind of more appealing to that, that fear kind of. Right. But, um, yeah, when we watched Age of Deceit, it explained so much about what my worldview had been based on before, the, the New Age stuff, and and, the, and it explained to me a lot of the strongholds I was having with my faith, and then there was also the Age of Aquarius, uh, Keith Thompson's It's Aquarius Age of Evil, and we started watching Kent Hovind and realizing that we had believed in evolution before then, we were just theistic evolutionists, and um, so it was just kind of like the, and then we, we found like Good Fight Ministries, you know, exposing all the, the Satanism in the media. And it was just uh, like, boom, 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 you know, one thing after another kind of really opened my eyes. And once we actually stopped watching mainstream movies and stuff mm-hmm. was when it was just like, and, you know, I had this gap to fill. So that was when I found the Christian podcasts and stuff. Um, yours was definitely the first one that I listened to, I, I think, you know, back then, I would start to listen to some others and not really know what they were talking about. But yours, it was like, you guys are just like speaking, you know, you're like, oh, it's like my people, like, you guys talk <laughs> like me, you have the same kind of worldview, you're around my age, it was, you guys are hilarious, you know, you guys always crack me up and stuff. And it was just like, I, here are, you know, truth or subjects that I actually want to listen to. And, and just having that very human 
down to earth perspective on all these topics that used to freak me out. It really got me just really, really interested. And I started doing all the research my husband was doing and watching all the YouTube videos and things like that. So it, your, your podcast did change my life in a lot of ways. And same with Age of Deceit, of course. Oh, that's great. And you know, that, that journey too, I think is so relatable. Um, because you, you basically been everywhere from, uh, (laughs) non Christian to Christian to non truther to truther to, you know, you've, you've kind of ran the whole gamut. And I, I say that like it's a a unique thing. You are obviously a unique individual, but that experience I feel is a journey that a lot of people, um, are on and have found themselves at Canary Cry Radio because of that very same journey. So that's really awesome to hear. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, do you have a favorite uh, episode of Canary Cry? Um, I'm sorry, just, just a second. <laughs> Luke! Lukey! Put down the lightsaber. It's okay, buddy. Um, you know, that a side note, that he actually is named because my husband jokingly suggested that we name him um, after Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and I was like, wait, no, I love Luke, the Bible author. Like, that's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Like, let's do it. So we just, we just went with it. That's um, what we call a win-win situation. <laughs> right? <laughs> what? Did you just ask me? <laughs> <laughs> the distracting life of a mother. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I was I was just asking to see if you had a favorite uh, episode oh, yeah. of Canary Cry. Um, it would be really hard to pick. I actually was just thinking about. Um, you guys had an episode where you talked a lot about the Spally Speaks, right? Spally Speaks website. Yeah. Um, I actually just suggested that website to somebody this morning, but um, I don't know why this is. <laughs> No, here too. But um, I don't know why it's always stuck with me. But uh, Basil, you had a comment about just how, despite all the kind of global dominant side of the Illuminati, there's just this very human aspect of child abuse and just how sad that is and how it's kind of easy to forget that there are very real flesh and blood people that are very deeply affected by these you know, kind of creepy families and things like that. And um, I think, you know, that kind of captures the the spirit of you guys' podcast too, just kind of bringing it back, bringing these topics back down to earth and, you know, in, in a way that it, it, it relates to our, our daily life. I also really loved, I think it was the most recent apocalypse update. The apocalypse updates are awesome. I, I, always, <laughs> I mean, your interviews are really great, but when you guys get going, just, just the two of you, it's, it's just old and, you had a lot of commentary about the the truther movement and social media and things like that that I really I really related to. I think a lot of people are getting kind of jaded to this this kind of sensationalistic clickbait way of sharing information that turns out to not really have a lot of legit information in it. Right. So right. I appreciated the commentary on that. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we can just hear the children. Like you're having a party over there. <laughs> Every day. Actually, my husband always teases me that when he's gone, we just have baby party time. 
which is not entirely inaccurate. <laughs> I'm usually well, the, the one serving the party, though. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for that. I mean, yeah, we actually just re-listened to this. The, uh, I believe the episode was called The Inhumanity of the Illuminati, and I think it was number seven which was one of our very, very early podcasts. So that's great. I recommend everybody go take another listen. I might actually just go post that episode on my Facebook right now. <laughs> so now tell us a little bit about your projects. You have a blog and you have a podcast. And we talked a little bit at the top of the interview, but tell us where we can listen to it and what we can uh, you know, refresh our memory as to what we can expect. <laughs> Um, well, I'll, I'll start with the the website is endtimesmama.com, and I, I try to blog there uh, pretty regularly. It's just kind of, I, my tagline is a Christian truth or hippie housewife's musings on life in the final days, which is, uh, I think, probably still a pretty apt description. Just sure. kind of different things that I'm thinking about. I You know, I try to tie it to families and, and womanhood a lot. You know, I write a lot about uh, the feminist deception and just the different aspects of, of biblical womanhood versus kind of worldly modern womanhood. And just cause I have experienced both, you know, and right. um, then the families on the fringe podcast is um, there is a Potomatic link. I, I'm not sure I could recite it off offhand, but um, you can find the episode at godspropertyradio.com. And then it's also, I have a link to the Potomatic site on, um, on my website, if you just search uh, for Families on the Fringe on endtimesmama.com. Um, I just have one, uh, I had one episode out um, that I was talking a bit about um, the history of the Waldorf schools and the Montessori schools and their kind of connections to this world core curriculum, UN sustainability education stuff, and just how, how kind of deep and dark that goes. Um, as far as ties to like theosophy and, and the new age and stuff. And then my next episode, I'm going to just kind of do an overview of all things kind of crunchy living and how to kind of clean up your life a bit. If you're, if you're kind of new to that and why I think it's important to try to kind of, you know, use our bodies as temples. Right. Well, there you go. Amen. There you go. Very awesome. <laughs> well, Gons, I think it's just about that time. Time for what? I think it's time to go home. No, we we can't go home yet. We we have to go home. Yeah, but, but I'm tired. No, but, we're we're going home. Right. Get in the teleportation. Get in there. Get in. Okay. Okay. I'm just gonna lay down right here, and then you just drive us home. Think outside the cage. <laughs> I get to drive. I actually get to drive after all this time. Okay. All right. Well, people, there's one person that I still want to visit. Basil's asleep, so we're just going to go visit him right now. And uh, he's, he's like a doctor and uh, a scholar, and he's super smart. And his name is Dr. Michael Heiser, so we're going to go see Dr. Michael Heiser. Shh, don't wake up, Basil. <laughs> Basil, I don't wake want up. Wake up, Basil. I don't think 
No. I hate no. tomatoes. <laughs> Just get up, bro. What? What? Get up, get up. What do you want? What? Are we home? No, we're not home. What are you talking about? You said you're going to take us home. Yeah, I know, but you. But there was a guy that I had to visit. Uh, I had to visit Doctor Michael Heiser. Oh, Doctor Michael Heiser. Why? <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I think <laughs> I think we found him. So, so All I right. think he's I think he's here. We got to just we got to just materialize Doc. here. Doc, Doc, Doctor Michael Heiser, how you doing? Very good. Hey, thanks for inviting me for this. Oh, you betcha. Thanks for coming on. You're a valued member of the Canary Cry family. <laughs> it's bringing um, a tear to my eye. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who may remember or may not remember, Dr. Mike Heiser has been on twice before, once in episode 40 and once again in episode 81. And here he is in number 100. You know, you're pretty consistent there, Dr. Mike. Yeah, we, we've got uh, at least, you know, round numbers anyway, or yeah. roughly. Yeah, I mean, that's more than I can should say. Have been, so. should have been like episode 120, you know, to make it really consistent. Kind of oh, like Moses, man. you know, it just... <laughs> all, all you smart people <laughs> trying to get some consistency in my life here. <laughs> Which is the last thing that we have on this on this show, yeah, by the way, is consistency. Say. Uh, but yeah, just we're thankful that you're on, uh, you know, just to jump on for the 100th episode here. And 19 episodes ago, what's been going on since 19 episodes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the, there's the book launch, of course. So Unseen Realm has, you know, been out and about and circulating and winning hearts and minds and, you know, making enemies and all that kind of stuff. So and congratulations, by the way, on the 100. That's a... That's a significant milestone. Oh, well, thank you very much, and congratulations on the book launch. Um, how's the response been so far? Oh, it's been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, the, the reviews on Amazon, you know, you know two, between two and three months, almost 100 reviews already. I think we're at 98 or the upper 90s or something like that. Um, and overwhelmingly positive and and. You know, a lot of the reviews, I would encourage people to go actually look at the reviews because some of them are really thoughtful. Uh, you can tell people read carefully and really thought about what they were reading. Right. And it's not all, you know, a high five kind of thing. It, sometimes it's, and these are the ones I like, that, boy, this was freaking me out, but I couldn't put it down. And and I I really can't. Like attack this thing, so I guess I like it. <laughs> you've you've, you've, uh, you've beaten them down to submission, and yeah, you give them yeah. no choice. <laughs> but uh, on the you know on the non Amazon side, I mean, I, I just had the, uh, the annual academic meetings uh, this year it was in Atlanta, and I had I had a lot of people um, come up to me and and you know say nice things about the book. I've had. There were a few professors and you know some well-known seminaries that said I've either already required this or I'm going to require it and wow. you know that sort of thing. So it was, yeah. I mean, it, it's people are starting to pay attention to it. You know, it's only a few months old, and that that means the haters will come out eventually, which which we're expecting. We we sort of thought they'd appear already, but you know <laughs> <laughs> they haven't. But they will. They will, of course, make an entrance and. You know, that'll, that'll be what it is. Well, I've seen the uh, the YouTube video of uh, 
of a gentleman. I'm not going to mention his handle or anything like that because I've been mentioned on his channel as well as promoting Gnosticism. So, uh, you know, <laughs> which is the funniest thing, you know, because I know what you said. Gnostic. Of, yeah. you know, you've done a whole lecture series on Gnosticism. And uh, so I thought it was ironic that he would <laughs> accuse you of, well, of all that, people. That's a nice word. I'd refer to it as idiotic. But, <laughs> you know, it, it. well, it is. It's like, I don't, this isn't what I teach. So therefore, I'm going to stick a label on it that, that makes people scared. You right. Know, that, right. That's pretty much what that is. Right. So you you can't know much about Gnosticism and think that I'm a Gnostic. You actually can't know much about me and think I'm a Gnostic. <laughs> right. right. Well, you know, that's great. What else have you been working on? I mean, is there future projects? I and mean, obviously this book is uh it seems like it's put you into uh, another realm of public light. Um, well, what kind of things do you have in mind for the future? Yeah, that's that's again a nice way of putting it. Um you know, I, I feel singularly unproductive in the last two or three months, and I knew that would happen, but I'm still kind of struggling with it. It seems all I do is, you know, no offense here, but all I do is do interviews. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, we have that in common. Read this marketing copy. Is it okay? Can you write a post for our blog? You know, uh. just, I mean, I haven't worked on anything for about three months, which is right. to me is just horrific <laughs> and, and just does not feel good, but you know, you, you have to do it. Fortunately, I'll, I'll feel I'll, I'll, I'll sort of fool myself into, into, uh, thinking I was productive. Yeah. Plus uh, because you I love coming on our show. It's yeah. Like your favorite I mean, thing to do. Well, I, I like, see, the problem is, is I like doing shows, mm -hmm. but, it's just, you know, when you do a hundred of them, it's like, man, I really ought to be doing something else. You know, like I really ought to be being productive. It just feels bad because uh, I'm, I'm one of these people that I function well when I believe I'm being productive. Right. And when I'm not, it, it just bothers me. But I, I actually have three other books coming out and hopefully they will see the light of day. I'm self-publishing those. It's by design. I'm you know, it's just something different. They'll they'll be available in paperback and Kindle, and then I'll I'll give the rights over to my uh, my employer Logos. There'll be Logos versions, but they're they're essentially three handbooks on uh, I guess loosely categorized Bible study. Uh, the the first one is you know a hundred. They're they're all all three of them are a hundred readings, and each reading is about five or six hundred words. So it's real easy reading. You can do one a day and, and, and whatnot. But the first one is a uh, hundred sort of pieces of advice from a Bible scholar about Bible study. And it's not a method. I'm not a method guy. These are, these are just, and some of them are snarky, to be honest with you. Right. These are just a hundred things to think about, you know, when doing Bible study. Then volume two is, hey, if you knew these hundred things about your Bible, you'd get more out of it. And the third one is a hundred uh, thoughts about Bible doctrine, various you know biblical doctrine, doctrinal issues, that kind of thing. So they're all done. They're typeset. They're laid out. I just have to like set up a store and try to be intelligent about that, and then away Ugh. they go. So, so the unproductive Doctor Heiser is coming out with three books in the next month. <laughs> well, I, see, they were they were done months ago. I I I did these while I was writing Unseen Realm. This this was my evening sort of putter oh, project of course, the other books 
Look, when I say I haven't done a thing in the last three months, <laughs> I'm actually serious. It's just like the most frustrating thing in the world. Because I, what I want to do, you know, what I, and frankly, what I always want to do is is do the next novel. I mean, well, I, that is the most fun I have, and so yeah. I, I naturally gravitate toward that. But well, I was gonna if, say if if you're getting bored, I've got some stuff that you can do. <laughs> Yeah, well, I could say the same thing. You guys are getting bored. I could use an assistant. <laughs> we all know. Yeah, we know the drill. So yeah, yeah. we'll have to talk about a collaborative uh, project. I'll wash your dog, and you go straight my next book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Why not? Well, Gons, I think it's time to head on home, buddy. All right. Sounds I can't. Good. Is this? We've been going for a long time here. Yeah. No, this has been uh, pretty. Pretty marathonic. Is that All a right, word? Me, is that a word? It is now, baby. Yeah, okay, okay. All right, let me just type this in. I need to get back to garage. Gara- How do you spell garage? G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-R-A-G-A-
I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, this was a, a this is a great road trip episode. It is. Hopefully, you know, yeah. people on the road are you know going on this adventure with us. Hopefully, not teleporting though. Like we're while on the driving. road. Generic Cry Radio. For those of you who have supported us financially, we are so so blessed by you, and you're really probably the only reason that we're we're still doing this. Gons and I would have gone broke years ago. If it weren't for your generous support, it's true. And, uh, we also we're so thankful to hear that we've touched so many people, and we just feel so blessed to be used by the Lord in this way. Amen. And uh, you know, there you go. Oh, you know what? Let me just tag this in here because you know this is uh, our hundredth episode, and and this episode, this little journey we went on was pretty intense. So there is kind of a. a, a potential payoff here in terms of making history that we may or may not be able to pull off but oh yeah we've never announced this have we no we haven't so we're going to announce it now at the very end well this episode that you just listened to just now has been submitted to where guns the guinness world records for most guests on a single podcast (laughs) yes we are officially submitted, and the application is in. As of the airing of this episode, uh, we have no probably, idea. It's <laughs> probably going to be like three months until we even hear back from them. Yeah, because so. because they wanted like an enormous amount of cash to actually get back to us sooner, and yeah. we just didn't have uh, the enormous amount of cash. But you uh, know, if you built that time machine, we would have been able to figure all this out before posting but you know you always you gotta just keep you just keep you bringing up knock excuses just man. because i haven't figured out time travel yet yeah you're, i just teleported you all over the way yeah all over the where yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a new term of phrase all over the where in term of phrase yeah that's actually all kind right. of good i like that yeah. all over the where yeah not, not a place but a where oh, that's what us teleporters call it oh okay you, yeah. are you starting a club now Is that and when it's on? time travel it's all over the when the when ah yeah. you're the where people and eventually we'll be the when people okay so <laughs> <laughs> so we are sincerely thankful for all yes, of our listeners we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you thanks for listening everybody and make sure to tune in next time to canary cry radio But, until then...
outside the cage. Think outside the cage. Just because y'all said something, hey, think outside the cage. Y como siempre, piensan fuera de la bala. Love ya. And think outside the cage. Think outside the cage. Remember to think outside the cage. Keep up the good work and always think outside the cage. And as we would say here, j'aimerais cachot and think outside the cage. Think outside the cage. Orino soto kara kangaero. Piensa afuera de la jaula. Think outside the cage. Think outside the cage. Think outside the cage. Think outside the cage. Yeah. Think outside the cage. Think outside the cage. Conspiracy theory. The joyspiracy.com slash face like the sun. YouTube.com uh, search the joyspiracy theory. Wait, why don't you have the. the I don't the know. Force? It wouldn't let me. I don't think I'm popular enough to have my own, my own URL. That's ridiculous. All you got to do is sign up with Google Plus and. I, I did. I did the whole thing and then I Google searched it. And you still can't do it? And I still can't do it. I think I need to be more popular. All right. Well, you guys need to go subscribe to the Joyspiracy Conspiracy. Wait, what? Joyspiracy Theory. Yep. So Basil can actually have a, uh, a link that's legitimate. Yeah, I don't, I don't have like a lot of the cool perks that YouTube gives you when you are popular. For example, a silver play button. Ooh. All I need is 100,000 subscribers. All I need... <laughs> I'm really close. I think right now I have 150 subscribers. At this recording, I have 85,576. But all I need is, what, a little over 14,000 more, and I get a silver play button. Literally, they mail it to me. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's like an actual thing? It's a real thing, yes. It's a physical what? object. And you get a letter from the CEO of YouTube. Okay. So, the Joyspiracy theory... <laughs> Only needs ninety nine thousand eight hundred and fifty more subscribers, and then I get a cool thing. Yeah, do okay. it. Okay, you never know, man. Maybe people will jump on board the Joyspiracy theory like it was the Beatles.
and their whole Crowley occult thing going on. The Beatles. <laughs> okay. As All if right. this podcast isn't long enough, we have us pitching our own thing. Banter for another hour and a half. Have you yeah. heard about the conspiracy that Paul McCartney actually died? Like back in back in the day, I have heard that, and and there's all these hints on the album covers about how the Paul McCartney in the later albums is a fake Paul McCartney. Yeah, I don't know why they'd want to do that. Why they'd want to what? I don't know. I feel like Paul McCartney isn't even that big of a money machine. Are you kidding? No. When was the last time you saw him on like a? famous anything well no i'm talking back in the day like the beatles album covers oh you think he died way back way then. back yeah yeah like oh. the beatles knew and like you know abbey road he's the only one that's uh i can't remember something something something's different about him when he's you know when they're that famous picture where they're walking across the street yeah i've, I've seen some of the things there's like the drum thing if you flip it around there's I, there's just all kinds of weird stuff mm. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the Face Like the Sun YouTube channel, which <laughs> where we discuss or such matters and more. And yeah. uh, you know, if you're if you're feeling too bummed out to watch my channel, yeah. go over to uh, the Joy Spiracy Theory. And- See, that's kind of what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is, and I, you know, I haven't really put this out yet. Is that you know, people will spend a few hours watching. Things like Face Like the Sun and some of the more serious stuff that matters. Stuff Go ahead. That matters. Totally credible, <laughs> awesome material. But then, like, just need a little pick me up. Like, it's a little dessert after the whole meal. And that's the Joy Spiracy Theory. There you go. D- dessert for your soul. Yeah, and l- some cat videos and stuff like that. Although, you know what I have noticed? I put it, the limericks there, too. Everybody oh, loves. True. The limericks have been doing video versions of that. Although your last limerick was kind of a downner. They're all choice conspiracy theory. Well, they're all kind of downers. Yeah, that's true. They're all you gotta kind of have a sarcastic sense of humor, right? Well, get any joy out of them. Yeah. Well, you know, I was um, gonna say that. uh, What was I gonna say? I totally forgot what I was gonna say. It's all right. We got time. (laughs) (laughs) You think people are sick of hearing us at this point? No, I'm sure there's somebody on a road trip right now. Ashley, Ashley from Ohio is on a road trip. She's going to New York. She's on a road trip to New York to start her new acting career. And she's usually people that's going out on her own. Come to Hollywood in LA. Not, no, not so a much big acting thing in, in New York. Have you heard trust the, me? Have you heard the conspiracy theory about the acting? That New that goes York on? isn't even real. No. <laughs> No, but like the acting that goes on there is, you know, controlled by, you know, a certain group of people and they got certain things that you got to do to get into the crowd with the whole Broadway thing. And oh, oh, right, right. No, I mean, I'm talking about I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but I can fill in the blanks. So Ashley is riding in her car right now and she was listening to this episode because and, and now she's still listening. Okay, but I'm That's actually right. going to do a real life person. Okay, and she's freaking out because we're talking about her. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about a real person. Okay, and his name is Cody. Mm. He drives a truck for 11 hours a day. Cody, what is up? And he uh, and he actually commented. And he was one of our 
ratings and reviews on iTunes. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he says that he likes the podcast and the information is, is great and it's much better than listening to music and audiobooks. So there you go. There you go, Cody. This one was for you, buddy. I think we have a number of truck drivers. We'll just start devoting every episode to a different truck driver. We should. Yeah. We should really do that. This is for all you, all you truckers out there with your cool hats. Yeah. Keeping America moving. Ooh, that's, that's right. not bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a podcast called Truckers, uh, the Truckspiracy Theory. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> the tr- oh, I remember what I was going to say there earlier. There are 11-hour episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that'd be good. No, I was going to say that when I'm doing a face like the sun video and like every once in a while, there'll be something that like kind of makes me laugh, you know? Yeah. And I, and I include it as kind of a joke, you know? And it's just like, and it's different because it's just me. Like I'm not, there's no thing with you kind of back and forth thing. It's just like me saying it, you know? Yeah. And I, I think you're more comfortable in doing stuff like that where it's like you tell a joke and you don't care if people laugh or not, you know? You just tell it and you just go move it. And for me, I'll say it and I think it's funny, but then like I'll get comments that like, why you gotta be messing with this thing or that? And it's like, guys, I was joking, you know? Yeah. So I do throw little jokes in there, but it's, it's, it's very dry. Yeah. The, the key is that the jokes have to be funny, Gons. I'm leaving. Gons. This is it. That's it. It's over. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> You're funny. No. We love your funnies. Well, yeah, well, I, I got, I got 85,000 subscribers. I know you really do <laughs> guys. We got to catch up we got, guys. Everybody's on my team. Guys, we have to catch up the joy conspiracy theory. All right. Well, I don't know if I can go any longer on this episode. Yeah, it's it's uh, this one was really really long. We're gonna have to answer to Jesus one day for all the things that we've done in our lives. Oh my god! And he's gonna be like, "Yo, yeah, that podcast guys, episode one hundred was that, a that little could have, bit. That could have been, you know, that was a little much. That was a little much. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna be like <laughs> refined in fire. That's the first thing that's gonna burn is this episode <laughs> <laughs> when we're being perfected." <laughs> All right, everybody. I think that's about it. Okay. Happy episode 100 to all. Yay. Bye. Think outside the cage. 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 
Think outside the cage. Think outside the cage.